Stock Talk Podcast. Ha ha ha! Here we go, buddy. Man, we made it. Episode 100's here with a vengeance, and I love it. With uh, lots of things happening all oh, at the same time. It's been uh, been a wild year, as we all know, in 2020. Yeah. Um, no question that uh, the setup that we have currently is absolutely wild with lots of cords <laughs> and uh, everything running places. Yeah, we're, we're, we've been doing this to get set up for like, I don't know, two hours at and least. At, at least. So we're, we're, we're still figuring it out. Yeah. But we're, we're a mobile studio. That's what we do. But we are here in Indiana at the beautiful Edge, Edge household. Brand new. Yeah, lots of bare white walls currently, as you can tell <laughs> uh, from the background if you're watching on YouTube. But if you're listening to us on whatever platform you typically do, uh, thank you for joining us here in this final episode of Stock Talk Podcast for what we have yet to be determined uh, on a comeback. We're not real sure yet. Uh, likely sometime after Baby Edge arrives. Yep, which is April. April. So, um, yeah, we just uh, going to take a little bit of a breather, as people say, and uh, go from there. We're going to come back at some point. Um, how frequent, we're not so sure. When, we're, we don't know, but um, it'll be good. It'll, it'll be, be good for good. everybody. So, uh, first and foremost, everybody, thank you uh, for sticking with us, first and foremost. Uh, but secondly, uh, we had like over 320 people enter to all the draw links that you're going to see today. Yeah. Um, so we've got, we've got many guests. So later on in this episode, you're going to have a conglomerate of knowledge uh, with some huge guests that we're very, very pumped up about, some of which you heard last week. Um, so make sure if you're ready for it, buckle in. Um, also, we've got a lot of drawings. As I said, we've got all of our sponsors at least donated something, and they're going to be present, uh, which we got a whole box back here full of names. Lots, so lots of names. we didn't have enough room up here to put it up and, and get it going. So yep. So this uh, here's what to expect in this episode. Uh, obviously, you know that we're going to have several different guests on. Uh, we're going to have several different segments like we typically do. We're going to have the drawings uh, that Trevor just talked about. But more than anything, uh, before we get to our guests, we we want to take a little time to reflect on what the last two years has been like for Trevor and I. And uh, we absolutely could not um, have even dreamt that there would be a podcast section to submit nominations for for best of the barns yeah yeah <laughs> and yeah. uh and what's crazy about that is there's i don't know probably a dozen or so stock show related podcasts anymore they're growing we heard last night even that there's like uh, two or one. three more yeah 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 so um the fact that that's even a category is is incredible so if you are a fan of stock talk podcast and you wouldn't mind submitting a nomination for the 2020 Best of the Barns, which has been known as the most prestigious awards in the livestock industry, um, chosen by the people of the livestock industry. So that's uh, that is a uh, SullivanSupply.com Pulse um, 
kind of thing that they they made up. So if you have your cell phone in front of you, text uh, the keyword podcast with stock talk, and then uh, send that to two two three three three. We would appreciate your nomination, and uh, I believe those nominations close on. January 1st? That's right. Just a couple days away. So uh, if you want to get those in, I, I, I know we've had several people reach out to us and said they were nominating, but just to make sure that Stock Talk ends up as a top nominee, we know there's lots of other podcasts out there now. There is. There is. But, a lot of uh, good ones. Yeah. And um, yep. we, we're always going to be the first. We're going to hang our hat on that for as long as I live. And um, like you said, who would have thought in 2021 coming up that we, we would even have a division? Uh, for the best of the barns. No, no kidding. So no kidding. Love but, that. Uh, Trev, let's, uh, let's take these folks back in time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, uh, everybody's heard the story by now and, and they know how, how stock talk actually started. And we're going to do a little bit of reminiscing and you'll hear through throughout this podcast, but, um, we had no clue what we were doing when we got started. And, um, I was living in plain city at the, at the, uh, um, Went ranch, uh, doing some herd management there, and we had a uh, a little room. And Corey came over after we decided to take off on this deal, <laughs> and we had our microphone set up and our old laptops, and we were like, yeah. "We don't know what we're doing. Let's do some YouTube videos and try to figure this deal out." Um, and I'll never forget, we had some kind of technical issue with we were trying to start try to figure out how to start a podcast. Our microphones were having this huge delay with our laptops. Yeah, we, we could not figure out how to get two microphones going at the same time so that we could hear each other and and then still have our own separate audio, which I know that you guys listening probably could care less about how this all works on the back end. But to <laughs> us, it was completely foreign. Yeah. And Trevor, for those of you on YouTube, Trevor has a clip of me... Uh, trying to read some news. I believe it was tech basketball news that yeah. I had on my phone just just to see truly how bad this audio delay was going to be. So uh, let's let's hear it. Whoop. Easy offense is mostly a pipe dream. <laughs> when number eight, Texas Tech, entertains number 23, Oklahoma. <laughs> so let, let me just say, I was stone cold sober in that video. Uh, th- that was that was strictly an auditory <laughs> delay yeah. in my voice that made me sound like I was uh, very intoxicated. I will say that <laughs> he couldn't even form a sentence. He had to start reading stuff because he couldn't even get get a, get the words out. But yeah. that's how far we've come. I mean, and this stuff still evolves. Heck, we we sat here for a couple hours trying to figure it out. Still, uh, we at least know how our microphones work now uh but holy buckets well having a youtube show uh is something we never thought we were going to do right but uh you know we figured we've done it a couple times with a few different episodes and we're like uh episode 100 and hey we spent just as much time trying to figure this all out and to trevor's credit uh (laughs) this entire production was done by him and and thank god because i would have messed it up severely there's 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 a lot of platforms out there and lots and lots of YouTube videos that I had to watch to get this stuff even kind of remotely close. Uh, it's far from professional, but it is what we got. And 
we got a lot of stuff to cover, and we're going to throw it up there. So if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, whatever, um, that's great. That's normal. Uh, but know that it is on YouTube as well, and, and you viewers on YouTube, you get to see a lot more of the stuff. So uh, what you may hear, you're not going to really see. Uh, we've got a lot of visuals coming up. Um, and, uh, it'll be worth seeing is what I'm getting at. 100, uh, 100%. But, uh, if, if you're driving down the car, obviously you gotta, you gotta just listen to it. So, um, without further ado, Corey, um, it's about time for our first drawing, but better yet, it's our, from our first sponsor, which is Walton Webcasting. Man, what a, what a relationship that was built with Walton and one of the very first, uh, you know, groups to reach out to us and say, Hey, uh, we really think that this could take off and be an interesting, uh, avenue. We want to be a part of it. And so, uh, literally since maybe not quite the first episode, um, but pretty dang close, uh, Walton has been a huge supporter of us and, uh, allowed us to kind of lean on them for some ideas and stuff like that and work together. And, uh, I I think all it was, was just, a a simple text message from an old Blackhawk uh, uh, alum and uh, Mallory Esprinscheid kind of reached out to us and said, Hey, uh, we would like to try to work with you guys. Um, how can we get involved with the show? And from there, it's just blossomed into an incredible relationship. Yeah. Um, and, and it was one of those deals where we weren't, I, I wouldn't going to say timid, but we're like, man, we love the folks at Walton before we, they were even sponsors. We were like, right, you right. know, we, we, we love those guys. And we didn't want to step on any toes. We didn't know what this what this podcast deal was going to go towards. It wasn't visual, but we thought, man, if we could work with them, them be the visual, uh, all the um, the things in the ring, and then we can kind of talk about the stories and all that. And the re- it, what they do at shows this has nothing to what we do on the podcast. But right. if you remember the um, the interviews that they had, the stock center and, and all that, you know, it, it was, could be really gelled together. So luckily um, we had that uh, Mallory kind of reached out to us and, and that relationship has been extremely strong. Uh, we had a conference call with him not too long ago uh, and, and just super supporters. Um, so uh, we, we put the best of the barns up there and you heard last week, we think they are very, very qualified to be uh, our industry leaders. Um, so that's our nomination and our endorsement, uh, is when you do put your list together for the best of the barns, uh, we, we hope you consider Walton webcasting to be the leaders, because if you think about it, uh, 2020 was very hard to get anywhere. Um, and they were able to video a lot of things and, and keep the industry moving. So, uh, with that, um, Walton has been amazing and, What they are giving away here in just a few moments at the end of this segment, you're going to want to see. A full-year subscription to Walton Webcasting. We've been telling you, you need to get this. And if you haven't already, um, this is your chance to get it for free. And they're going to have a hat and a T-shirt to throw in with it. So uh, if you're already subscribed, maybe this is a great gift for somebody who doesn't yet have it. Or maybe grandma and grandpa who want to watch their kids show uh, or their grandkids show all summer or winter long, um, sign them up. So Walton donated that graciously. But before we get to that, um, <laughs> we got to talk about some funny things that happen with our <laughs> friends did. at Walton. Uh, we, we talk about it frequently in the episodes, 
previous, um, and we talk about them every episode. But and I hope people don't fast forward through all this because this is not your normal podcast. This is the season finale. We're going to dig into each and every one of these guys because it's part of a, a part of the the show in yeah, the podcast. Part, part of what Stock Talk has become for sure. So we went to um, Walton, Indiana, after we had a lot of discussion on you know. Let's get this commercial made. They they yeah, throw yeah. out some amazing I, stuff. They, they they were like, well, you guys, you guys really should have something visual. We know you're an audio uh, type production, but you should have something visual to help promote who you guys are and and how the podcast started. So, like, oh yeah, good idea. So we went to Walton, mm-hmm. and they were yeah. The whole purpose was to shoot a commercial, but and we we had no idea like what they're like. What do you want for a commercial? Like, I don't know. We're funny. Let's let's start there. And, and Greg well, was well. We think we're funny. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's up for everybody else to judge. <laughs> um, but we we wanted something comical, uh, but that kind of showed the story of the podcast. And um, Greg helped us out, and and um, KP and the Polans, Lindsay, uh, just kind of went with it. So this whole commercial that we're going to show is actually shot in the Poland residence, which is not that far from. Uh, the Walton Live Casting Studios. So they threw all this thing together and came up with a storyboard, and the the end result was absolutely comical. Um, so with that, we're going to show you the commercial if you're on YouTube, and then you're going to be able to listen to it. But then what happened after we were done shooting the commercial and we went to lunch is probably just as funny, if not more funny than actual commercial. No question. So here's what we came up with. For those of you who haven't seen it, uh, this is a Walton webcasting production of the Stock Talk commercial. Patrick. Corey on the pooper. Yellow. <laughs> hey, Corey, what's up? Hmm. Nothing? So I got an idea I want to run by you. Okay. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> Hear me out. Livestock podcast. Huh. Yeah. Uh, that's crazy. So crazy. Just might work. We can try speaking swine. Yeah, we should do all species. What about goat gossip? How's that all species? All right. Yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Itty bitty chair. So what do we call it? <laughs> Stock talk. Hey guys, welcome to the Stock Talk. Man, what a production. I I am so glad, though, that I decided to cover my double chin with a beard uh, and change my facial hair. But uh, that that was a lot of fun because we had no idea where we, we were going to shoot this. And Kyle and Lizzie Pullen said, oh, we've, we've got some you know space at our house if you guys want to try something. Right. And we got into the house. We're like, okay, what are we going to use? It's like props. What are we going to sit down? And Kyle and Lindsay's boys had this itty-bitty recliner. <laughs> I mean, itty-bitty recliner. And uh, I'm like, oh, man, Corey, with your large stature, you should totally, we should use this somehow. And yep. uh, couldn't. <laughs> we were like, just, just don't. Don't sit down on it too fast because they do like that chair. Yeah, yeah. They were I was worried I was going to have to buy him another one. <laughs> but, uh, no, that was... <laughs> if you want to... That was 
we should really reshoot another commercial at some point yeah. in time. Yeah. Just just because of how fun it was. But the thing is, is like they'll do that for anybody. Yeah. Not just us. I That's mean, right. It's pretty cool. And they, they'll come to your farm if you want to do I mean, you should you should see if when you get on Walt webcasting all of the um, the on-site productions that they have for for anything. Right. Um, so uh, we love our folks at Walton. So <laughs> last thing about that um, was, you know, there's On the Road with Greg, and we talk about it frequently, but we were actually part of one, and not, in, not, purpose, not on purpose. Um, so I'm just going to let this roll, and then we'll talk about it after. Hey, where are you? Uh, so something fun happened to me uh, this past Thursday. The guys from uh, uh, Stock Talk uh, were at uh, the Walton Webcasting offices and we decided to take them to lunch at a local eatery called the Dog Shed. Yes. Uh, by the way, if you're ever passing through Walton, Indiana, uh, make sure you stop there and grab a tenderloin. They're amazing. Uh, but uh, we're standing in line waiting to get our food and all of a sudden, boom! A 70-year-old man just drove right into the building and we ran out there and we said my first thought was oh man this guy's had a heart attack we we walked out there and I was like sir are you okay and he was like I must not be I did this and his wife sitting in the passenger seat with her arms folded like you're an idiot uh, but um, yeah that was uh, that was an interesting moment uh, in the life of Greg on the road <laughs> that was that was single-handedly the uh, the most near death experience I've ever had. Yeah, I mean, it sounded like I, I I don't well. So there was a propane company right next door. Yeah, you remember? And I thought there was an explosion. Yeah, we thought, oh my gosh, somebody smoking next to a propane tank that was leaking, and this whole thing blew up. Yeah. <laughs> no, we just turned around, and after plates and everything flew across the room, there was a, a nose of a truck sitting in in the middle of the the dining room. Just. Uh, you know, little hole in the wall place in Walton, Indiana. Not the first time that's happened. They said, "Yeah, evidently." And you know, we would have thought, "Oh, you know, they'll probably put up a concrete barricade or something." You know, one of those yellow poles or something sticking out of the ground. Absolutely not. They just patched it up, said good enough, and uh, they're going to risk it again. I guess so that's right. Every time I've gone by, they they have not changed, uh, but uh, their tenderloins are incredible. Yeah, Greg, Greg was not lying. Good stuff, man. We've been there a couple times with the Prina Show Feed uh, Honor. Uh, virtual camp. Yep, had uh, commentated some virtual shows. Um, Ju- I judged a virtual show in Walton. That was pretty fun. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Well, Corey, I think it's time to do our first drawing, and it comes donated from Walton Webcasting itself. As I said, we've got this big. Oh, my hat's in there. Let me get the hat out. Oh yeah, that's for that's for a later drawing. So okay. here we go. You're gonna get. From Walton Webcasting, a hat, a t-shirt, and one-year subscription. Congratulations, Don Kreitz. You are the winner of the Walton Webcasting package. We will uh, we will get that on there. I failed to mention, you got a free extra name in the hat if you bought something from us on our website. True. Um, if you bought an online order, you automatically are in the drawing. Uh, your name uh, is in the box. Whew. Good stuff. Wow. Off to uh, a good start. Right. You know, another cool thing. Let's just talk about this, Trev. Another cool mm-hmm. thing that happened 
with Walton uh, was we had an opportunity to interview one of our mentors. Oh yeah, uh, at uh, at the expo, um, circa 2019. Yeah, um, and that was Dan Hogue. Dan Hogue, the live episode. Uh, several of you commented that that was uh, one of your favorite episodes uh, that that we've done at Stock Talk and. Uh, I tell you what, it was fun. We we uh, we kicked up, we laughed. Um, one of the most educational moments I've ever had sitting next to Dan, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't in the classroom, even though it felt like it. So, yeah. if you have not listened to that, I believe that's episode number twenty. Uh, go back and listen to uh, Dan Hogue live at the exposition. What an awesome event that was, and broadcasted on Walton Webcasting. Um, very, very cool event that we, that we got to do. Yeah. And there was a heck of a lot of people we talked, we've, oh, we've talked about that frequently. Crazy. Um, so good stuff. Well, that um, that was amazing. And, and we can talk more about that, uh, in the future, uh, another great sponsor and another drawing coming up, uh, showpig.com. That was another very, very early sponsor of ours, um, that, you know, living at the Wint farm, uh, I kind of brought up the idea to to the girls in the office and Kevin himself, and he thought, man, it'd be a great, great partnership. Yeah. Um, so we did that, and we started pretty early, um, and they've always been supportive of us, putting Jumbotrons and e-blast, and I'm sure you, some of you got that e-blast um, uh, b- before this episode. So very, very appreciative of that. If you like our website, that is all what they do. Um, and they can do it for you as well. Uh, so it's super clean. Uh, Kim is Kim West is very, very talented and easy to work with, and so are all of uh, the people that work for showpig.com and Show Cattle Connection. They're kind of gelling together and do a lot of things side by side. So um, with that being said, there is an awesome prize pack that I'm pretty jazzed up about. Um, let me pop it up there. I'm I'm still getting the hang of this. You're going to see all kinds of flashing and stuff. So there it is. Oh, boy. You're going to have a hat, a T-shirt, a show towel, a sweatshirt, and some stickers, all courtesy of showpig.com. So we got Corey's face blocked out if you're on YouTube, so we don't. (laughs) There you go. Uh, Good stuff there. So here we go, showpig.com. Trav, you'll draw this time. I'm going to draw this time. All right. I got it. Here we go. Connie Kolb, you are the winner of the showpig.com swag bag or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Congratulations, Connie. Uh, Connie actually was uh, one of the ones that ordered from us on the website. On the that's, website. Yeah, that's uh, she got an entry for doing that. We uh we are going to support those that support us. That's right. No question. Absolutely. So, uh, also, I guess we kind of failed to mention that with Show Pig comes Show Cattle Connection. Yep. Uh, as well, who is uh, obviously a, a new player in the online sale uh, industry, but they have partnered up with uh, the Wint Group and ShowPig.com to bring you uh, just an awesome, awesome sale venue site. So That's right. Make sure that. Uh, when you are considering booking all your sales, look to showpig.com and showcattleconnection.com as well. Already got the next one flashed up there. Fierce Threads, the Big Paul Lifestyle Company. Um, awesome folks there too. Uh, if you like this gear that we've got, the hats, uh, you could have purchased these in earlier 
uh, and, the, and the flash sale we had. We've got merchandise still available. Although we're not in production, um, you can still go on stocktalk-podcast.com and buy merchandise all done by Fierce Threads. Um, super clean work, and, and they're efficient. Um, the stuff they have is next level and, and kind of in the future. Uh, they're not old trends. They're kind of chasing the new ones. So, and Big Paul Lifestyle Company, uh, we've said week in and week out, I hope you put some of those gifts underneath the Christmas tree. Yeah. Uh, but what a good way to start 2021 and, and get you some livestock gear in all species. No joke. Uh, there's also um, a similar story to how we got started with Walton as as we did with Fierce Threads. Mark and Jenna Stanley uh, reached out, and, and we got to to visit with them. Um and just you want know, you want to talk about some of the most down to earth people in the industry that have had just a tremendous amount of success success not only uh, with their business but you know showing livestock uh, with with their kids as well. So uh, I would say that if if you are looking to get apparel made, no doubt the Stock Talk recommends Fierce Threads and uh, just uh, the Stanley family. Uh, if you're listening or watching. Thank you very much uh, for your support of us and um, being able to kind of continue down this journey. So, yeah, they were part of the Dan Hogue show for a little they, bit. They uh, were. Mark yep. got the Mark. That was the the birth of they, Big Paul. They announced Big Paul. That's right. They announced Big Paul. So we got to see them start that, which is pretty cool. Oh, so what uh, what do we got to do now? Is, well, I think uh, I think we got to do a hats off. Trip. We've got to. I mean, it's a lot, it's, it's episode one hundred. You go first. Okay. I think this is going to be, we're probably going to be on the same page here. Probably. Probably. Uh, Folks, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't take my hat off to you, the listeners. For for all you've done for Stock Talk, for all you've done for uh, the industry, promoting these other podcasts along with us, uh, allowing us to share thoughts, sharing your thoughts with us. Yep. My hat goes off to you uh, in this season finale, episode 100, before Trevor and I retire for a few months. Yeah, that, that, like I said, this is going to be a duo hats off. Um, you, the listener, thank you, thank you. Uh, rather you hate us or love us, rate us good or rate us bad. Or rate us good and give us a bad review. Yeah. Which I don't <laughs> understand how that happened, but it did. That's a funny, funny story. Yeah. Um, we really do appreciate you watching, listening, supporting us, um, because without you, we're, we're just speaking into a microphone and maybe that happens anyway, but it, it's been awesome. If we didn't have you guys, we honestly wouldn't, uh, wouldn't do it. Uh, and there's thousands of you that listen, uh, and support us. So super, super grateful. One, uh, one stat that you, the listeners should know, um, is that you guys have gotten us to three quarters of a million downloads. How about that? Uh, you know, we, we were excited when we hit, uh, half a million and that was huge. I'll, I'll never forget that moment. Uh, when we were, where we were getting close, never would I have imagined that we'd be so close to a million downloads. Unreal. And we'll probably put a post out there when it does happen. It's getting there very fast. Um, but we are <laughs> 750,000 downloads plus. Uh, the, the the ticker keeps ticking on that thing and, and goes goes a long way. So, no question. Well, um, now I guess we kind of uh, we kind of get into one of 
one of our favorite segment that's that we've developed and and something that um you know went unsponsored for a pretty good amount of time until now until now that's well, right not exactly now but you know well several months ago that's right we we put a we put a post out there or no it wasn't even a post we just kind of said hey um breedem ship and show them is now it's available, available. Yeah. and can be sponsored and formula of champions got a hold of us right away shout out to levi richards he uh, he said, "Man, we'd love to do that, and um, just throw us uh, throw us a contract and agreement, and we we got the bowl rolling." So, uh, you guys really need to dig into this uh, because their their products are highly fortified, high quality, uh, and, and sweeping the Midwest. They're getting more and more popular with all species. And if you want to know more about this, go to formulaofchampions.com. and of course, they are a division of Kallenbach's Kallenbach Feeds. Um, and the coolest thing about this Breedem Ship and Show em segment this time is that they're giving away 10 bags of any species, 10 bags of feed from any species. Whoa. And yeah. some apparel. And apparel, which I don't know about you guys, if you do the math on what it costs to get a bag of feed, 10 bags is quite the donation. Yeah. 500 pounds of feed, man. No That's kidding. That's crazy. So we're we're very thankful from our flit, our friends. Words are still tough. Still tough. Never going to not be tough. Yeah. Um, very thankful for them at Breedem, the sponsor of Breedem, ship them, show them, <laughs> and to get them out there. Good lord, I might as well just tie my tongue by myself. I, how we made it to episode one hundred <laughs> beyond me. Jeez. <laughs> Uh, all right, oh, we're just whipping these out here because we have a guest, a surprise guest for Breedem Ship and Show Em. We do. And I'm pumped about it. We do. All right. All right, let's, okay, so we're going to draw. Here we go. All right, here we, uh, all right, 10 bags of feed. And some apparel. And some apparel. Alex Toth, congratulations. That was a, that's a big win there. Big win. Big win, Alex Toth. Congratulations, Alex. Uh, yeah, thank you for entering that. Uh, I could imagine probably got quite a few people's interest in entering, along with our other great things that we've done. But um, read them, ship them, show them. Uh, got real fun. Uh, shout out to uh, everybody that had the opportunity to enter um, in, in the read them, ship them, show them. So we did a thing. Um, I think we started probably... I don't know, episode 90 or so, uh, that every five episodes we would use whoever was in a drawing for... Uh, no, we did it way before episode 90. We've done this. 90 was like the first drawing. 90 was so... Yeah. So it was like every five episodes we would do drawings or you know we would enter people into a drawing pool. And uh, then at episode 95, any anybody that we use for Breed'em Ship and Show and Beyond That, we were going to put in a swag bag gift package uh, which includes some pretty cool stuff from from us. Oh, yeah. So that there, what you're saying is there's an elite group out there. There's an elite group out there that made uh, what we deem to be very creative freedom ship and shoms. Uh, and I think this week's uh, for the for episode 100 might just be the most mind boggling one to date. However, I will say one of my all time favorites was last week's episode 99. Yeah, uh, that would that very, very good. So you're going to notice that there is a hat that we draw from. This has a group of names in it and that these names right here 
are on, they are only eligible for the swag bag, the, the Stock Talk podcast swag bag, which includes a long sleeve T-shirt, sh- short sleeve T-shirt, uh, sweatshirt, hat, uh, banner. an autographed banner, all kinds of stuff. So if you send in a Breedem Ship and Show Man, we used it, your name is right here, and you're the only one that's eligible for the Stock Talk swag bag. So yeah. after we get the Breedem Ship and Show done, we're going to draw for the Stock Talk Podcast swag bag. Well, Trevor, uh, we are not going to be doing the Breedom Ship and Show traditionally. We are actually going to have the gentleman that created Breedom Ship and Show That's right. On the show today to give us the ultimate BSS we've ever had. Let's get after it. Let's do it. Corey, many people have heard the words Max Look in our podcast for quite some time. So here's the man himself. And the reason he's on here during our Breed'em Ship and Show Em segment is he's the inventor of Breed'em Ship and Show Em. Now, Max, I want to tell you, we get an outpour of emails and Facebook messages and text messages about this particular segment. Good, bad, and ugly, everything in between. So here's the inventor himself, Mr. Max Look, Look Livestock. Meat production is going well, so welcome to the finale, sir. Hey, thanks for having me. Just for clarification, inventor is a stretch. So I just stole it from Step Brothers. I'm kind of like Facebook. I just stole an idea. I repackaged it and made it suck a little less. That's all. Yeah. Very limited creativity. So... The entirety of our drive to uh, Georgia, one very cold winter. Uh, Max Luck, miserable. Myself, Isaac Mersh, Beam, Isaac Beeman now, uh, drove uh, through the elements. And while Isaac slept in the back of our small rental car that neither Max nor myself could fit in the backseat of, Max says, hey, you know, stepbrothers where it's you know to keep it pg f1 marry one kill one let's let's convert this to breed one ship one show one and we came up with some wild stuff to keep us awake so max thank you for gracing the stock talk podcast nation with this repackaging of an idea uh and because we have you on the season finale we're going to have you read us a scenario that you came up with for Breed One Chip One Show One. And might I say, <laughs> this one's pretty interesting. Oh, no. And uh, uh, like we said before, we got the swag bag drawing here after a bit. So we're going to make sure we dig into it. And then Max Looks got his own announcement. So. Here we go. Ball's in your court, Mr. Look. Here we go. So, uh, hey, Derek, guy that's been used three times, pack a lunch, cowboy, because <laughs> it's officially Right? Here we go. Corey, you were talking about the elements, by the way, I think. not. That was the same trip. Not only did we coin the phrase breed one, ship one, show one, but I think the world claimed the phrase polar vortex. That was yep. the begin. if you recall that. Yes. It was a real thing because that's on Snapchat filter. 100%. So here we are. 
episode 100. They said make it a doozy. Here's a doozy. Instead of just three things, because three is an odd number, can't, uh, can't just leave three forever. So we're going to toss a fourth one in here. So instead of just breed one, ship one, show one, we're going to have breed one, ship one, show one, then purchase one and not tell your wife how much money you actually spent. <laughs> so your options include, I'm going to use the phrase elite while it's beaten like a dead horse. We're going to assume elite in general. We're just going to cover all bases and refer to it as a just a badass, all right? Fair enough. So an elite buck, uh, we're going to call this a sheep buck, with the ability to sire weathers that will class in all black and white face breeds depending on the U-base you breed them to. Okay. Uh, also toss in that he is uh, a negative for dwarf gene. Negative because, door. I mean, yeah. hey, why not? Buzzword. 2020 buzzword. Next one, herd bull that can be registered as a key, which I can be registered as a key. Uh, maintainer and percent semi. That is triple clean and can sire show heifers, haired steers, and slicks. Mm. Bye-bye. Hey. Um... The third one, last year, you are the owner of a thoroughbred. Aiden Luck joining Breed One Ship One Show One <laughs> officially. What's up, buddy? You want to say hi to the people of Stockton? You're, you're the owner of last year's triple, triple Crown winner. And all of a sudden, the thoroughbred registry says, you know what, we're going to get with the times. AI, do it willy-nilly, we don't care. Make it happen. Fourth option, elite Hampshire boar with no genetic junk to pack on or pass on. Simple. <laughs> Breed one, ship one, show one, purchase one, and don't tell your wife. <laughs> how much. Oh, man. This is good. So we're talking, we're talking thoroughbred. We even got a horse in the mix now. So we're not just talking show stock. We also got a horse in this mix. Um, I cannot imagine what that thing would cost. So that's the one I'm going to purchase and keep it in Hank LeVan's uh, stable. There you go. And, and just say, Hey buddy, we, we got to make room for this one and we're going to get some, utilization of the ai um we'll, we'll keep this between us that's the that's the fourth option for me um then we were down the breed one ship one and show one if i've got a hampshire boar with no genetic junk to pass on got a high-end buck with the ability to sire weathers Black face and white face, my goodness. And then we've got the herd boar. Hang, hang one second, Trevor. I think it's only fair that we define genetic junk okay. for those that do not follow the Hampshire game. That's fair. Uh, quality joints, acceptable feet. No off belts. Only eight new claws, consistent belts. No swirls, 
guaranteed to pass breed purity just pretty flawless guaranteed to pass breed purity and a minimum of six and six down low okay goodness all right um there's a lot i think i'm going to show the herd bull that that registers um 50,000 different ways. Yeah. I mean, talk about yeah. showing that one wherever the heck you want to. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm showing the herd bull. Then that leads me to either ship the Hampshire boar or breed the buck. And if I get black and white faced ones, depending on the U base, you could have several U bases and get all of the above. No discrimination. No discriminations. Um, but the Hampshire boar, I think we, we, we need to strive to do that anyhow and not have any junk in the trunk. So I'm going to breed the buck, chipping the boar. Whoa, 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 whoa. So I'm, I am buying the thoroughbred, not telling Emily. I am showing the bull. I'm breeding the buck, and I'm shipping the boar. Whoa. There's my answer, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, dear well, Barbara. So, <laughs> so Max, I think, so when we play this game here, it's like we, I think we all come to the understanding that if you show one, uh, you can show one with the intent of selling. Is that, is that not correct? And I feel like the premise is if you're going to show like a herd yeah. tire, yeah. something like that, you do it under the premise, you're going to sell them. I would assume. So, yeah. mm-hmm. so here, so here's what I do. I'm going to show the thoroughbred pony, the triple crown winner. Mm-hmm. Show him, knowing that AI is available. Feel like I might break a record for for how much that thing could be worse uh, worth. And uh, there's no question that I think uh, we're talking millions of dollars. So I'm going to leave that one there. I'm going to show I'm gonna American show, dollars. Yeah, American. A lot of American dollars there. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to show the pony. Um, for sake of what they could possibly be worth, I mean, you're talking about a genetic anomaly in the high end buck uh, to be able to sire elite show stock no matter what you breed them to and get color patterns, right? No way that that thing is worth uh, that pretty much priceless is what I would go with. And so I would not ever want to tell my wife how much that one cost me. So I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy the buck. And uh, you know, I don't, I'm, I think I'm shipping the board and I'm breeding the bull. Ooh. Okay, I didn't think that's where that one's going. I'm I'm breeding the bull. Triple clean. You can register just about anything out of that thing. And you're talking making hairy steers, slicks, and show heifers. Name another bull that can do it. Woof. That's what I'm doing. So the official committee here is going to come up with something that's a little different. We're going to have low cuts. Uh, and we're just going to have to sort this one in the room. So I think Corey's on the right track in the event we are going to buy something and not tell our wives how much we spent. 
at some point she will find out and you need to have something in your back pocket to say I had a little coin sitting there that needed to be spent or else the government was going to take it. You're dang right. right. So you're showing, you're showing the thoroughbred. Cash in on it. You're cashing that thing in. Nothing. Okay. You're showing that one. Um, I personally am going to purchase this Hampshire boar and not tell my wife how much it costs. Because at that point, there, in my opinion, there's the genetic anomaly. There is the gold mine. That is the alpha and the omega of genetic progression. I am going to breed the bull for the, cert, for the purpose of it's very comparable to what the sheep is doing because you can cover lots of different bases uh, as far as breed registry goes. And I'm going to ship the sheep with this idea. What the hell am I going to do with the sheep? <laughs> Personally, like, ain't no, I mean, he's, he's my three-year-old's pet and zoo project. Like outside of that, yep, not my deal, man. <laughs> Just think of all the semen sales you could do. Oh my gosh. This is interesting. Well, 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 yeah. I mean, really any of them, really any of them, but the one that's worth the most money is without question, the thoroughbred. That's, that's why I'm owning it. I mean, yeah, there's always potential to sell down the line, get well, that if, thing win and get them fillies on the track. Assuming, assuming this Hampshire Assuming this Hampshire boar, it does not come with any junk. One might assume that he's an outcross. <laughs> and if you're going to purchase him and not tell your wife, surely uh, how she's going to find out you bought him is that she's going to stumble across the bill for setting up a cell line on him. And while he is good and while he is an elite purebred boar, Chances are you need to make sure you set up the cell line before you get him on the dummy because there's a 50-50 shot after that first pull. He's going to come off the dummy and flop over to as a hammer. Yikes. So imagine what that thing is worth if he rolls over dead, outcross, and you have one pull on him. Mm, yikes. Well, uh, this is why this is totally a fake scenario. <laughs> and, and one that uh, you know, would be fun to have to make the decision. That's right. Max, I cannot thank you enough. That was inventing breed one chip, one show one. People love it, man. And people love it. Buy one and never tell how much you 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 spent to your wife. Throwing a wrench in the season finale. Gotta love it. Gets people going. Gets people going. So, Max, uh, you got some exciting news coming um, for some baby pig sales. What's happening with the draft? So uh, last year, you guys came to the draft and uh, helped us out, operated uh, operated uh, opposite corners of the ring, uh, didn't, uh, had an awesome time. Uh, um, you guys helped us promote some uh, with um, some ad reads, stuff like that. Uh, came in and emceed uh, the combine or a live preview. Uh, it was a big hit, incredibly successful, kind of one of those uh, – unicorn scenarios where 
the first loss test was long lots of the barn and the success and I think with the climate that we're seeing right now just from a um, you know just forecast potentially what challenging sales was uh, moving forward uh, into 2021 uh, I said you know let's just make this banger right let's go kind of off the wall and um, try to go uh, bigger go home I guess here so um, Here's the plan. Uh, while we really enjoyed our time at uh, Seneca FFA's land lab, uh, because that's publicly property with the school district, uh, we can't really lock that down for sure, uh, being a venue. So uh, we went ahead and went to private property. Uh, so on March 7th, the year of our Lord, 2021, we are going to host uh, the draft show pig sale uh, at Orwig Event Center, Toulon, Illinois. It's a Sunday, uh, privately owned property. Uh, while a lot of people are wondering, hey, is this sale going to happen? Rest assured, unless the Stark County Sheriff is sitting in the driveway saying, no, you can't, yes, we are having it. So uh, what that allows us to do is uh, spread that out a little further um, and invite more breeders. So uh, while we've been consistently 12 to 15, uh, I think right now we're up to 30 committed, uh, both uh, in-state and a handful out-of-state guys. Uh, invitations uh, and confirmations are still coming in, so I don't want to drop uh, all the names on the list. But um, from a standpoint of proximity, Illinois is going to be the hot spot that weekend as far as, uh, um, you know, uh, Bobble, Rash, and Lackey are selling the day before. Ogle's having his traditional farm sale. Um, Cuff and Olson are going to have something also that day. So uh, about an hour and a half north, all three of those places uh, on Sunday afternoon, uh, we're going to get a conglomerate together uh, and have a real big baby pig so hopefully there you go well uh we're pumped for it and um it was a blast last year uh really good ones and uh did some success with that if, if i'm mm -hmm. not, not mistaken so um make sure you circle that date there in march and uh hopefully get out there so max man thanks for joining us it was uh it was great it was crazy like we wanted it and uh, the people love it, man. The people love it. I appreciate it, guys. Uh, doing awesome. You guys deserve a little bit of a break and come back. Keep on rolling, reminding them who uh, who started the ball with the Stock Show podcast game uh, and who's still king of the mountain. <laughs> hey, thanks, buddy. We appreciate it. Uh, good luck this fair one season. We will uh, we'll see you in March. Adios, fellas. Be good. Whoa. That was good. That was awesome. We do apologize. There's a little technical glitches here and there on that one, but uh, yeah, hopefully you guys got the gist of that. I would love to hear what other people would do with that scenario. Just wild. Just, <laughs> and we added a fourth. And we the fourth. Yeah. The, <laughs> don't tell your wife how much you spent was uh, definitely worth it. Uh, that was pretty good. Pretty good. His mind is hilarious. Nice. And so, yeah, the, the story goes, you, you guys had a road trip. And created yeah so so Max Max uh, Isaac Beam and myself we we all three of us were judging uh, a three day show in Georgia and we just rode together and uh, yeah it blossomed out of nowhere yeah and it became so remember back in the uh, oh I think it was our first expo um, Isaac and Max introduced it like put out a little teaser to see if people liked it or not people loved it. 
Oh, yeah. The problem was we couldn't come up with them quick enough, so we put the responsibility on our listeners, and then that's when Breeding Ship Show caught fire. Yeah. It, it is crazy to think, Trevor, how many different segments we had. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about that. Things that kind of changed. Um, Social Smash was one of them for a while. Yep. Um, we had we had some pop-up segments. I don't know. I can't remember all of them. Uh, yeah, there was... Uh, oh, what was the audio that one time we used? And maybe it was for Social Smash. Oh, uh, yeah. I've got it. Here, let me find it. It was pretty funny. Yeah, anyway, I don't know what that was for. Oh, and uh, uh, Preach. Um, preach, yeah. I forget what we called that one. I don't remember either. We, we, we've had a lot of ideas, and I think the ones that stood the test of time kind of stuck. Yeah. So Well, fortunately, um, you know, it, they were learning experiences, too, because some people didn't like the segments, and we're like, all right, makes sense. Let's yeah, do it. yeah. Well, it's, it's all about the people. So It is all about the people, Chad, but you know what? It's all about creativity when it comes to breed and ship and show them that's right let's uh let's do a little drawing here elite group this elite, is only this is elite group of people who uh have one all right we, we go okay tory way tory way congratulations do we remember what tory's submission was by chance i don't i don't remember we probably should have put that up there um uh, but <laughs> i'm telling you these these guys are creative um, no question. And <laughs> you know what? This is our show. I'm going to I'm gonna do a little uh, Facebook search. Yeah, I, I was doing the same thing. All right, you do that. I'll keep talking. Uh, so, yeah, the amount of submissions that we got, though, uh, to pick from was insane. I will say special shout-out to uh, Derek Jeffries. Yeah. Uh, that gentleman came up with some insanely good... Uh, breed them, ship them, show them. So th- this is a true, um, just very basic, very hard oh, breed them, yeah, ship them, yeah, show them yeah. that we did, remember? Yeah, this was the Bulls. Yeah, the Bulls. Wade Rogers, Here I Am, and then Lautner's Monopoly. Yep, and then Severa's style. Uh, Angus, Angus Bull. Angus Bull. Wow, so, huh. Good luck. Yeah. yeah. We never really heard much feedback on that one. I'd be interested to know what other. So, and then, you know, not to be like forward, but remember, we were like, you know, those are fun, but nobody wants to ship any of those. Yeah. Those, those are debates to be had in the barn. For yeah. Sure. And that, that's what makes it fun. Yeah. But then we got the creative spins on it. You know, then we started the, like the Christmas one, man, Derek, Derek's mind is, is and he's been in her three times. So we used three of his yeah. and Hey, it's luck of the draw. It's it luck. is luck of the draw. All right, well, that uh, that's freedom from show. So, all right, well, let's take a quick break, and we've got a message that we sent out there that I I want to make sure everybody gets it um, because we got to remember, folks, COVID is still here. Unfortunately, right? It's been a crazy year, but it is truly about the kids, and people overuse that phrase, um, but they can get caught in the middle of it. Um, so let's keep that in mind. And with that, we've got a little bit of reminder. So here we go. We are not giving up. We are stop show strong. 
So remember, folks, we are stock, stock show strong. Uh, those of you that are in a truck or listening to this on, on Apple or whatever, probably sounded a little weird. Um, but I encourage you to go to YouTube because there is a quote from no other, no other than Ernest Donahue, who had a really good phrase in our episode with him that we, we stuck in there. So, yeah, good stuff. Uh, there's there's a lot of a uh, lot of things in this episode that get me excited, um, but one of them is just uh, kind of this reflection time that we've had and, and being able to to kind of, I guess, look back at the last two years and, and what it's meant to us. But one of the neat things that I think has happened uh, to us is that we haven't chased any sponsors. Yeah. Not one time did we go ask people, um, you know, or call people up and say, hey, would you like to sponsor Stock Talk? Uh, we might have made a few posts out there that things were available, but it's not like we went and sought it out. And one of the really neat things that's uh, happened to us recently is the good folks at Ag Butler have done for us. So Ag Butler is an app that we've been promoting, and pretty much uh, what it does is it allows you to locate labor um, and be able to hire people. Or if you're a person seeking work, um, you can you know create a portal for yourself and yep. uh, show that you're available. So Ag Butler has given us some koozies to give away. That's right. There's 10 of them, um, and they are brand new. So I asked them if there was anything they wanted to do, and they were like, yeah, we'll give away 10 koozies. So you can always have koozies, you know. Yeah, so many, so many needs koozies. Uh, but this is a cool app. It's something brand new. It's a great idea um, that they just kind of, they, they call it the Uber of the livestock or the agricultural world. Yeah, yeah. Whether yeah. you're putting up fence or whatever. So It's like Uber for livestock. Here we go. Okay, so uh, how do we want to do this, Trev? we got 10 koozies. Do you want to do uh, five names? They get two koozies each? We could do that. All right. I mean, that way more people get stuff. All right. Okay. we got a lot of names in here. We do. All right. Winner of two koozies, Zane Wade. Congratulations. All right. Okay. I don't think we have to hold it up. People know no, what we're digging yeah. at here. I think I've got like five. All right, here we go. Ben Lennig. Oh, Ben Lanig. Past guest, good friend. That guy could uh, use a koozie or two. All right. I'll just keep whipping them out here. Okay. Here we got Dakota Stanglin. Getting two koozies. Oh, here we go. Oh, Sally Dieball. One more. And Dana Pate. All right, there we go. Got all of our koozies given away. Thanks to uh, Ag Butler. Donating all the koozies. Love it. I mean, I don't know what stock show person doesn't use a koozie. That's what I'm saying. There you go. That's good stuff. Uh, we've got uh, we got a lot to get through here, Trev. <laughs> we got more giveaways nine. still. Uh, just tons, tons of giveaways, which is... Uh, is not bad at all. Mm-mm. But uh, 
I think one of the uh, one of the other cool things that we've had an opportunity to do um, with this podcast is to give back. Yeah, that was one of the things where we are we, we didn't really start in like oh man we can donate a bunch of money to we hope we could sure but it was one of those deals where the opportunity arose and then it arose again and then it arose again and every time we were able we tried to give back mm-hmm. and tried to set that that mode of, of, you know, we've had a lot of things in the livestock industry that I'm in forever in debt to just what I've learned or people getting me off the right start or donating equipment, whatever it is. Um, and when we could come up with a platform to give back, um, that was something that we definitely wanted to do at all, at all times. And, And some of the times, Hey, uh, we just couldn't and we, we hate it. Uh, but we could do as much as we possibly could. So I think, if I'm not mistaken, one of the first times we gave back uh, was we donated 10% of our uh, profits to the Ronald McDonald House on behalf of little Henry Day. That's right. Um, if you remember back, I think that was two or three summer types ago. Uh, we believe it was 2019. Okay. Uh, yeah, Brian Arnold gave an awesome speech at yeah. the National Junior Summer Spectacular in Louisville um, and just kind of prompted our industry to, to pray for that family, the, yep. the Nathan day and family um, for little Henry. Henry's doing great. I keep saying, I see Snapchats of him all the time now. Um, but uh, you know, one of the things that we didn't know we were going to be in a position to do. And I think the big lesson in all this for us was, you know, uh, if you're truly passionate about something, want to create something, you can do that. Um, and always keep in mind that giving back should be a priority. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And when you're able to, especially, um, it's, it's just something that that's, that's really awesome. Yeah. Um, a couple other examples we've got written down here. Um, Autumn Zondel of Pennsylvania, uh, ran into a really tough time. Uh, we were able to, uh, donate, um, to that auction, Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think a Pudliner Livestock got That's that right. one, yep. and we read that. Uh, the American Cancer Society, on behalf of, of Melinda Henseroff, my mother-in-law, uh, with her passing, we donated, I think it was over $300 with people just generously donating oh, um, yep. to to that, um, and they sent us a nice letter and got that back, so that was awesome. Uh, Corey, you can hit up the next one there. Yeah, the alternative, uh, if you guys remember back in, uh, in the spring when COVID hit real hard, uh, Houston shut down and, and that caused, uh, some, some chaos in the South. Yep. Um, there was several, several folks working, uh, that got that show put together. And, uh, we thought, man, uh, if there's any time that we can be able to help some, something out that we know will impact quite a few, uh, kids and exhibitors, uh, we thought we would give to the alternative. And so we did that. And then, uh, Trevor had an incredible idea. Uh, to create uh, when all the these virtual shows were happening that uh, you know there was something that was missing and that was a showmanship competition yeah and we really wish we could have done all species that's what we try to strive for right um, but obviously my brain went to pigs first mainly because I've always had this idea pre-covid uh, and that idea was a obstacle course-esque competition yeah and with with COVID, I was like, well, heck, this is this is the time to pull it out of the out of the bag. So uh, we came up with the showman. Uh, we had 22 states represented 
um, all virtual, and they sent in their videos. We had Brianna Lawyer and Kane Austin, Austin yep. uh, judge for us. Four species, as you're used to, or four species, four divisions, four divisions <laughs> uh, of all all different ages um, that we're used to at the NJSA, and uh, it was awesome. It was extremely tough. From what our judges say, yep. uh, they made us do the course three times. Each showman do it three times. Uh, we did our own little um, cyber stock show, if you will. Right. It was a blast. It was and fun. we had Sweater Guy also a part of it. Yeah. Um, the belt buckles. Holy cow. Oh, man. Um, uh, yeah. Very, very cool. And, and Stock Talk obviously uh, got nothing out of that, which I think anybody now understands if you've put on a show of any kind, it's – it's uh, totally worth it in the end when you get emails or letters or something back that says, thank you for what you did for us. Yep. Uh, that was just really cool. But, you know, if we did not, uh, if we did not start the showman, Trev, if that idea was not birthed, um, you know, I think we wouldn't have had the relationship we've gotten right now with another sponsor of Stock Talk Podcast who's doing an incredible giveaway, and that is... Tarbell Marketing and Design. Jace Tarbell helped develop the logo for the showman. And then, uh, boy, we got a lot of real cool stuff after that. Our apparel line, uh, our, our new Stock Talk logo you see above Trevor Nye's head if you're watching on YouTube. Um, really, really cool. And so we're going to do a drawing, another one, believe it or not. We've got several more to go after this. Yeah. But, uh, this is a giveaway show. It's this, like Oprah. This, you get a gift. <laughs> you get a jelly. Get the money. Get the uh, Jace at TM and D has donated a $250 credit Woof. Uh, to get any work done that you want. So, uh, I will tell you if you need a logo refresh, if you need a banner designed, uh, ad design, anything like Graphic, that, graphics, whatever. you name it. Uh, Jace can do it. So let's, let's do it. Let's go pull it out. All right. There's so many names in here. Somebody's going to get real lucky with this one. All right, so the winner of the $250 TM&D credit is Ryan Holman. All right. Where, where, what did he put in? Facebook. All right. That's a Facebook. Congrats, Ryan. Man, that's a big in there. Thank you, Jace Tarbell. And I'm just saying, uh, we were connected with Jace um, to do a lot of our showman, the showman graphics. Yeah. Uh, my sister did a great job um, with with a lot of it, but with her profession, uh, alongside of everything else, she just couldn't keep up with it, and we respected that. So she got us started with the the basics, and then Jace kind of uh, took off from there. So, um, but with his marketing skill, and hey, maybe we should do this, and maybe we should do that. That was all Jace, and. The lower third graphics, yep. all Jace and uh, Tarbell Marketing and Design is is truly next level uh, and and just really really awesome. Well, um, no no question that Jace uh, got our vote for uh, Creative Designer of the Year for Best of the Barns too. We talked about that in episode ninety nine, so you know how to vote or nominate now. So make sure you do that. Um, but another thing, Trevor, we we've been putting this off. That's right. We've been putting this one off. Um, we uh, announced a while ago that we were going to be doing a scholarship uh, for Stock Talk as a way to kind of give back to folks that were maybe in similar situations to Trevor and I um, prior to going to school or, or getting out of 
um, kind of junior college and senior college thing. But uh, what we wanted to do is create a scholarship. So we did uh, the Stock Talk Build Your Legacy Scholarship. And the premise behind that was, you know, we wanted to know um, what the next generation was going to do in building their legacy and what they wanted to offer our industry um, and what they wanted to offer the, the youth of our industry. So with that being said, Trevor, it is time to finally announce the winner of the Stock Talk Build Your Legacy Scholarship. Finally. And I apologize. We apologize for putting this off so long. Um, there's a lot of things that happened that, that we just wanted to tackle first. We knew this scholarship was always going to be there. Yep. It was shut down, but didn't mean it was shut out. Yes. Um, we had amazing video submissions. The letters were incredible. Um, and we had to make them work for it. They had to send in a three to five minute video. Yep. Uh, as, as uh, words <laughs> along with a letter to describe how they were going to build their legacy. Yep. Yep. And we were blown away by the youth of our ag- agriculture industry um, to put their hearts out there. Some of them got my, the hair on the back of my neck standing up with their personal stories and their struggles and how they overcome it and how they plan to do uh, just as much for the next generation, which right. was super encouraging. So with that being said, if you had a entry, thank you for submitting it. Gather around if you're on YouTube because we are about to announce the $1,000 winner of Build Your Legacy Scholarship. If you are on the not YouTube, if you're on Spotify or wherever listening, congratulations, Miss Jenna Siegel. My name is Jenna Siegel. I'm so excited to be submitting this video for the Build Your Legacy Scholarship for Stock Talk podcast. My story is a little different than most. I wasn't somebody that was really born into the show stock industry. I was brought into it at a younger age. But to give you some background, both of my parents were raised in production agriculture and then showed livestock for fun. My mom was raised in a diversified crop and livestock operation where their grain was still integrated into finishing out fat cattle and taking them to market. My dad's side of the family was a cow-calf production operation that primarily focused on seed stock and purebred livestock marketing. So both of them still showed livestock. Both of them still had the opportunity to be 4-H and FFAers, but their family really focused on production agriculture and that side of things outside of raising livestock for show. When I was seven, my mom married my stepdad, and that was when I really got started into the livestock industry on the junior side of things. Uh, My sister and I immediately were submerged into showing livestock at the national level. In 2007, our very first national show, the World Pork Expo, we actually had the grand champion Yorkshire Gilt, the reserve champion Yorkshire Gilt, and then we sold them as record sellers for that time. So we really got jumped in quick and ever since then we've been stuck. Uh, We have shown swine primarily at the local, state, and national level and found success everywhere there. We have been so fortunate to have had those opportunities that our parents gave us in the junior industry. Outside of pigs, we still went ahead and showed cattle and sheep and even goats at the local and state level, but never pursued them quite as heavily at the national level. At this point in my life, 
I serve on the Team Purebred Junior Board of Directors where I have the opportunity to serve over 5,000 youth annually, which is extremely rewarding. It is humbling, grounding, and a massive blessing. I love it. And then on top of that, I just finished my sophomore year on the Lincoln Land Community College Livestock Judging Team, and that was an outstanding opportunity that I found myself in growing as a communicator, growing as livestock evaluator, making all kinds of industry connections, and then finding success within that. My team was the Reserve High team at the National Barrow Show, and then Myself specifically, I was named high individual at multiple smaller invitational contests, was the high individual of cattle reasons at the National Western and many more. It was a huge blessing. I would not trade that for the world. So now at this point in my life, I am going to be transferring to Iowa State University this fall as an agribusiness major. And then on top of that, I will be on their livestock judging team. So my story is very diverse, very different than a lot of people's, but at the same time, I feel lucky and blessed to have gotten to the point I am from my humble beginnings, I guess you could say. The show stock industry will help me continue to build my legacy by providing me those opportunities to make way for the next generation. So as you read my letter, you can really get a better feel for exactly what my goals are. But my goals directly pertain to the show stock industry. The show stock industry has gotten me to where I am today with industry connections, incredible experiences and opportunities. That groundwork has been laid. Now it's up to me to utilize what I've learned to meet my goals within the industry to build my legacy. I ultimately hope that my legacy is an incredible female livestock evaluator who set the groundwork for the next generation to continue to grow, to continue to improve as livestock people and honestly as stock evaluators that also at the same time represented production agriculturalists, helped farmers, and worked in real world agriculture that serves more than just the livestock industry that we're so familiar with. I hope my legacy connects those two worlds. I hope that I continue to work in those two settings as a professional, as an evaluator, and as a mentor to youth. Trevor Kirkpatrick, I don't think uh, there is a more deserving winner. And, and let me preface that by saying the submissions we got were incredible. Mm-hmm. But uh, congratulations, Jenna. I, I couldn't be... Uh, more honored to uh, to offer you the first Build Your Legacy Scholarship. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you, Corey, but what really got me, I mean, it was in a very professionally spoken video, um, but the last 45 seconds was was w- what we were looking for. Yeah. Um, you know, what has this industry given you, plus what do I plan to do with it? Uh, and she had a plan. And that, that was what really stood out, uh, in my opinion, um, uh, amongst the, the very strong field. Uh, but what, what was your thoughts with it? I, I was probably thinking along the same lines. The, the thing that I really was hoping we would get out of this is um, for the, the folks that submitted to not only be proud of their, their, their current achievements, um, but to be hungry for more mm-hmm. and, and ge- be genuinely um interested in wanting to build their legacy within our industry because I feel like you and I have been very fortunate to kind of do that. And um, 
never once, I think for us, has it been uh, an easy road right? by any stretch. And so, you know, um, there's there's lots of folks that are deserving of, of this. And uh, I think that's what kind of sealed it for me, though, is, you know, uh, Jenna's background is very interesting. Um, but what I thought was more important is that she did, you know, kind of continue to reiterate that, hey, I am, um, I'm not done. Yep. So. That's, that's the truth. Yeah. And, uh, you know, seeing her work with, with the youth and, and, and the show pig industry and, and, and they're on awesome. So congratulations, Jenna Siegel, uh, the winner of our thousand dollar build your legacy scholarship. Uh, well, uh, Trevor, I think this has been a long awaited <sighs> part. Um, uh, of this awesome, awesome, awesome episode 100. Yeah, we had no intentions of making this fast. This is our last one for a while. Yeah. So we're going to take as much time as we need. Yep. Um, but with that, uh, we've got our first guest. We do. And I'm pumped up about it um, personally. And let me, let, me, let me just throw this out there. And we've said this a couple times. I don't care what species you're involved in. If you appreciate history of livestock, specifically as it pertains to show livestock, you're going to love this interview. I encourage you, if you haven't already, go back and listen to episode number two. Pause this video or pause this podcast and listen to episode number two. Um, With that, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to finish the story that Jim McCoy started. Back in episode number two. It's amazing. It's super fascinating. I can't wait to look through the pictures he mentions. But here we go. Our first guest, Mr. Jim McCoy. Corey, we've got a familiar face on. Familiar voice. Been on the show a couple times. If you remember, back in the second episode of it all, we've got a, a story to finish. So we've got Mr. Jim McCoy here. And it's a video this time. We're not used to that. So all, all kinds of new things to wrap up. What is episode 100? Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this because I know the three of us have visited since our, our first uh, episode conversation. And if anybody remembers that's followed Stock Talk since its inception or have gone back and listened, this particular episode was our very first uh, guest episode and Trevor and I had no clue what we were doing. Our interview skills were probably subpar and uh, there's no question that we could have asked better questions, but luckily Jim uh, knows his story better than anybody. So we, uh, we were able to kind of piece that one together, Jeff. So yeah, he, he, luckily he led the interview for us. (laughs) Jim, thanks for coming back on again. And uh, we're excited about this because um, you know, there was a lot of lot of things that could be said uh, in that interview, and uh, luckily we're, we've got a follow up one. So uh, I encourage you watching and listening. Make sure you go back uh, to episode number two. Uh, that is it's Jim McCoy. It's a brave new world. Uh, listen to that. There's a lot of background history uh, that we're getting ready to dig into, and this is kind of the sequel, if you will. So if things get a little confusing, I encourage you to go back and listen to, to episode two um, to hear a little bit of background. I don't care if you're raising rabbits or whatever. 
this story is interesting because it's history. Uh, it shaped a lot of things. Um, so with that, Jim, uh, again, thanks for joining us. And uh, we're going to get in uh, to some of the, the Piatron boars uh, that were that kind of shaped a lot of things and Pistol Pete, again, all part of that story. So picking up where we left off uh, in that episode, we just played a little clip about that's a different story for a different day. So give us the background uh, of maybe where these hogs came from and, and what it was like to get them here. Well, thanks, Trevor and Corey. I appreciate the opportunity to come back and, and visit with this. I wasn't just, just totally comfortable with everything. It was a, such a detailed story. And I know we had an hour uh, logged in that particular episode just about the stress gene you wanted to talk about. And there is a lot of information about the stress gene, the good, bad, and the ugly uh, of that that you can go back in episode two and definitely check up on some of that. And and, and obviously, when you mentioned Pietrins, stress gene goes goes with it. It just uh, it's It's part of it. Uh, on the good ones anyway. And um, it, uh, you know, it basically all this uh, transpired in 1995. So to go back a year or two before that, we, we started selling semen on that first carrier Hampshire board in 1993 and uh, putting together a little flyer and um, just had this, and everybody and their brother didn't sell semen back then. There was like three or four or five major board studs and, 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 uh, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but we were actually maybe the first family that tried to, to sell semen and wasn't necessarily going to do it in a big way. Just, uh, just wanted to offer semen and, and have something unique. We're always been about trying to build hogs, uh, in as unique a possibility, uh, unique a way as, as we possibly could. And one thing that, uh, had been dabbled in a little bit through, uh, Bill Range had the Euro swine program, uh, that was Pietrins and, and, um, then some of those percentage hogs, um, had kind of been talked about a little bit, but not anything really done with, because back in the day, back in 1993, 94, um, you did not see a crossbred boar, believe it or not, you did not see a crossbred boar, a black crossbred boar used or cataloged anywhere. Um, just the it, opposite just like, now. Yes, exactly. That's, that's, that's like 90%. And our sales, that's basically what it is. It's, it's the bulk of our sales. And, uh, so, you know, the only, the only crossbred boars I know of that were low percentage Pietrins, they were called exotics back in the day. And some people called them um, composites, whatever, what have you. But they were low percentage Pietrins and they were white. And there was only two of them that I'm aware of. And I may miss one. Somebody may call me out on this later and say, well, there was this hog or that hog back in the day. But there was a board at uh, High Point called uh, White Lightning that was a pure white, very low percentage Pietrin board that had some Euroswine Pietrin in it, which was the Belgian Pietrin. And there was one at uh, Randall Bucks at Triple B called Exotic. And the year I judged, uh, I judged Fort Worth in 97. And, and the, the pig I made grand was a pure white crossbred Vera that could have shown as a York down there. And uh, he was sired by Exotic. I can remember that. He was a really good Vera. And, uh, but the, there, was a, there was a stigma about having to use purebreds. And uh, I was a Hampshire breeder. And I can remember the first guy that, uh, that ever talked about um, selling H, uh, HD boards, you know, F1, the Hamp Duroc boards. You thought he was a communist. Uh, I mean, everybody just, oh, what are you doing that for? I can't believe you're selling out. And, you know, it was just a horrible thing. So you had to use purebred genetics. So there was very little of, of any of that that went on. It was just dabbled in and started by some other guys, but, but not really done much or talked about very much. So if I had the opportunity to get a, a purebred Pietrin, so to speak. Um, I thought it would be a neat, unique kind of a thing with my little deal. I was going to start selling the, 
semen out of a few different bores and, and just have four or five bores and, and offer it to the public and, and see how it went. Well, obviously you just couldn't go up the road and, and pick up a, a good spotted up, up-eared boar. So um, didn't really know how to go about it. And there was uh, Scott Evans worked for me at the time. He does several national shows and county shows there. And he, he just lives, a good friend of mine lives up the road. He lived, he worked for us at the time. And, and he knew this guy in Indiana that uh, Gary Maloney that had, uh, had had some purebed pieterns, so to speak. They were, some of them were out of uh, strobel breeding out of Canada. And some of those had spot background, which they were a little bit heavier pieterns, I guess. But uh, we, uh, uh, we, I went out there and found a couple of red spotted females, which I know I talked about in the last episode. This is all part of the story. So I, I apologize if I repeat too much of it, but it, it, it is part of the main story. And we dabbled a little bit in that and, and bred those, uh, those couple of uh, uh, red spotted females back Hampshire and got some skunk faced uh, black hogs, but they were, they had that extreme top shape, that extra groove in their top, the extra loin edge and the extra uh, explosive kind of a, of a stifle. And we were in a period of time and everything rolls around in cycles on type and kind in, in our industry because we're a visual industry, strictly a visual industry. It doesn't make any difference really what's inside. It's what they look like on the outside. And we needed that particular shape. So they would not be considered extreme today at all. But at the time is like everybody wowed and awed about that, that litter pigs out of red spotted females. And they, that would have been low percentage. It'd have been quarter blood or less uh, percentage, but, just dabbling in that, um, at the time I went out and, and did that, and Scott hooked me up with, with Gary out there, and we looked at some hogs. Um, I, I started, and this is another repeat from the other episode, but I got this magazine that came in the mail and, and never ordered it, and it was International Pig Topics, and it just showed up. and never ordered it, and, and, and I got it for months and don't know why. Um, and I noticed an ad in there, and the Pietrin thing was a, was a very, it was a love-hate basically with hog breeders. Uh, people could either appreciate what they had to offer or they damn them to death because it's like, God darn it, they're, they're, they shouldn't be here. They shouldn't even be on the earth. They're, they're different. They got the stress. They got, you know, they're just so, they, they defy nature and they did defy nature because they had so much muscle and so radically lean, you would think, well, they just, they're, they're throwaways. Well, truth be known, they're some of the most productive sows we ever had was those half-blood pistol peak daughters. Uh, thin skinned milk veins, good quality underlines, good mothering ability. Um, the boars had tremendous libido, um, jumping ability. I mean, they could, they could, they could clear and, and not think about it. Um, so there was a lot of, I didn't want to be arrogant and say, this is the answer. I didn't want to be arrogant and say, and you'd be thrown away. I wanted to see what I could see. So through this ad, um, in that magazine, you know, we're in a, we're in a, we're on, we're doing zoom here now. We're not even close to each other where we're at and we can see each other and we've got social media and we've got cell phones and, and we can text and we can do all these things. You know, back in the day, it's, you had rotary phones and you sent stuff in the mail and then you had to wait on it. So I sent away for that, uh, circled that little thing like they used to do in successful farming and national hog farmer about the, the circle of card and they would give you information. And I sent away for this particular Pietern ad I'd seen in this national hog or in this uh, international pig topics and a couple other things. And I waited on them and I got the other stuff and didn't get this one. And just, it just kind of bothered me and I wasn't mad, but it's like, well, they didn't get me anything sent. 
And this ad was so different that I'd seen because all the ads or any kind of Pietrin hogs I'd ever seen were damn near like Belgian blues. They, they were obnoxious and way too much muscle behind and um, too radical. You know, it would have been way too much for anybody to swallow in a generation or five uh, because there was just so much. Uh, but this, this other one was, um, you could tell they were different. They were more elevated. They had a neater looking front end. They looked very sound for their kind and they had a lot of muscle, but it was not that double, triple, quadruple mess. It was, it was a smoother muscle pattern. So I, that's why I sent away for this information. And anyhow, I, uh, I waited a few months and this was back in 1994 then waited a few months. I didn't get anything. And then I'd get this daggone magazine in my mail. I never ordered again. There'd be that ad again. It would be haunting me. So I would, uh, I would look at that. I finally, I got that rotary phone I was talking about, go over to it. I dial zero. Well, man, for those of you who don't realize what that is, that's dialing the operator. And that's the way you had to do everything. If it was something you, somebody you couldn't get a hold of, you dial O and you ask the operator to do it. So I asked the, uh, asked the operator, I said, uh, this is, I've got a number in a foreign country that I really need to try to get hold of. I said, I don't even know how to dial it. Can you get that for me? Sure. No problem. You're real nice. So I, it's got a country code. There's a four digit country code, all this other stuff. So anyhow, this operator dialed this number and, um, it was in the UK and, uh, she dialed that number and, and I didn't even know what time it was. I may have been waking them up three o'clock in the morning for all I knew. I'd never researched. All I knew is I had to get a hold of these people about this hog information. So, uh, I dialed it or had her dial it and, uh, got a hold of them and, and, and luckily it was in the middle of the day and got a hold of the secretary and nice little lady. And, and I asked for the belt ran the place there. And, and uh, she said, yeah, he happens to be right here. He's usually not, not, not in. So I talked with him one-on-one and, and told him kind of what I was about. And, and, you know, I had been, been in the business since the seventies and this was in the nineties. So I've been in it a while and, and been, been successful in Hampshire's. I mean, we had, we had exhibited uh, champion boar or reserve boar guilt at Ohio and Indiana. And we'd won classes at type conferences, but I was not any kind of a, of a known name or any kind of a brand of any kind. I just, I was just another hog breeder trying to work, work hard to his job. And uh, so I really, I wasn't anybody. I was small, small potatoes basically. And he talked with me, a very nice cordial fellow. And, and I told him kind of, I just wanted to make the very best, crossbred pigs for show pigs for kids that I could possibly make. And I said, I thought, you know, from what I saw, he had that, um, that he had kind of the ticket of what I was trying to look for. And he was very nice about it and said, he, he thought they would be, be very good. And, and, uh, I didn't own a fax machine back then, obviously no cell phones, no texts or anything. So I'd have to run to town 10 miles to send a fax. Anytime I'd want to get and correspond with him, I knew I wouldn't be able to get in touch with him directly. So this was in probably first uh, April, I guess, of '95, and we started correspondence and very nice, very cordial. I sent him a kind of a, a, an official letter about kind of what I was about and what I wanted to do, and uh, breed to some of these Hampshire sows I've got to make the make elite belt pigs. So we started that correspondence, and then um, actually said he was going to be at the World Pork Expo in uh, in June, and that they would have a display boar, and he had some connections with some some companies over a, a major company over here in the, the commercial industry, totally different than what we do. And that he thought this would, would be a good fit for me and it wouldn't bother anything with, uh, with the company. So we, uh, um, we started correspondence and I'm, I, I went to the expo and, um, 
he thought it was a good possibility I might be able to get a hold of the board that was at the expo if he was something I liked and they probably wouldn't wouldn't want to put him back in their unit and uh, so I got there and uh, I I actually went uh, to to the purebred barn where we all know where we show expo hogs and all of our purebred uh, market hogs and the expo back in uh, 1995 was not like it is now there wasn't a junior show hooked with it and there was a whole bunch of uh, whole bunch of breeding hogs and that was before everything kind of tanked and went to nothing in, in the year 2000 or whatever it was uh when they almost shut down because they had no activity but there was a lot of people there and there was a lot of people back in that day in, in 1995 and and i i it was you were you were deep in people with no social distancing never heard of the thing don't ever hear it again but the uh people lined up in you know trying to see hogs and i don't even remember what breed was showing but i heard a couple fell from oklahoma Sam from me he said you see this damn spotted hog over in the commercial exhibit said he's a good son of a buck and I thought oh I better get over there someone else gonna get this thing done so I headed to the commercial barn left that barn and, and went over and of course there was lots of Japanese and Chinese and whatever all around it because biosecurity thing was all together different no talk of ASF or any of this stuff and they had this elevated platform there and, and this boar standing there in front of all these people taking pictures and he was amazing he was incredible something like you just didn't see over here. So I thought, well, this is a precursor to what we're, we're thinking about. We, we really need to pursue this. So I met my guy there at the, he was, uh, he was at that particular booth and uh, introduced myself and we hit it off. He was, uh, I was in my late thirties. He was in his mid thirties. He's five or six, seven years younger than me, I guess. And hit it off good. Just a nice guy. And uh, we visited and then uh, he introduced me to one of the guys at the commercial um, company and um started visiting a little bit i kind of told him what i wanted he said nice no, I, I don't think that's that's not gonna work he said we're not we're just not gonna do that and uh so i just kind of left alone and went back to my guy and and from uk there and, and told him that this wasn't gonna work out and he was he was real disappointed he was kind of embarrassed because he really thought everything would be fine because we were we were not in conflicting parts of the industry where we would fight against each other what the commercial company against commercial company and I understand their, their reservation. They want to make sure that they, they had the exclusive genetics they had for the commercial. And, and I wasn't out to threaten any of that. And my guy was not out to hurt that at all. Um, he's a, he's an honorable guy, great guy that, uh, um, always does the right thing. He's just a, he's a good, good hog breeder, just a good man. So I kind of came out of that dejected and he said, well, let me, let me go back home and I'll, uh, after we get this thing done, we'll see what happens. And, uh, so we get done and um, they, he, he, he called me, we corresponded back and forth with the facts and, and talking a little bit. And he, he said, didn't know if it was going to work. He said, but he said, I think if, if you go ahead and, and, and want to come over here, he said, uh, he said, I'll show you hogs and we'll see what we can do. So any little open door at that time was a, was a very positive thing for me, a very, very good thing. So I get, uh, get excited about that. And he said, you, uh, you just get yourself a plane ticket. So we'll get your transportation and your, your room taken care of with. So we'll get you every place you need to go. And so then I got to get a plane ticket to, to UK. Well, I have any money. I'm a hog breeder. I mean, that's all I do. <laughs> so back in the day, you, you know, there was before the kind of the, the um, economic crash here in the mid two thousands that, you know, there was uh, you, you'd get applications for credit cards, like, four or five a day you know you're just out of the, out of the woodwork 
So that's why I opened this one up and it was Discover Card. And uh, I opened it up, I, I go ahead and send it in and apply for it, get it right back. And yeah, you, you, you qualify, $1,500 limit. And I've still got that account today. As a matter of fact, it says the member since 1995 on my card. <laughs> so uh, I did that and I got the card. It's like, that's good. So I go to my local travel agent, Peg in at uh, Travel at the time. And uh, I said, Peg, how much did ticket costs the UK in first part of July. Well, let me look it up. So she looked it up and said, that'd be $1,100. I said, put it on this. <laughs> so, so there we go. So we get a, get a ticket and I go by myself. I didn't go through a broker or, you know, any kind of a, a person does import export type of thing. And, um, just went by myself. I wanted to do the deal by myself. So, um, I got the ticket got ready to go. And I told him and corresponded back through facts and let him know I was coming and, uh, and get that accomplished. So the first week of July, I actually ended up, uh, ended up going to, to the UK and I only had enough money to really stay a couple of days. And, uh, but, uh, nice little fella. I had my, you see the guys with the airport and the movies and stuff with the names. He had, he had, the, had my name on it there and really nice, really nice hair. I mean, it's it, from flying out of UK, which you got a bunch of, city New Yorkers are not very kind and it's not real clean and you get on the plane and, and you get out of you, you file night and you should be getting there in the middle of the middle of the night. And it's, it's bright morning and it's all like altogether different. You got jet lag, but you get out of there and there's all these glass panels and everything. I mean, it's just like, you know, we're not in Kansas anymore. You know, it's a wizard of Oz type of thing. And I mean, everybody's nice and cordial and sweet and wants you to have your best experience. So, you know, the, Little fella hops in and we hop in a in a, uh, a Range Rover there and on the wrong side of the, the car and on the wrong side of the road and 80 mile an hour on a little road and scared to death and hanging on for dear life. And here we go. So he uh, he takes me and we visit visit a lot. And, and he's, you know, he just I mean, very personable and say, I hear you like castles. I said, yeah, I love castles. And you could just tell he was kind of trying to feel things out on what it was I want to do while there. And he's going to show me a good time. So I get to, they, they set me up at the, this little inn and, and, um, I get all settled in there and then he takes me on over to the, uh, I didn't see my guy. I'm actually guy that owns the place and, and, uh, took me to a, it's, it's kind of a, it was a more of an isolation type of a, of a scenario. And it, and it literally looks like what you consider UK. It's all the old, old stone, uh, rock walls and stuff. And this old building was an old, uh, was an old rock building and they had deep bedding in the pens and, and old, uh, old wooden gates is really cool. I mean, you could turn it into a bed and breakfast almost. It was so nice, but, uh, but it, uh, so I, I went over there and, uh, at my, my video camera, which is not like you hold in your hand with a phone. Now it's one where you look like you're a production unit because it, it's about, uh, 20 inches long and it's heavy. And that's what you had back in the day. And you shove a VHS in the, in the, in the, the panel and, and you go. So I had my video camera and I get in this, this first little room and get inside the wood wall and they, they put the white coveralls on my stuff. And in this room is, is, is in this one, one pen is pistol Pete, BMW, alien, and a couple of little sisters, which they were big enough. They probably shouldn't have been in there, but they were. And, and uh, they were, they were first of February hogs. And um, this was the first of July. So, you know, they're all kind of in there running together by I me. Mean, it was an incredible pen of hogs. I mean, it would have to be one for the ages. And, uh, I start videoing and looking and I'm, I, 
we've all seen it. You both of you the same way when you get in that ring and, and you see that great one come in and you feel the hair raising the back of your necks and down your arms, you know, you, you get those, those goosebumps because you got that feeling. And, and I got that and uh, I'm getting it right now. So <laughs> it, uh, it, uh, it was amazing what these hogs looked like and I videoed their mobility and what they looked at and, and got their, and they, there's no ear notches. Everything is done with, with a tag number. And then when they shine, a, actually stare them and shine a flashlight through their ear and there's a tattoo goes through their ear. And that's how they identify those for, transport and, and what, what all they're doing so uh, I see these hogs and you know and I, of course I'm just incredibly excited about it and then we go on down the line look at some other ones and I look at some other sows and they were good hogs I mean it's just a just a good good unit and it's all all basically made for commercial production it's really not a show thing they don't do the show thing over there and the kids don't show pigs like that and, but there was lots of really good hogs that had a, had a you know, they had growth and they, they were sound and they had some body and, and, but all, all of them had muscle, but this one pen had these unique ones in it, just by call it dumb luck or fate. And that was the first pen we looked at and, and I, I marked some things down and a little side note that I should have said there to begin with, but the day we're taping this, this is actually 25 years ago to the day <laughs> that I picked these hogs up at uh, quarantine in New York. So the odds there. Yeah, exactly. I, I, <laughs> I, I back through some stuff there today and, and check the dates and it's like, I knew it was right at, right at Christmas time, but it was, yeah, pretty amazing. But, um, anyhow, we go ahead and, and go through that and, um, uh, and look and then, uh, go back to the end and, and get cleaned up. And then, and my guy and a couple of his friends, they, they take me out to supper and we do a little bar hopping up and down the street there, just about like a good college town and we eat some fish and chips along the street. I mean, just like you would, you would picture a good day in the UK and not, it's not London and it's small towns and all this stuff. And, and uh, so we, so, you know, we looked and, and I got to, uh, got to visit and, and you know, the, the time I was there and I, I looked, they were actually exporting, uh, about a hundred head to five different countries. I mean, this guy had a tremendous uh, export business to multiple countries, Spain and all over the place. So uh, he, he, he didn't have to take time for me, but he, but he did. And it's, and that's another thing. It's, I think he's just a, a tremendous person because he cares. And uh, we looked through all that and um, looked through some sows, looked through those export hogs. And again, they, they were, some of them were, were, closer to looking more like Belgians, a little more extreme, but that's kind of what the people want. They just want muscle and leanness. That's all they wanted. Didn't have to have a show ring look. And we got to visit and, you know, I told him, I really, I kind of like to have, you know, just a board, a couple of females. He said, well, I said, you know, when you, uh, when you, when you get these exported or, or taken across the pond, uh, you pay for, they call them pallets basically, but it's crates and they, you had to pay for space for seven. So I said, well, it kind of depends on where they, you know, where they land on price and all that. And I don't even get into all that, but um, so I, I went ahead and figured up which the order of what I liked everything. And we get done with that, uh, that two day trip. And um, I go ahead and come back home and, you know, he's going to get, get to working on and see what he can get accomplished. Well, in the meantime, in the next week, 10 days, the, where his, his corporate um, allegiance lies, um, got back with him and said they, they knew they had, they had, you know, kind of guaranteed that, but, uh, they did just didn't feel comfortable with it. And, uh, uh, they, they wanted to be the exclusive, exclusive rights to, to purebred patrons from him and from that descent, because he has the only had at the time had the only, um, German based 
patrons outside of Germany. Hmm. And the, the big holdup with getting anything out of Germany for the most part was, was PERS. Uh, they call it blue ear over there. And, uh, um, African, I don't know, it was African swine fever, but they had the uh, classical swine fever in, uh, in PERS. Basically you couldn't get anything out of Germany. So that was the, that was the holdup there. And that's why these hogs were so, so very unique. So he, he had, um, we kind of had to back off of that. They didn't, you know, they just didn't feel comfortable with it. And he, he apologized, felt very bad about it and, and still didn't think it was going to be an issue. And he said, he'd see what he could work out. And, and, uh, so we, in the meantime, uh, you know, a lot of times you, you just kind of, something doesn't work. You just, you know, you just leave it alone, forget about it, realize it's just not going to happen. Well, this, this got me so worked up when I was over there and the, the, the quality that the hogs had and what they, I thought they could do for our industry and for us as, as in our herd, um, couldn't really, I just couldn't leave it alone. You know, it's one of the things I kept after and I'd correspond a little bit back and try to figure something out. And I got to think, you know, if, if it's a problem with just getting some of those hogs in, you know, in through, through the, um, quarantine in the United States, maybe I go come through Canada. Like I said, I, neither one of us have to do anything underhanded. I, I want show pigs. They want commercial hogs. He had hogs to sell. Uh, and mine were such a minute number. Uh, wouldn't have made a difference if he sold them me or not. He just knew the passion I had for what I had because the story, and I won't get into that with him, but the story of, of when he got the German Pietrins into the UK was very much of a, I don't want to say underhand, it was a, it was a, it was a touchy situation that he had to do it just right to get him in there because it was a lot of people didn't want that to happen there either. And I think the fact that we maybe hit it off so good was the fact that um, our backgrounds kind of went back to some of the same things we were trying to accomplish. And he appreciated that. So he knew what I was trying to do. Um, and, and we went from there on that. So from that aspect, I, I, I checked my vet is a uh, Midland Acres over here is uh, they're big into standard bred horses and very good horse people. And he's, he's my, he, he did all my bleeding at the time. And I just asked him if it was anybody that did any importing for out of Canada on their horses. And he said, yeah, I get you a name. So he got me a name and I got a hold of them. And it was another one where I'd, I'd had contact where I sold an Amsterdam board back in the day when I was in high school that really good influential guy in Canada. And, they got me some information, said there's not anything really going on, said, but said they're starting to privatize some of the, uh, some of the isolation instead of going through the government. And um, they wanted to decommission that uh, with the government. So anyhow, I, I kind of went that route. Well, that kind of kept coming against a brick wall and there was some more stuff that had been easy just to give it up and not do anything. But it just, it wasn't working out, it wasn't working out. And um, that's when, uh, the phrase that uh, that you'll see in, in the seed stock edge with the National Swine Registry is uh, they always used to put a, a page in there. I don't know if they still do or not, but it's, uh, there'd be a picture of a couple baby pigs that was said without a pedigree, it's just a pig. Hmm. Well, I got thinking, you know, I there's no Pietrin registry in the United States, and I don't really need a pedigree. I just want to make good crossbred pigs. So I get on my guy and I said, uh, I know there's a thing against these uh, purebreds of this breed that you can't do. I said, but I don't need a pedigree. And he said, I think I get what you mean. He said, so anytime you go to a show, if you don't have a pedigree, I want that show in a 
cross class, they show in a grade class or a commercial class. That's basically what these hogs were. They had no pedigree. So through that, whether you want to call it a technicality, um, whatever you want to call it, perception, um, these hogs were crossbreds. So uh, got to work a little bit on that. Like I said, this was from April and through July, and then we're getting down into late summer and, and first October, and we're still not got anything done. These hogs are still growing, and they're still still there. So we uh, we still didn't know what was happening for sure, but said to try to get it done. And and again, with no cell phones or anything, and we have a phone at the farm used to ring in the shop, and you could hear it from outside. It would ring out outside of all the buildings, and I thought my parents were home there one day. They were still alive, and and um, phone was ringing and ringing and ringing. I mean, it just kept ringing. I ran across the, the barn lot and uh, got the phone. Well, it was my guy and he said, do you still want these spotted hogs? And I said, yeah. And as far as I knew, I did. And uh, he said, well, he said, uh, I can get it done. But it's got to happen in the next two weeks. So I get all the information that has to come in. I mean, there is a world of logistics that's got to get figured out. I mean, everything's, everything's got to match and all the the eyes eyes dotted and t's crossed so i said yeah let's let's see what we can do so he gave me a kind of a time frame where i was at so it comes down and i, I know i'm rambling but this is this is a story <laughs> it, uh, it you stop me anytime you want to ask a question but uh it is um like i said it's it's getting down into october there late october first november got two weeks to move he's got his his uh isolation done over there but i've got set up um isolation at uh at usda at uh, aphis in uh, upstate new york so i get the number for for the uh, the vets up at aphis and um uh, i tell him i you know what i've got so i got seven hogs i need to try to get in here and and i said i need you to do it here in a couple of weeks so this would have been in november mid about mid-november and the doctor said, I don't know, I didn't know the guy and he didn't know me and the no connections whatsoever. And he said, boy, so I wish I could have, he said, uh, we don't have anything until February. <laughs> so another brick wall fell on me. And, uh, I said, sir, I said, I know you don't know me and I, and I don't know you. And I said, you don't have any reason to do anything special. I said, but I have a window of opportunity in my entire lifetime that is going to close in two weeks. I said, if that happens, I said, it will never happen. Hmm. And it went silent for probably 15 seconds. And he said, you know, he said, there's another building over here. He said, we don't normally put livestock in it. And he said, I could probably throw up a few wooden gates and maybe make that happen. Now, another guy that didn't need to do this, he didn't need the aggravation and then set up somebody else to clean these pens who normally don't clean the pens. Uh, but he did it and he, he just, he reminded me, he said, now, if you, if you prepay this, said, that's not refundable. I said, I understand. So I'm willing to take that risk. So he gets in the works and starts setting that up. So he, uh, he sets it up and, um, then we, you know, we, we got to figure out how to get him here. And I know one of the, one of the questions you guys had, you wanted to try to ask there, and I'll just go ahead and go on with it. If that's okay. Is, is how did you get them here in British airways? And it'd probably been a 747 or whatever cargoes type style plane. Um, is how they did that. And the whole nose would, would tilt up on it. And then they just, they just 
elevate everything, slide these crates in there, and there's uh, self-feeding water, uh, so they have all that, all that going the whole time. Because remember, these are pietrins, and uh, you knew the stress gene was evolved. I didn't know any stress status. They had not been stress tested, so we didn't know what status they were, how they would take that. We just knew that's what the situation was. So everything got set up through the British Airways, and um, everything got uh, got online and got ready to go. And they had to come over here to to serve another thirty days in quarantine upstate new york and you had to pay the people from taking them from the plane on up you know driving up upstate and then for everybody from then on that it touched them the blood tests and all this other stuff all had to be be paid for so we got them in there and everything went fine and uh they were in quarantine for 30 days of course you just sit on pins and needles here at home and and we were uh Scott was working here then, and we were we were trying to get a building ready to put them in because we didn't have much indoor housing at the time, and we were we were trying to make the right you know weld the gates and get the uh, get the roofings just right so everything was right you know and, and get them in here. So, and, and these hogs were living in wooden gates and and quarantine situations to where it probably was near not near as luxurious as you were preparing, but I understand. <laughs> yeah, you just you didn't want to screw everything up. You do all this all this. And then it's like, oh, geez, I didn't, you know, I didn't know I had to have it heated or and then anything, they didn't come into heat. We better than heavy, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, exactly. We just, we didn't really know what to, what to expect. The, my guy, he said, uh, when we were first starting to talk about all these, um, he said now, and now they have a different way of talking about things over there. You know that, I mean, a, a, a truck is a lorry. That's a, that's a different, a different thing. So we'll load them up on the lorry and take them wherever. And uh, he just said, he said, now the, the Peter and Boers, he said, are extremely aggressive. He said, be prepared to be chased down the walk, which meant they're going to get after you and be aggressive. So that's, that was the way of saying that. And he said, we've had one go through a plate glass window to get at a female in heat. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so I didn't know what really to expect. Uh, but the neat thing about, about them, I mean, you know, raising hogs of, of multiple breeds like we have all these years. I mean, you, you know, certain breeds have certain characteristics and I always pick on the red hogs because they're, they're, that's the mean ones. Those are the ones that get after you and, and try to take you down quicker than any other breed. I mean, they all, some of them do it in every, any breed, but red hogs in general, I just have a, have a streak of evil and they, they're not necessarily that aggressive as much as are just evil. They just wanted, they just want to eat you. They just want to put you down. So I didn't know if it was going to be one of those things or not. Patrons were, I can remember giving some tours and stuff and, and these, I'd be standing in the, in the pen with the boards and the boards would, would literally just spring and jump up on my back, but they wouldn't do it. Like knock me over. It's just like, I want to breed, you know, I'm ready to go, <laughs> but they're very aggressive, but, but knew what they want to do. And they really didn't care. They didn't want to put me down. I mean, they knew I was feeding them and very common sense hogs. So, you know, I, I had those, those aspects that were, you know, that were haunting me a little bit, wondering we're going to set it up right where you would, the gates tall enough, all these other things. And you, you got those 30 days that you're waiting. Well, well Mike uh, had been at, he was in Blackhawk then, just like you guys. And, and uh, he came home from, uh, from, from, uh, for Christmas break and literally got out of the car and threw some clothes and headed back. And, and he hopped in the truck with me and we had just an old beat up truck and, and, uh, homemade uh uh box in the back of it that i had welded up and put it in the the fiberglass uh deal on the back of the truck and the then the little uh 
16 foot trailer that, that, that I still own. And we had it in New York and we spent someplace that night, went in there the next morning. And of course it's, you know, all these things going through your mind, you know, these are February boards. You saw them in July. You really loved them, but we're in December now. We, you know, these are genetics that we have never, never witnessed, never experienced, never sought out maturity patterns or anything. It's like, man, what if these hogs are junk? And you're, you're going there and, and, you know, in the process, you know, back up just a step. I, you know, I got, I got nine different guys that, that uh, kicked in some money to help me get these balls. I was not loaded in money and I didn't know how I was going to get all this done. And to this day, none of them have you ever asked who else was involved. I don't think they really care because they, I'm thankful they trust, they trust my, trust my integrity to do the right thing. And they trusted me to know a good one from a bad one and then get them in here. And then the fact that they trusted my integrity, they knew I'd take care of them. And none of them ever questioned anything. It's just like, just get them here and let's see what we can do. So we get those, all that money is, uh, is set and ready to go. And I'm backpedaling a little bit because I forgot some of the story, but it, uh, we got that money done. I had, I had to wire the money. I had to be done. They had had some bad experience with some people didn't pay them for stuff. So I wired the money before we ever got there. And before we actually sent them on, on uh, British Airways, it's kind of important too. They, he said, you need to get these hogs insured. I said, okay. So we, we got on with Hartford and some different ones here locally and or in the States and they wouldn't touch them. There was a, I guess a, an experience that a breeder had had bringing some across. They went through into, to the, um, APHIS at, uh, uh, Miami. There was a whole set of them that the pilot landed and turned the air off in the hole and killed the whole set about a quarter of a million dollars worth. Yeah. So it wasn't the hog's fault, but they died. So nobody would touch them. So anyhow, I, I, uh, I let my guy know, I said, I can't get him insured. He said, well, he said, we don't have time to wire any more money. And he said, I don't know why it is, Jim. He said, but we haven't known each other very long. He said, but for some reason I trust you and you trust me. <laughs> he said, I'm going to make sure that we I'll do Lloyd's in London. We'll get these hogs insured and I'll just trust that you'll someday send me the money, which I did as soon as we figured out how much it was. So we got that done. And got the isolation done. We headed to New York when he got off Blackhawk. And, and uh, we get there and they won't let us go back in the unit to pick him up. So we had to, Mike and I had to sit there and wait. And they, they unhooked the trailer, went back to the truck to load a couple in the truck. And, you know, you just on pins and needles. You don't know what, what to expect. And uh, they pull the old truck back out and right past us to go hook up the trailer to load the rest of them up. And on the back end of that truck, was pistol peak was in the back and you could see he's rumping everything and the size that he was and i just looked at mike and grin i said i think we're okay mm. <laughs> you could just tell because you didn't know if they had a fat attack or they all got crippled or you didn't know you know you didn't know you know the guy would represent him well but you didn't know what those hogs would do so anyhow it was good to see that that they were still on all four feet and, and they still looked the way they did with the kind of definition that they had and uh and, and it was that 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 well so we, we loaded up and, and wow. in a small pen anyhow and they still had that kind of shape <laughs> yeah so we uh we loaded up and headed back to ohio and and um and we just head straight back and it we're hitting ice storm and uh we get home about 11 39 i've got pictures of all this stuff man wants me to put together a book sometime we probably should when i'm after i'm dead and gone and 
and put some of this information in there with some of the pictures because it's it's pretty it's pretty interesting some of the, how they grew up and and how those hogs matured and then i've got the picture of the first one setting foot in that that barn we'd fixed up with mike waiting on to come off the trailer so there's a lot of neat uh, neat history in it and we get on by 11 30 and i mean the ice is hitting and it's pounding. We, I mean, we wired every door shut. We didn't know if they were going to come climbing out of there ready to go across the cornfield or what, but, uh, but we went ahead and had them all set in there ready to go. And, um, we, the next very next morning, I, I, we got, uh, our dummy that I made back in the seventies is black Betty. That's what we call her. She's a, she's a black covered, uh, rubber covered, uh, homemade dummy and set it in, in pistol Pete's pen had a cup and just wanted to see what was what what the activity was and he's standing there and I mean he's he's smelling he's looking and he's all just spastic looking all around it's like I know I got to do something here I'm not real sure what it is I got to do and 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 I just stand there next to the dummy inside the pen with the cup just waiting on him and and uh he just looks back and forth looks back and forth and he looks straight up at me and he just calmly sets both both front legs right here and looked me in the face <laughs> he uh, didn't push me back he didn't try to bite me he it's just, just i'm home and it's like i gotta do this i gotta figure out how to do this and <laughs> it, was, it was incredible i mean just as soft as it could just stood there and looked at me face to face and i uh, i eased him back down and kind of going to this side dummy made him go through the dummy got him collected and we we anything that would was 250 pounds that was in heat we started breeding we started breeding. So, uh, all that, uh, all that was pretty, pretty fun. My gosh. I, I can only, I definitely got to see those pictures. We have to put a slideshow together for sure. Uh, yeah. but the, the, the fact that the guy just trusted you, didn't know you from Adam and everything worked out. You had every opportunity to just quit, to just let it stop you. And, I mean, Corey, I know we're going to get into this later, but what would have happened if that never happened? You know, well, there, there could have been a lot of different different things that, that didn't happen. And uh, and that, that that goes to prove, and, and there are some questions here too about, you know, it wasn't a popular opinion. Uh, and we talked a little bit about that in that episode too, but there's something there that you knew that you had to get these things over the pond and, and into Ohio. So it's amazing Corey. i'll let you kind of take it from there we got a lot of questions that we kind of rattled off but i i just it's amazing yeah uh man there's i don't know which question i want to ask first um i, I think you know obviously you know one of the questions we had is you know what was what was people's first reaction to seeing those pediatrician hogs um you know when when people are walking through real McCoy genetics taking a board tour uh, today, they don't expect to walk in and see something they've never seen before or something that, you know, is uncommon. Uh, what was it like when people first got in there and got to see those hogs? Did you even let them in? <laughs> was it, was, was it something that uh, you want to keep a secret for a little while? It's a real good question. And it, it, because of the nature of the, of the transaction. And like I said, I, I, I don't, I don't want anyone to think that this guy, you know, he was underhanded, did the wrong thing. He didn't. He, he honored his contract. And he also tried to honor a young guy that was trying to do a good thing in which I think all of us try to do and, and try to, to make things work for people without hurting anybody. And, and he, this guy is, is as honorable as, 
as you could ever imagine. He's a, he's a true gentleman in this industry and is just in life period. And um, so he wasn't out to, uh, to cause any issues whatsoever, but because of the sensitive nature of the whole situation, um, we basically were, we just kind of, we kind of laid low. I mean, there were people new, obviously I, you know, had people that, that, uh, that had helped me, you know, get them paid for, try to get them in here. And, um, some other people, you know, knew, knew they were coming. Ralph Doe, dear friend of mine lived 30 miles up the road. I mean, he knew it was coming and he actually mentioned it when he was announcing things for me at the expo. There was judge in Hampshire's about bringing those hogs across the pond and what they looked like. And, and he was one of the very first people that came in to look at them. And, but we, we went, and I honored everything that, that I was told to do. I mean, you know, don't just stick them out there in advertising. You don't mention, you know, who, where they come from, um, the whole nature of that. And, and, and these hogs were, these hogs were non-pedigreed patrons, but they were of a different lineage than what was under contract. So like I said, we did everything right. It's just some technicalities is how we had to get some of it through. Mm -hmm. uh, and I never did anything to ever hurt any of that commercial part of it whatsoever, because truthfully, stress gene was just found as far as testing in 1993. This was not late 1995, basically first 96. By the time we started doing anything, commercial business didn't want anything to do with the carrier anyway. They, they were bound to determine, eliminate the gene. We're going to be negative. We're all going to be all white. We're going to be all negative. So it didn't have a truthfully a, which shouldn't have a huge, huge, huge impact anyway. But I just want to make sure that they knew and everybody knows we, we did everything. We did everything uh, as we needed to, to not hurt anybody. Um, lost my train of thought. Where were we at? What, what was people's reaction when you started, oh. started getting to it? Yeah. Ralph came in and I mean, he, he gets that, that little grin on the side, you know, that little half grin of his, you know, and he, he just kind of chuckled. You know, he, he, he knew there was something special. I mean, he had seen as many hogs as anybody alive at the time. And um, he knew there was a lot of good to be had there. And he had told a handful of people. I mean, I had Craig Ryder was doing scanning for um, oh, Midwest scanning for a uh, few gates deal. He was doing some Ohio scanning. I had him come back and, and see, we pin these, we isolate these back lane. And for people who've been here, they'll understand. Other people won't know what we're talking about, but we got a barn back the lane, about a half mile back the lane. And, and it's, it, it, it didn't have any, it didn't have any power. Um, there's a generator. We use a generator back here. I know enough about electric to get things strung up and conduit a bunch of stuff. And we would collect the night back here and stuff. But anyhow, we, we, we did it by a generator to get water pumped and everything. So we fired generator up to get his, his, um, scanning machine put together to be able to scan those. So we wanted to see what their, you know, what their figures were. And they were 20 some hundreds and all, you know, 10 to 12 inch eyes. Hmm. Uh, and looked it. I mean, more importantly for what we do, they looked it. And um, so those two came. I know Tracy Denninger, which was uh, uh, Trevor's uh, ag teacher and friend of ours here at the local thing. She brought it up in her podcast about how I, I grabbed and put her in the truck and headed her back to Lane. You know where we was at. Uh, she got to look at them, and and then um, the guys, you know, that said to help to help me get them in there. I mean, they. Some of them almost act sheepish about it. it's like, are we allowed to see them? And, and I said, yeah, I really want you to see them. And so uh, that was kind of the extent of it. Did not advertise, um, did not really speak of it much. I mean, just people come to you and talk about it. And then we use kind of, we use lots of semen in house, started breeding lots of sows. The guys that, that, that had helped us there obviously bred sows and, and um, 
did it that way. And you have a few people that would, that would call that, you know, that knew that would, would want to try them. Um, you know, we had piece of pistol Pete, uh, priced at $75 a dose back in, in 1996, you know, and a couple of guys like, Oh man, you'll never get $75 out of a bottle of semen. Now, you know, if you, if you charge, if you price one at 200, they wonder what's wrong with him. Why you don't have price so high. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's a whole different, it's a whole different scenario, a whole different ball game than what it is now. But uh, so we started that way and, and, and laid very low. And like I said, that was, that was December 95. And then we're breeding sows right on through. And, uh, and it wasn't until I believe it was like October of 96 so we kind of got the approval it's like you know this is okay you know what you're doing you're, you're treating it honest we've treated it honest it's not hurt anybody you know you go ahead and you go ahead and, and advertise the way you need to for your your industry and that was and again that's in the episode two but that's when we put together the ad for uh for purple circle magazine and with uh, the picture of the four boards again didn't really mention anything just names figures and coined the phrase it's a brave new world and um we did that, and, and like I said, that's the, 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 the public's perception of it that didn't get to see them but knew we were getting it or had heard we got it done. Uh, lots of them just, I mean, just shake your head. It's like, oh, what an idiot. Just what an idiot. I mm -hmm. mean, it's, you know, he's going to be broke by the time he ever gets anything out there that is not extreme enough where you can take him to the ring. You know, because you you know just because like those those Belgian ones that were just so around and obnoxious, you take one of those during, yeah, you'd be tenth if that if they can walk. But um, these hogs, pistol feed in particular, was very good looking and very smooth built of the German descent. They were uh, they were bigger, longer, later maturing, and had the ability to to transmit that. So they instantly had that, um, that ability to make them um, visual because truthfully, we were at a period of time when American hogs needed more muscle to really be, to really do the part. I mean, the Packers even said we needed to be leaner, more muscular. And that's why the, the whole stress gene thing through sixties and seventies and, and all that was, uh, was kind of pushed for that. And then they kind of went, they kind of went bland and, and we needed to make them better for that aspect. So, the turn in the industry was to, to make them more shapely, more visual and more muscular, but still make them walk. And these hogs had that ability to, to get out there and function. So as you, you brought four boars in, that was part of the, part of the story. Right. Yeah. And, and so, yeah. And, and so when, when you start collecting these things, it, it I assume that it came pretty apparent that pistol Pete, uh, was probably the outlier amongst the group um, in, in terms of where you wanted to go. But what about the other boars? I guess we don't really know. I Personally, I don't know much about the other boars and, and maybe where they got used and, and did, they, did they last as long or have uh, near as uh, big of an impact as Pistol Pete did? Uh, really good question. Uh, a lot of people get kind of, they get sidetracked on that Pistol Pete thing and with the four boars we imported, there was actually one of them. We called him Gator, and I, we really never did anything with him. There was the fourth boar that I was supposed to get was actually a litter mate to BMW. The other two, the other two that made a big impact were uh, Alien and BMW. And uh, the, the fourth boar, Gator, was he was not one that I even remember seeing. It was just they used him to fill the order. 
because the the uh, there was another one there that uh, BMW's litter mate that was actually a neater looking one, not quite as much rib, but uh, uh, he was a, he was a big scale tall fronted one that that had a very neat look and was still shapely. That was his litter mate. They said he got clay footed, which probably just meant his his hooves grew a little longer. In truth, I would have rather had him that way than have the one that I, I got. But um, so we we got those. The other three used them quite a bit, and they were different. And, and it was neat that they were all built different. That was one one of the things when I found out I was going to bring forward, try to get some different pieces. Pistol Peak was the balanced, middle of the road, is excellent designed one. Uh, BMW and, and Tris, you go back and look at the old pictures, like they all look, you know, chicken legged and nothing. But I mean, I, and I still don't understand the phenomenon of, of old pictures because anybody that listened to this has ever seen full court and cobblestone, knew how stout and bold those hogs were. And some Yorkshire beers maybe didn't think they were big enough or extended enough up front and they were just bulky. You look at the picture now, there's nothing there. I mean, they look as <laughs> bad as these Pietrins did. <laughs> I don't understand that. But um anyhow bmw had, had a he had a little more set to his ear and um he was he was very bold shouldered with a really good rib and a very productive body and we sent uh i won't say who used him i don't know whether they would care or not but there was a fairly sizable show pig guy that, that dabbled in in uh, yorkshire's and stuff and and it was a it, they had some really good hogs well the bmws they used they said those would outgrow and outperform and out cut anything that he had mm. and they may you know that the, they may not want to know that that, that was that so i won't say it was but anyhow they, i mean they they could function they they grew and of course you'd you know outcross back on something's been line bred here i mean it's just you know gas on fire and it's just uh lights them up you know it's just, it just makes them really good but um the bmwf was that kind and alien was he was the freak uh, he was really long fronted, almost snaky headed, extra long bodied, really big scaled. He would have a tendency to get a little bit tangled on his hind legs, but breeding, you know, compensated, you'd be okay. But anyhow, just, and again, caught fake dumb luck. I mean, there wasn't any, it wasn't any finagling amongst people or anything, but almost instantaneous from the time we got those hogs in here, the, uh, the spot breed board national board voted to open the books to patrons hmm. um i wouldn't say they even knew i was probably doing this um because there was a couple out of the u.s wine program raw justice was one and a couple other ones there i think out of the, the u.s wine program it did a nice job that we're just starting to get used there so we started getting calls from that and uh it you can imagine that uh, and i it I would take it to being a Hampshire breeder. If somebody just opened the books of Hampshire and said, I just do what you want to do. It's not that spots did that, but they were trying to make a move to make their breed more popular and more in touch with the industry. And it's kind of where some of the things were at. Uh, it wasn't real popular amongst some of the older breeders. I understand that. Uh, so I probably wasn't a very popular guy because I had some of them, but um, that started up and, I remember that Rick Maloney was, he was uh, breed secretary, right? When that first appendix class showed, they, they made an appendix class for half bloods. And I'll give spots credit. They were open-minded enough to make the attempt to do what they thought was right. And then identify it on the pedigree to use those percentages. And let's see what we can do. You know, they had to build to shut down anytime, whatever they wanted to do. They left the book open for a while on that. 
the very first show, and I, I almost, I think it was Belton. I, it may not have been. I think it was a Texas show with the Southwest Type Conference. Uh, they had, and that's when breed associations were each individual breed instead of uh, an NSR or a CPS. And uh, they had this appendix class, and and there was a boar there sired by Alien. And um, Rick Maloney, I wasn't there, but I heard about it, and they, and they, you know, there was some some discussion about which board to start to sale and, and all this other stuff. And he basically just told him, said, "Fellows, he said, I know this is, some of this isn't real popular, but what have we been trying to make?" Right there, he is. <laughs> so they started to sale with the appendix hog, and he topped the sale thirteen thousand, which was a lot of money back in '96. Wow. And uh, so Alien did that, amongst other, and I, uh, Bill Range used him and made a board called uh, Turnaround 360 and another couple of them there. And then uh, BMW, truthfully, is, is ingrained in low spot pedigrees there also. Uh, BMW ended up making a board called Pietro and Frank. Pietro and Frank sired Cut and Dried, which was the grand board at Ohio and Indiana that Rodney Spindler in Illinois buys and studs him in our place. So there is a ton of that cut and dried. You got through pistol, you had a boar that uh, Tom Farr raised there in Indiana. They either raised or he bought him from another guy. I think he may have bought him from another guy, but he called him Luke 1020. Well, Luke 1020 lit everything up and he made apostle and he made, uh, um, disciple and all these other ones that uh all all the way through and like right up to the time we got this board we call like a boss that i judged in indiana that norman's had was grand i mean i tracked him but i stopped tracking him because i found pistol in there as much as 200 times Jeez, i mean it, it, it is ingrained uh within um within the spotted breed on what at least that pair of hogs and really all the three of those hogs are in there a lot um but as far as the people's attitude about it, you know, like I said, spot breeders were a little iffy about whether they wanted to see it or not. And I think as they kind of started seeing the value some of it had, I think most of them became okay with it. And, and it was, it was a legal thing. It wasn't an underhanded thing at all. They, they, they voted to do that. Uh, but most, you know, so many people said, I, you know, those, those skunk face hogs. I mean, I, I talked about that in that other episode, those skunk face hogs was a stigma that you just kind of knew those hogs were going to put out on you. They were going to, they were going to quit at 200 pounds. They were going to be round. They're going to be quick and they're going to finish, finish way too early. And they're not going to be any good. That's where pistols value was so good. As I talked about in that other episode where the, the white splashes, the white feet and white splashes that you see on so many pictures, he was, he was totally gray here instead of any totally white skin. And he was on Hampshire South would sire those Hampshire appearing hogs and an interesting thing about about patrons is that uh you uh they chase the sow mm. and uh the um yorkshires would be pure out on pure york sows would be would be pure white you know you breed them to a land race they'd be pure white you breed them to a spot they'd be spot you breed them to a hampshire they're belted you occasionally get skunks out of some of them but they would chase the color of the sow and and you and that's why you know, like it was so popular in Texas stuff where you just show them as they look. I mean, they, you, you, you could have four breed champions in the same litter. Now, that doesn't mean that they're the, the cause of all the dirt in the, in the United States because, truthfully, Pistol Peak could find dirt in a pure one, supposed pure one, 
quicker than anything. Mm. If there was some import genetics in Yorkshire's that wasn't clean enough to put the color check, he'd find it. Huh. He would, they'd be red spotted and they'd, they'd have, oh, he'd, he'd find it. <laughs> so, um, so they had their own kind of value and I and didn't bring him in here to mess up the other brother breeds whatsoever. We just wanted to make good, uh, good show pigs. That's what they've done. Yeah. So after all these years and, and kind of looking back, what impact in your opinion, both positive and negatively did that introduction of that Puritan Puritan breed in the stress gene too. We, we kind of dabbled in, but what impact do you think they've had in the industry and how it's evolved over time? You kind of touching on it now, but in your own opinion, what kind of impact have they had? Uh, it, it's endless. Um, just absolutely endless. There's, there's, there's two hogs involved in the crossbred show pig industry that will exist in, uh, I'd say damn near every hog with good, bad, indifferent, just the all in all. One of them was, uh, was 105 at Jerry McLemore's. And he was a very low percentage patron, but it was of the Belgian base. So it needed to be lower percentage because there was more there. He was uh, he was a Ritz, which was Hampshire Hampshire boar that was a the forty thousand dollar board Indiana with lean value buys. We sired by him, and then out of this blackjack daughter, which would go back that blackjack was a bill range Euro swine deal that, um, and I think actually picked that one probably picked up. Uh, I'm not sure, but uh, more than likely some Jerry Brink genetics, some cinch or tonnage i know some of that stuff back in there what it was but they're you know bigger production on which is kind of what we bred pistol to when we first got him in here with some of those bigger heavier bone ones and then the little dab of of that uh that belgian patron so 105 is is i mean he he was an absolute beautiful individual uh, individual mike uh, was interning down there for jerry and, and collected 105 and you know he always said that you know that the ritz wasn't the exciting thing about 105 it was 105's mother mm was a killer sow and she was the one and I, I don't know if there even is any pictures exist of of the mother or the, or the board jerry wasn't one to really market much but he, he breed good hogs so 105 is in the pedigree of a bunch and and pistol pete is the other one and obviously 25 years ago tonight when they got in here you know it is it, 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 everything's diluted but i mean it's bits and pieces everywhere filter back in that thing and everything goes back to those two hogs it's I mean, just for recent times on some of you that maybe haven't uh, haven't been in it that many years, but I mean, I know you rec recognize a boar's name uh, Swagger, recognize a boar named Tap Out, um, hogs like that. Um, that uh, Pistol Pete is in. Huh. It, uh, you know, Pistol Pete is. Um, Truthfully, a lot of it's through a neat daughter. Neat was a son of Ritz that was a purebred Hampshire, and um, went back through uh, went back through an eighty six eight, which was a neat pistol Pete, and that is in the pedigree of Swagger and Tap Out and all this stuff all the way back in so many different ways. And that's just an example, but there's a lot of them. I mean, this the our basis here. They go Godzilla style. Godzilla was a uh, was a brass monkey uh, son that we raised and, and he, that all, that whole Godzilla thing goes back through the pistol thing the same way. 
so it's just it's ingrained in there a bunch um pistol uh lived till he was nine years old stress positive that was the other thing that we after we stress tested them every single one of them seven were positive <laughs> so we had no, no way of making a, a carrier negative out of any of it um and that, you know that was okay i mean they didn't they never had a bad episode pistol actually had a he had a stifle abscess one time right after he hit his good first crop and had to go to Ohio State and be, be operated on. There was all kinds of issues, and he never had a, never had a bad day. I mean, it just one day he just decided he didn't want to get up. And uh, there, was, there was just so much good out of it. But stress gene-wise, you know, what, even though you'd like to say you never wanted to see it, there was some good come out of it. And you can't really find a good carrier now, and it's fine. It's after they left us alone just to breed hogs, we just selection pressure. You just do what you do. Mm-hmm. You know, two of the most influential hogs here recently that have to have been carriers was Dirty Secret and uh, Breaking Rules, both carriers. Now, we get plenty of negatives out of them. Uh, just let us breed hogs and, and use them. I think it's been a valuable asset. And as long as people use common sense, don't try to go too far uh, and utilize the test, we're going to be fine. Yeah. Hmm. You bet. Man, uh, that's the addition, the sequel to the story. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and we're wrapping up here, Jim, and uh, we appreciate you jumping on. And uh, it, the story, I mean, I'm sure uh, there, there'll be people asking, and, and it's, it's just history. And to hear how, how many of these hogs tie back into those boars is fen- phenomenal. So uh, thanks for joining us. So before you leave, is there anything – uh, exciting happening at real McCoy genetics. And, uh, well, I saw there was a bunch of bread guilt sales, so that is the season there. Uh, so, uh, before we, uh, dismiss and, and get on with the rest of the episode 100, what's going on in Bloomingburg? Oh, a lot of things happening. We'll actually have another bread sale there in the middle of January for those February's to, to the first of March farads and, um, some neat things happening. Uh, everything evolves and transitions. It's like talking about history with uh, just raising Hampshire boars and then you go to show pigs and go to whatever you do. Um, transitions here at the farm, at, um, father and son transition. Uh, Mike has been here for 20 years now. I've done this for 45 years. And Mike's been here for 20 years and truthfully has done the bulk of the breeding decisions, all the breeding decisions and selling the show pigs. And we do a lot of trading off on uh, on getting boars and and what have you breeding sows and all that but uh, management decisions has always been his so mike is gonna gonna move into the the ownership role of real mccoy genetics now i'm not trying to hammer my own nails in my own coffin here uh i'm not going to just fade away and go away uh plan on being here and and doing the same things i've been doing with maybe a little bit less uh physical i've actually got an mri in a couple of days here for another knee problem after going down there uh, a couple weeks ago uh and uh, 45 years of it i'm a, I'm a little tired uh, love the business love the people and anybody has anything they want to talk to me about i'd be i, I would love for you to call because i love visiting with people and and i don't care if you got one sow or a thousand sows or if i could have the opportunity to come and and visit with what you got there at home and help you out i would love to do it but uh mike is basically the same age as when actually my dad passed away in early early 40s and uh, I think it's uh, he's got a lot of ideas he wants to get accomplished and definitely is going to be more aggressive and progressive about it than what I'm going to be at age 62. So uh, it's time. 
you know, it's his time to kind of get the, get a lot of things uh, accomplished and be looking. There's going to be a lot of good things happening uh, and coming about to, uh, to make you want to come and see what Real McCoy Genetics is doing and give us a shot. Well, Jim, I think it goes without saying that your contribution to the swine industry is one that uh, is just absolutely lifetime. Uh, we, I think I could speak for both Trevor and I, and obviously Trevor has a lot, lot more storied history with the McCoy family than what I do. But um, in all the years that I've gotten to know you guys, uh, it, it's been a, been a privilege to be a friend. And obviously you're not going away, so this isn't a eulogy by any stretch. Uh, but publicly – um we're we're very proud to have you a part of uh stock talk and in the show pig world uh really appreciate all the things that you've done to help progress things thus far looking forward to watching you uh i guess uh transition in, into uh, helping xander a little bit more on the show pig side uh and and kind of getting him finished out here these last few years of, of his career and and seeing where uh real mccoy goes from here sounds good why well, I, I think uh again there's there are innovators and in, uh, forward thinkers in so many different aspects of so many different walks of life. And um, this is considered what we did as, as being an innovative thing and trying that something a little different that wasn't necessarily popular. But what you guys have done with the social media part of it and what you're accomplishing with this uh, podcast, uh, actually, when Trevor came in the, the dining room to interview me, I didn't know if it was a video. I didn't know what a podcast was. <laughs> so... What you guys have done, I think, is amazing. Uh, proud of both of you. Uh, you took the bull by the horns, and you're you're doing great things. You're reaching lots of people, um, exciting lots of young people, and giving a lot of uh, fellows who have been in it for a long period of time uh, a lot of neat things to talk about. I actually, after I did that uh, that one podcast, months after I, I'd have guys come up. You know, I hadn't talked about so and so for so long. I kind of forgot he was there, and we'd sit and visit for a half hour about what we talked about and. It's just, uh, it's a healthy situation, uh, what you guys are doing. So, I, again, best of luck. I'm proud of you, and you've done a, done a very nice job of what you're doing. Well, Jim, uh, I think the whole podcast nation knows how much you mean to me, and uh, so does the show Pig World. But just hearing you talk, and I can't wait to get back down in Bloomingburg where, where home base is at, and just uh, sitting and uh, sipping on a few Coronas, as we like to do around there, and and looking at hogs like like we all do. But uh, love you to death and uh, really, really anxious to see where McCoy Genetics goes from here. And uh, it, it's been a been a good chat. So we will uh, tune this in for the last time. Jim, thanks again. All right. Thanks again, guys. And you all have a Merry Christmas. You too. <laughs> Man, dude, my my the hair is standing up. Oh, and obviously, um, we were at home that was pre-recorded, and we had to keep a cap on this for a while because people were dying to know who our guest was. Um, but that's not the only one, and we've got a whole nother slew of it, uh, another aspect of life, another guest that shares a whole nother uh, piece of knowledge here later on. But man, if you if you think about the history. Uh, the show pig industry, and even if you're in, into cattle or goats or whatever, um, I would have to assume you'd appreciate uh, all of that because it's it's part of history, and yeah, and it it's really so is. fascinating. I I I'm so looking forward to the day that we get to see those videos uh, and, and all that stuff that he had. I uh, 
I really think that it'd be kind of cool if if the fans would reach out to Jim and just say thank you. Yeah, I mean, yep. I mean, and and don't get me wrong, I, I understand completely if there's some folks that are still uh, upset about it or on the fence that you know um, these things shouldn't have been introduced or whatever. Totally get that. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion, but if you just think of of what what that um, what that journey has done. For our show pig industry. Yep. Uh, just absolutely crazy. Yeah. So. I can't wait to see the pictures that he mentioned. Yeah. Like, seriously. Yeah. I, I'm pumped. It's going to be so cool. Well, um, there you have it. That's guest number one um, for for these episode, uh, episode 100. That's right. Yes. But uh, let's let's take another break, Trev. Uh, we're going to do another drawing. Oh, yeah. And uh, this is a big one. This is a big one. So Legacy Livestock Imaging, again, uh, another sponsor that's been with us for quite a while. Mm -hmm. Charles and Heidi Anderson have a business that is thriving in our industry. They do incredible work, and I could not tell you um, two people that I think are just more genuine than than Heidi uh, and Charles. Just super great people. Uh, They are all about trying to make our industry better and uh, working with, with folks to make their uh, dreams a reality when it comes to uh, the work that Legacy Livestock Imaging can provide. So, what they have done for our season finale, episode 100, is donated a 16 by 20 print. Well, sorry, from... I bumped my mic. What is that? That's, we're talking. That's pretty good size. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, the, the That print itself is worth some change. Yeah. Uh, especially done by them. Yeah. Yeah. So any image you want from the legacy livestock imaging galleries, go online, check them out. Um, but, uh, they're going to, they're donating a 16 by 20 print. So Trav, here we go. Here we go. Oh man, I'm pumped. Winner of the 16 by 20 print brought to you by legacy livestock imaging. Molly Kramer. Congratulations. That. Be a great gift to yourself. Yes. Uh, by the way, we'll be contacting all of these uh, winners. How many more we got? We got three more drawings left. We got three more drawings. That's amazing. All right. Yeah. Well, let's just get into the next one. Uh, thank sure. you, Legacy Livestock Imaging. If you didn't win, still go to LegacyLivestockImaging.com and check them out. Uh, super awesome um, prints that you can purchase even if you didn't win. Um, but I'm pumped for that itself. Well, uh, our next drawing is going to be a good one. Um, and there's no doubt, Trevor, that uh, these folks have been with us for quite a while. So typically, Trevor, when we do this, uh, when we talk about this sponsor uh, that's, again, been with us for quite a while, um, we play and we do a segment. That's right. Typically. But this is no typical episode. This is no typical episode. But... The breakdown that has been brought to you by Brad Hal Ford in Kokomo, Indiana, is a segment that we've thoroughly enjoyed because it involves our guests. That's right. Every week, uh, other than weeks that it's just me and Trevor. But uh, the breakdown brought to you by Brad Hal Ford is one that. Uh, could not be possible if it wasn't for 
great relationships in the livestock industry. And you want to talk about a Ford dealership. We've got them all over the country, right? Mm-hmm. But this one is run by livestock people. They have sold trucks across the country. Yep. Uh, you want to talk about award-winning winning service. Uh, they know their stuff. They will get you in whatever vehicle you want. So, Trevor, this week we're going to break down quality relationships. That's right. And I've said many times in episodes past that quality relationships and networking are probably one of the more important things that you'll do as a youngster and as an adult specifically in the livestock industry that you'll ever do. And the stronger you make those relationships, the better your life will be. Um, now, you'll, it happens to everybody. As you grow up, you know, your high school friends may evolve into less, less or not as strong relationships as maybe your college friends, and that's okay because yeah. everybody needs different types of relationships. But when it comes to people like Brad Al Ford, those are strong relationships. That's right. Well, and, you know, I think it goes without saying that if it wasn't for the relationships Trevor and I have been fortunate enough to have, this podcast we've set up time and time again would not exist. That's right. And if you know, uh, if you can't recognize that um, that is the number one reason our industry thrives is because you know we create relationships between youth and livestock, and uh, with breeders um, and, and seed stock producers and purchasers uh, from all over the place. Yep. So. That's the breakdown. Brought to you by Brad Halford. And guess what, Trev? Oh, wait. Boom. Brad Halford. There we go. We got another drawing. That's right. Got another drawing. Uh, this one is for a full truck or car detail. How about that? Brad Halford. So, going to be big. I uh, can't I can't believe, like, that's a very creative gift, but, man, I could use it. <laughs> my name's not in there. Uh, can't can't draw, believe I'm not part of this. Can't no. draw your name. <laughs> so we're uh, we're going to draw here real quick. And, and just so you know, if you're from anywhere in the country, um, this this will be good for until Brad Halford closes its doors. Yeah, and that's the kind of guy he is. Yeah. He'll so, take care of you. So Baxter, Baxter Howe wanted to make sure that uh, if somebody from anywhere uh, were to get this um, – that they would they would get them taken care of. That's right. So, all right, here we go. Here we go. Trevor's doing the drawing here. Here we go. The winner is Brandon Marchinot. Oh boy! Get Congratulations, that. Brandon. Get that vehicle detailed. I'm telling you, right now, Ford. Thank you so much for what you've done. Um, they have uh, they've kind of been there for a while too. Actually, after the Dan Hogue episode, mm-hmm. we had we had a discussion, and that's kind of when it started. So yeah, yep. I think uh, I think they realized though that we probably do look better off camera. Yeah, <laughs> that's than, right. Than we than we do anywhere that's else. Right. But uh, how awesome was that? And uh, one thing that I think to keep in mind when car shopping is know what you want. That's right, and I, they, they'll I, I know let it's you know. Easy, I know it's easy to browse. If you know what you want, you go in there and you say, hey, this is kind of what I'm looking for. This is what I need. Uh, instead of taking the time to shop around, uh, it's going to be a lot easier if you go into it knowing what you need. That's right. Especially when it comes to vehicle shopping. Yes, no doubt. So, um, Trevor, 
Let's surprise the folks with another. Well, we're not going to surprise them because if you listen to episode ninety nine, you heard a little audio clip of this. That's right. Next guest. So uh, please welcome our next guest. Incredible livestock family involved in our industry. Uh, she is the wife of uh, a great industry leader and mentor to many. Uh, one of probably, I think people would argue, one of the greatest livestock evaluators and talents uh, of all time. That's right. Um, but uh, you want to know what it takes uh, to run a successful family and to campaign for our industry? You need to talk to this woman right here. Please welcome our next guest, Katie Hoke. Well, folks, uh Many have asked, little does Katie Hogue know, but many have asked to have Katie a part of Stock Talk podcast for a little over two years now since its inception. So here we are, video, live, and in person with Katie Hogue. So Katie, welcome to Stock Talk in person. I say uh, uh, we are virtual, very much so. But uh, Katie, thank you for joining us uh, for Stock Talk. Yeah. So happy to be here. Thanks, guys. Good, good. Uh, so we have several things to cover, but one of the things that we wanted to lead off with is I think everybody is dying to know what is the most challenging part currently of being the wife of Dr. Mark Hogue? Is it managing uh, your three children or is it managing Mark? Got to know. I think we all know the answer to that question. It's going to be the latter. <laughs> It's going to be B. He's a busy guy. Um, my three kids actually help me to manage Mark because without <laughs> them, um, I don't think I could do it. Carter, Nolan, and Nora, they're a big part of, uh, of assisting me because he's a busy guy. He's gone a lot. Um, and so we are a team trying to support him as he is <laughs> gone so much. And so he's running 100 miles an hour um, he's one of those guys that lives every minute to, uh, every day to the last drop. I mean, he's just going hard. And so that means a lot falls on the shoulders of us. So I, I try our, my best to, uh, guide and help him, but I think he was just guy. in Ohio actually about a week or so ago. So yes. hey, he's this all is, over the place. Yeah. This is, uh, the first weekend, Christmas weekend that he'll be home. He's, uh, just got home yesterday. Uh, he's been gone for five days. He, uh, headed South with the judging team to go help them in Oklahoma. And then from Oklahoma, he went to the Pennsylvania, yeah. uh, youth mm -hmm. expo, which was in Ohio. And so he's been there and he came home last night about nine o'clock. So, We've been managing the Hogue farm with uh, him being gone. Yeah, so let's let's talk. Uh, there's been a lot of episodes and other podcasts uh, about Mark, and they're super interesting, um, and and all of that. But but, we're here but to let's get let's just for a minute forget Mark Hogue. Yeah, we're <laughs> for a just just for a second. We're here to get the Katie Weisinger Hogue story, and. Talk about your growing up with competitive livestock and all the way until your, you know, your, your family's been in it forever. So kind of tell our, our viewers a little bit about where you came from. Sure. Um, I am from Iowa, a little town in Iowa, Fort Madison. I grew up on a small farm there, a commercial farm, cattle and pigs and crops, a very family oriented farm. Uh, my father farmed with his 
grand, his father and um, brother, my uncle. And so we um, were very close, did a lot of things together, lived miles apart, um, really enjoyed showing livestock at the county fair level. I was not um, one that showed at the national level like my kids do now, but just uh, had the opportunity to do it at the county fair level and loved it, loved it so much. Just cattle is all I showed, um, but knew that it was just, you know, an exciting um, industry to be a part of. I just saw so many good things and that's all my family knew was showing or raising livestock. At that point, we weren't showing competitively as much, but knew that that was something I wanted to do for sure. So um, I went to Iowa State University when I graduated uh, with a degree in animal science. I was planning on doing something in the ag industry, had every intention to do that. And, um, but met my husband, Mark Hogue, actually kind of a fun love story. Uh, I think our, our love story is my favorite, I think. Uh, a good one. We, uh, when I was at Iowa State University, I went down with some kids uh, that did not make the judging team uh, cut to judge at the American Royal. So my friend Lisa and I went down with a couple guys to um, just enjoy the livestock show. And when we went there, we uh, met up with the judging team at the Hereford House. And that's when I met Mark Hogue. I thought, <laughs> wow, you know, I didn't know who he was at all. Not a clue. Didn't know what I was getting into at all. <laughs> and, um, but I, I, I went into the bathroom with my friend, you know, I told her, I said, I am going to marry that guy, Mark Hogue. And she goes, yeah, I think he was looking at you. And I thought, oh yeah, <laughs> right. You know, she just was feeding me a line just Bump to make me, me happy. Yeah. Right. And so I reapplied lipstick and I never re reapply lipstick and walked back outside and said nothing to him for the rest of the night. You know, I, I played hard to get. I thought, um, you know, there's no chance that I'm ever going to be able to, you know, entice this guy. So I just kind of played hard to get and um, went back to Iowa State, didn't talk to him for about five months. Uh, every time I saw him, I would say, you know, I didn't know who he was. He'd say, yes, you know me. I'm, I'm Mark Hogue. I'm like, no, what's your name again? And he's like, Mark Hogue. And I'm like, okay, no, I, I don't know you. And he's like, Katie, yeah, you do. And I was writing my name during lecture, you know, Katie Hogue in, in, in the lectures, you know, hoping that someday maybe I could, you know, talk Such to the guy. Junior high romance. Yeah, it really was. It's kind of embarrassing. But finally, one it. night I, you know, had enough courage to say, you know, I've been looking for you all night long. And he said, yeah, right. I thought, oh man, there it was, you know, my one moment and it didn't go well, but it did. He, he did after that small talk, um, we ended up being together ever since that night in March. So it, it was, it was pivotal to me because that, um, uh, changed my career path. You know, when I went to Iowa state, I had every intention, like I said, to, uh, be in animal science. And when I met Mark, um, shortly after I decided that that was not the career path that I wanted. I wanted to be in education because really my goal was, um, to be, you know, a, a, a good mother someday, you know, and I thought that being an animal science, you know, major, I would be working, you know, too much and I wouldn't be able to take care of my family like my parents had done and my aunt and my grandma. So I, 
you know, my goal in life was really just to raise a good family and around livestock. And so when I met Mark and I knew that I was going to be around livestock for sure, um, I changed my path to uh, education. So then that way I could, you know, um, dabble in the livestock, dabble in education, you know, a balance of being uh, in both fields and raising good kids. So um, from there, we, we dated for several years and then uh, got married and moved to Michigan State where I um, taught there and, and uh, soon got a degree in technology. IDT, Instructional Design and Technology, is what has led me to my current career. So I'm a technology director in a school district of about 2,000 students and oversee technology um, at the district level here. So that's the long story of me and college and meeting Mark and my current position. So I bet you're not busy at all here in 2020 being an IT tech director. At no. A, and how many students are you overseeing? 2,000. Okay, just a couple. Just a small, small amount. Uh, wow. Just, just about like this three-person Zoom meeting. I'm sure it all goes over very smoothly. Yes. Uh <laughs> Okay, so what is it? What is it like now, knowing that the generational gaps of the folks that are ahead of us in age, but still having to learn this technology versus like your students now that you're kind of helping oversee? What's it's, the What's the difference? It's amazing. Um, just the growth that we've made since March of 2020 with COVID. Um, people kind of embrace technology, but not to this extent. You know, there's no excuses right now. You need to just learn and grow. Technology is not going away. Um, several years, for example, um, my grandfather was given a computer, a laptop, and internet. This was several years ago. And, you know, he liked it, but no, he didn't need it. So he, he got rid of it and said, you know, thanks for the gift. I don't need the internet. And then later on in his, um, life as his health was starting to slow down and, and fail, it was so sad to me because he couldn't, you know, use this technology. Mm -hmm. uh, he had passed it by. And although he was, you know, still able to interact just in his home area, he wasn't able to travel. And so I was always sad that he never learned how to use the internet because all of these livestock shows that our industry um, puts on, are televised. It's so great that, mm -hmm. you know, really the technology has been there because of Walton webcasting, for example, um, where, where families all over don't have to be at the show. They can actually just hop online and watch. And so I was always sad that he never learned and embraced that technology because he could have been watching, you know, my kids show or, or Mark judge a national show. And so when my father was getting ready to um, turn down a smartphone about five years ago, and he says, you know, I don't need this cell phone. And I said, I understand you don't need this cell phone, but let me tell you the story about grandpa and the internet, you know? And so I told him how, you know, you don't need it, but it's, if you don't learn now, right this moment, when, when there is no other possibility to use a different type of phone, you won't know how because you didn't keep learning. And so, you know, with technology, you just got to keep learning and growing and you can't say, I don't need it because it's not going away. Have you gone to a gas pump and tried to um, get gas? How difficult that is? I mean, you got to put the credit card in, right? Then you got to put in your zip code. Do you want a car wash? Now they've got like TVs telling you, you know, what the weather is and it's spitting out coupons if you want this kind of pop. So, you know, 
you just have to kind of embrace technology whether you whether you like it or not because it's it's the future and so right now with covid it's so interesting what kids are doing in the classrooms i'm just amazed at the teachers and the students and the growth that has come from all of this they are nailing it like i was in tears the other day when my daughter nora who is five is doing a microsoft teams meeting and her teacher is teaching as if she is in the classroom like it was the most remarkable thing i've ever huh. seen in my career um she would she would teach she'd say all right everybody mute your computer and all the kids would mute and when it was time to talk the kids knew to unmute and you know this is what people in in huge industries are doing right now for the first time and this five-year-old is doing it right along with them so it's wow. really just cool to see um how technology is um I guess changing the world rapidly. I mean, it's gonna, we're gonna see flying cars, I think, someday. I really do. <laughs> I had a I I listened to a Joe Rogan pod, podcast with Elon Musk, and that's a guy talk about technology that is like the guy. And he has this whole theory about flying cars and are they gonna work? Or are they not digging tunnels under LA and like mind blown? And it is it's so fascinating i love what you're talking about with with your daughter being five and they're learning it they know where the mute button is because in my profession there's there's some people who who struggle with that and either they refuse to learn or they don't have the internet to, to get the connected which is a whole nother frustration but it's it's evolving we didn't we didn't drive a model t to work today and you know things evolve and for the better so just gotta adapt and overcome yeah. Speaking of Elon Musk, I have to bring this up because it reminds me I was, it was and it is livestock related. I was with a group of livestock friends. We had just got done. We were uh, kind of helping prep for a, uh, a sale uh, this summer and we had all gotten outside for a bonfire in the, the night that Elon Musk shot up his satellites in the air. I don't know if anybody that's listening knows about that, but he shot up like 72 satellites all in a row. And I swear when we were looking up, I, we were being attacked by aliens, but no, Elon Musk was just shooting satellites into the sky. So it was kind of, kind of a crazy deal, but anyway, technology is strange, but we're using it. We're using it in the livestock industry, which is even cooler. Um, but so let's pivot a little bit to Katie Weisinger's show career, because uh, before um, Katie, you jumped on here, we talked with Jim McCoy. Jim informed us of a story uh, that happened in the 90s, uh, evolve, uh, evolving, uh, involving, sorry, words are hard, uh, a, a show bearer that was intended for Mike McCoy to go to Denver. And Mike did not make the sift that year. And so you did, and you had a chance to show that bearer. And he actually ended up winning Denver. So that actually was the very first Piatrin or half-blood Piatrin that had won a major show. So take us back in time. Tell us a little bit about your experience and how, how was it, you know, knowing that maybe you didn't know at the time the significance behind you actually showing that Vera, but what, what, what's it like looking back now? That, that was a great experience. That was, you know, very monumental to me. 
Um, as I mentioned earlier, I didn't get to show a lot at the national level. I always wanted to show pigs. We, we weren't able to show pigs. We just showed cattle. Um, I just met Mark at Iowa State University and um, Mark, you know, introduced me to uh, Justin Harden, who also helped with the pig with Mike and, and Jim, of course. And so I did make the draft, lucky me. And this was my first experience showing a pig. Can you believe this? So <laughs> lucky me, I'm undefeated at the National Western. That's right. <laughs> I, that's, that's, you know, pretty remarkable. And I'm very thankful, very thankful for Jim and, and Mike and Justin and, and Mark, of course, to um, help me with that. But yeah, I, I just, it was really neat. I remember seeing that pig, you know, I, I didn't show a lot of pigs, you know, I was from a commercial um, side of it. And so, but when I saw that pig, I was like, oh my, is it, oh my gosh, you know, like it was remarkable how good it was, the genetics there. Um, were great. And so I just went out and showed and it was the most amazing experience. I was nervous as could be because I didn't want to let these people down. Um, and the next thing I know, I'm hugging Randy Shipley because I have won Denver. So <laughs> it was great. And, you know, just means a lot. Denver means a lot to me for many reasons, you know, um, Mark and my first experience showing a pig, I think that's, he was trying to seal the deal with me, you know, get in and make sure that, you know, stick with yeah. me and things will be good for us. And so get you a banner, then I'll get you a ring later. <laughs> yeah, I wanted the banner first. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. it was uh, great. Oh, uh, so some of my favorite parts about, uh, you know, the Hogue family is the, the competitive drive uh, and all that that's in person. Um, but the, a part of that is also what the world can see on social media. And I actually, today I saw one of your really cool graphics that you put. Um, it was with Dan and the blue healer going into the barn. And there was a really awesome quote about, uh, you know, no wonder uh, Jesus was born in, in a manger and how peaceful it is. So that's one of the many, many uh, things that I saw on your platform. So Katie, walk us through the family oriented push of, of the successful the marketing and the message that you guys send uh, because it's creative. I saw one today also uh, that was, uh, well, yeah, I was raised in a barn and just it's genius stuff. It's simple. It reaches a lot of people. Uh, just kind of explain your mindset behind some of that. Sure. You know, it really just comes, I mean, as cheesy as it sounds right from my heart, like it really is who I am. It really is what I want my boys to be in Nora. Um, you know, I don't, I, I just, it just comes naturally to me, you know, like I just, I love what I do. And when you love something so much, it's just, it's easy to talk about and you want to share it. And I, you know, I really don't know what I'm putting out there, or what I'm saying there's, you know, I guess it's strategic because I'm a very strategic person. You know, I, I really am a thoughtful person. Everything I do is with intention. Um, but I don't really know who my audience is, you know, who my audience is. It's my family. It really is. I do it for me and Mark. And, and the boys someday and Nora to, to be able to read and kind of reflect um, on what we do. Maybe our journal a little bit because, you know, I'm not writing it for Trevor or Corey. Um, and yet at the same time, I hope it speaks to Trevor and Corey, you know? So it's just, it's just our experiences in the barn and it's remarkable. Like what I'm doing with my kids, like means a lot to me. Like they are just raising we're raising good livestock, but we're raising really good kids. And that's why we have a barn. And I think that's the truth 
um, for so many show families. You know, I think that's why they relate to what I'm writing because that's what they're feeling too. Yeah, what and I there's... think is so unique though about about that is, you know, uh, Hogue Livestock doesn't use their social media page to push genetics all the time to push uh, successes or banner wins or anything like that. And that to me, uh, and, and yet people still know that you know Hogue Livestock is represented by quality livestock, but more so, you know, your messaging of making people understand the reason behind why we do what we do. I have, I have yet to see a legitimate platform uh, that does that on a continuous basis. You know, I think we maybe lose sight of that as an industry sometimes, which I think is something great that I notice uh, from your guys' social media platform. And you're right, it may not be intended for Corey or Trevor, uh, but, you know, we as industry people see that and it, it makes, it's great reminders for us. Yeah, I mean... Winning's nice, but it isn't, it's not why I'm doing it a hundred percent. You know, I'm doing it just to raise good kids and, and our time is in the barn all of the time. And I see what they're able to accomplish in the barn. And so I just want to record that and always remember it. And, and sometimes I don't know how much to put out there. You know, I struggle with that because I don't want to, you know, be boastful by any means. Um, and I'll tell you the hardest posts I have is, of writing us winning. Like, I don't, I don't want to write about us winning. Um, the only reason I want to put it on there is so I remember, um, because <laughs> I, I tend to forget those things. And that's why I put so many things out there though, is it's more for me to reflect back. Like, Oh, I remember that last year, you know, because Facebook is great. Um, because it'll, you know, do the reminder of what happened last year or in 2018 or whatever mm -hmm. it might be. But, you know, the hardest posts that I have right is, saying, yay, we had champion, whatever it might be like, cause that's not why I went to the show. You know, I just, I went to the show because my kids worked really hard at home and you know, if, if everything works out and aligns just perfectly, then sometimes you get a champion, but that's not always the case. And so I don't, I don't always, you know, at night before the show, I don't say a prayer like, please, dear God, let me be the winner tomorrow. <laughs> I, I'm praying that the judge picks the champion, the one that's supposed to be um, selected, the best creature. And sometimes that's us and sometimes it's not. And I'm okay with that because, you know, I'm, I'm wanting just to raise good kids and get more from it than just a banner. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when you don't get that banner and when you thought you should, those are really important lessons. Yeah. We've all been there. Uh, and now I will say some of my favorite social media posts is, is the dance parties that happen with a particular five-year-old in the Hogue barn. That, that's, that lights up a, a really gloomy day, you know, so <laughs> I, I enjoy seeing that. That we don't have her in dance lessons because she has a barn. <laughs> yeah, she right. is the teacher. She is yeah. the teacher of the dance. Yeah. Who does, my, she, who, who does she get her moves from? I don't know. Oh no. I think maybe <laughs> me, but okay. I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing. So. Well, I, I struggled trying to picture Mark doing those moves myself. So <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. No, we have a barn list, you know, raising good kids. Like I said, I also want them to be exposed to lots of good music. So we have a barn playlist that you know make sure that when they go to that wedding they know every song that's being played so that they can be out there Very dancing important. and having a good time <laughs> from beethoven to the backstreet boys gotta know it all yes <laughs> that's awesome uh well okay so let's let's switch subjects a little bit and i think this is this is one 
um, that I, I'm super passionate about because I think um, what our industry has done so well is created opportunities for everyone. Um, but in, in your position as somebody that grew up with livestock, somebody that has um, obviously married a livestock addict and raised kids uh, in this industry, you know, what is your message or what would your message be to uh, young women or even women your age um, for them to be able to leave an impact on the industry? I mean, I, I would say Katie Hoag's impact on the industry is uh, currently, you know, raising three children that are going to be um, what I would assume is very ingrained in all this and they already are. So um, amongst other things, but you know, what would your message be um, to those that are maybe wanting to, to leave an impact? You know, you're, and that's exactly it. Your impact doesn't have to be huge. You know, you don't have to be the president of a company. Um, it can be something small, like raising three fine individuals. And that's going to be my impact. And I'm okay with that. You know, um, I'm also giving the industry Mark, you know, he has gone a lot and that's, that's a huge burden. You know, I don't talk about how hard it is on social media, but you know, Mark's been gone several days um, out of the year, you know, flying from one place to another place. He's not only judging at, you know, livestock shows, but he's also a coach. I mean, I think you guys remember being on a judging team, you know, for one year and it was really a lot of work um, at your junior college and then your senior college. You know, that's, that's my family every single year, mm -hmm. year after year, you know? And so, and I love it. I love that. But um, my role, and that's why, you know, I, I told you our love story a little bit because um, I knew where my place was going to be and it was to support Mark and, and raise good kids and be helpful in the barn. And so, um, you know, whatever these women or men, whatever it is, you know, just, you know, little things, it doesn't matter. Just speaking um, about the ag industry, pushing your story a little bit, um, raising kids, you know, you guys, what you're doing is remarkable with the podcast. It was just a small idea and look at it. You just put one foot in front of an, another and little baby steps turns into something big. But, you know, I think I was a little bit hesitant to tell our story for so long because I, you know, didn't know if it was really what anybody'd want to hear, but I, I didn't do it for other people. Why I started was honestly, because I just wanted to document our days a little bit and be able to remember some of these great things that are happening in the, in the barn, because, you know, just the other day I had a three-year-old and now he's 15 and I just look at him and, you know, I have three more years in the house with him. And then he's, he's gone, you know, he's out at Blackhawk, you know, or whatever college he chooses to go to. And so life goes by so fast. And it was like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to forget these things. So I'm writing them down. And so um, I would tell people, you know, don't be afraid to just try something new because, you know, as we talked with technology, things are changing so fast. And, and I think if you have an idea, you run with it and you don't, you don't look back and, and you don't have to take big strides. You can just take small strides, one foot in front of another and redirect as needed. But um, if you're passionate about it, I just have learned that everything falls into place for you. Yeah. One of the, one of the wisest things uh, of many wise things that your, uh, your father-in-law, 
uh, impressioned on my, myself and probably lots of others is, um, you know, know, knowing where you're at, knowing where you fit in. And um, I believe that was written on one of his famous blue, uh, blue note cards that he hands out uh, to the judging team, but um, knowing, knowing where you're at. And that, that's one of the things we even had a, an episode uh, with Sam Mattingly, who I'm sure, you know, uh, Western Illinois grad. And um, you know, that was one of his messages is, is just know where you're at and know where you're at in the industry and know where you want to be. And if you, you know, take different steps to get there than you do. Um, but what I've admired so much is that with, with the success uh, that your kids have had showing with obviously Mark's tenure in the industry um, is that, you know, there's been different ways to get there. And yet at the same time, you all are so humble. You never brag about anything. You're never boastful. Um, And that, you know, I think you guys set a great example for our industry Um, and especially you, Katie, as, as you know, why I'm just going to call you the glue of, of keeping everything, you know, making sure that the machine's oiled and running Uh, because when Mark's gone, animals still have to get fed Uh, (laughs) and, and, and projects need worked with. And uh, I know it's not always an easy task, I'm sure. So um, just, just something that I I really wanted you to kind of bring to light amongst the group that, Hey, it's, it's not all glamorous all the time, but uh, there's, there's lots of ways to, to leave an impact. Yes, absolutely. We, um, we definitely have learned to adapt with him being gone. And we are definitely, like you said, a well-oiled machine with him or without him. We know, um, you know, how to function without him pretty well. And, and that's a good thing. You know, my kids, they get up before school, they're doing chores. They're coming in right now to do their online learning. Um, they, they're, they don't know anything but to work hard. And that's because of Mark, you know, because Mark is, you know, um, needed so many places that, it, a lot of weight gets thrown to us, you know, and so that's, that's a pro and that's a con, right? You know, like we don't go places, we don't go on vacation and that's okay. That's not a bad thing. It's just, we are so driven every day to go to the barn because we love it because it's part of our um, daily routine. I remember when we were um, building a barn, for example, um, we had a barn fire a few years ago. And so when they were rebuilding, Carter could not understand why the guys were not working on Saturday. Like they, he had no idea why, because the sun was shining. It was a beautiful day. And I had, I had to tell them and they argued with me. I said, people don't work on Saturdays and Sundays. And they're like, what, why wouldn't they work on a Saturday and a Sunday? Like they have no concept (laughs) that you, you slow down. Um, And that's something that Mark has gotten from his dad, you know, like Dan goes hard. We know that that's why he's such a success. That's why Mark's so successful. And, and Mark has taught us to work hard every day in the barn. Um, And so, you know, we're, we're farrowing and we're trying to show cattle and pigs and sheep and goats and, and he's in one state and I'm in another state and he's got one species and I've got another species and, you know, and we couldn't do this without our friends and family too, you know, our, our college kids, you know, when Mark is gone, they help, they step up and they come out and they help us too, you know, so we don't live near our family. There's no Hogs that are in our area. There's no Weisingers in our area. It is, it is Mark and I and our three kids in Good Hope, Illinois. And so um, we've learned to manage, you know, and, and make the best out of things um, when he's gone and, and, you know, it works for us. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's some families who, 
the mom and or the dad have the most interest and the kids are there just to exhibit and then they they come and they go well your three kids and you can tell it in the ring um when people if if people ever question why you're successful we're we have proof here why uh they they work they have to and you know they they know that if this is not going to get done on its own dad's not here mom's at work i got work to do uh, and it shows. And I've I've talked to a lot of our guests about this who have kids that just have it. And they and it's and it's developed in the barn uh, with four species at that. Um, and, and, you know, it does take an army. But when it's centered around those showmen, uh, you've got the right chief. You know, they 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 kind of steer the ship uh, rather we like it or not, you know. Uh, it's funny if you hear people talk, we're, we're, we're competing over a $12 banner. Uh, but that's not, that's not the, the end goal. The end goal is what we've been talking about this whole episode is to make sure those kids have work ethic. Uh, they make friends. Uh, they have that competitive. Why aren't we working on Saturday? Uh, it's, it's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. So, uh, it's been great so far. And I do want to close out with a fun question that Corey, uh, adds to, to almost every episode. And I love these, but are there any fun stories that stick out in the Hogue barn or, or, or with, with your family, rather it be at a show or whatever, I'm sure there it's, it, there's a lot to choose from without putting you on the spot, but is there any fun stories of the Hogue family we could share? A fun story with the hoax. I mean, all of it's fun. We have a great time always together, you know, um, you know, somebody, I love the saying that says, you know, what, where's your favorite place? And it's true. We don't have a favorite place. We have our favorite people and wherever our people are, that's our favorite place. And, you know, we love being together. That's, that's what I think is the best about what we do. And we just, we want to be together. Mark, the three kids and me, you know, wherever we're at, you know, if it's in Nebraska, if it's in the barn, we're never in our house. So that's really not an option, but you know, we just, we enjoy being together, dancing. Like you said, um, you kind of get to see some of that in our Facebook page. We, we love to dance and laugh and be together. So I don't know. It's all fun. I don't know if we have yeah. a funny story. We just have a good time wherever we're at. That's so we were, we were talking off air uh, before we started recording. I thought this was, it was a small, funny moment, but <laughs> talking about um, how you're so thankful that Walton has shown up and, and all these other places, because, you know, you could, you could watch a class uh, and, and not have to worry about Nora dropping her pop on the ground and looking down and you having to help her pick it up. And then you just miss a champion selection or something. Yes. So. yes. <laughs> yeah, and I guess that would be our funny story is Nora, right? <laughs> Nora. Part of it. Like when the boys get done showing, she tells them what they did wrong. That is you know, awesome. like she is so competitive and, you know, we try to stay really humble, but this one, I don't know about her. She's something else. I mean, we can't even play Candyland without her like throwing the board because she got second place. Like she cannot handle it. And I don't know where that's coming from because I have tried really hard to, you know, not focus on that banner so much. And, and, you know, I'm all about being better than you were yesterday. You know, I don't compare myself to anybody else. I don't look at other people like, you know, I, I have no concern of them. You know, I just all am all about making, you know, my family strong. And, and, you know, when we win that banner, we just kind of put it over here. We're thankful. We're very thankful for that banner, but we still need to go on and, and get better every day. And so with Nora though, 
I don't know, Lord have mercy. She, you know, is something else. The other day when we were at a show and, and they said that Carter Hope got second, she looked at me and said, mama, did Carter win? And I said, no. And she goes, oh, you know, I mean, so, and she was, like, she was like three, you know, like, I don't know. We don't talk like that at our house. So um, I apologize to anybody that ever judges her in the future. <laughs> what, what, uh, so, so the boys have uh, shown all, all four species so far. What's Nora's interest so far right now? I love that question because I always listen intently when they ask my kids, you know, Carter, Nolan, or Nora, whoever asks, because that's always, you know, people want to know what's your favorite species, what's your mm -hmm. favorite species, and I just always want to listen to make sure we're doing the right thing, you know, because I don't want to push my kids too hard too. I do want to push them, but I also want them to be the director of their ship a little bit. And they always say, all three of them, all of them, they like them all. Carter, awesome. Nolan, and Nora, they like them all. So Nora, as soon as you say what one, she says cattle and pigs, sheep, goats, horses, chicken. <laughs> she just keeps going. She just, she loves animals. She loves livestock. She's um, into it. And it's because she has two older brothers, you know, and those two older brothers had college kids, you know, I mean, to look up to. So because we've been surrounded by so many good people that have led the way for them, um, they really just enjoy it. And it's because of the companionship, you know, it's not just the animal, it's just being around people at the shows. We've had so many people help us um, show good livestock and we're grateful for them. And so um, they like all the species. That's awesome. We uh, we need to probably hold off on making Nora aware that there's a national reindeer show in Alaska. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, it might be a might be an expensive plane ticket. Yes, yes. Please <laughs> don't tell her. We'll we'll try not to. Hopefully, she won't have to watch this uh, this part of the episode. So awesome. Well, well um, it's been great. I we uh, we're so glad that you had a chance to jump on here busy season. I know uh, we're recording this part of episode 100 right before Christmas. So uh, any any major plans? What, how's, what's the Hogue household going to do for Christmas this year? Sparrow pigs. Nice. I'm surprised. Yeah. <laughs> no. So we've been, you know, we're excited because Mark will be home. Um, you know, we'll be in the barn. That's where we always are. That's a good place to be. It's a great place to be. Well, Katie, thanks for jumping on and sharing your story. We're excited to get this out there. And uh, thanks for being part of the last episode of the season. Congratulations, guys. Thanks. That was kind of a switch, you know, it because everybody's used to Mark being on there. Yeah. We were like, you know what? Let's go. Let's go a different avenue. Yeah. I, I, mean, I think it, obviously we have a tremendous amount of respect for Mark. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Mark's had... Plenty of time in the spotlight, and uh, <laughs> I, I think uh, Katie was very deserving. On the, she was uh, incredibly sweet when we were trying to uh, get something scheduled with her. She was like, "Are you sure?" She's like, "I didn't respond for a while because I, you know, do you really want me on?" And and uh, obviously, uh, very very inspiring. I think not only to uh, uh, the women in our industry, but yeah, and anybody. and also you, you don't think about like how much of a team effort, and you don't think about. You know, Mark being gone as much as he is and what happens at home and all the help that they have and the interaction the kids get right. and their four species. Like, it, that just wraps it all together. So, very thankful uh, for Katie jumping on the podcast as well. So, um, we are going to draw our last drawing. Whoa. Uh, we get to draw two names here, though, for this. So, very, very excited. Folks, Phantom Halter 
is the ultimate cable halter available to you in the industry. By the way, again, if you're going to vote or nominate anybody for new product of the year, we highly recommend Phantom Halter. That's right. Uh, folks, they are giving away one cattle halter and one sheep or goat halter, otherwise known as a shoat halter, <laughs> according to Trevor. Uh, but uh, Phantom Halter is the ultimate cable halter, Trevor. Whether you're in the barn or show ring, the Phantom Halter will help showmen of all ages control their animals. The Phantom Halter was developed with both the showman and your stock in mind. This halter is smooth and not prone to fray like other cable halters on the market. And the Phantom Halter is better for your animal as it does not aggravate or bother them in any way. Mm, that's that's pretty key. Pretty key. So uh, you can use this style both at home or in the show ring. With this style of halter, there is no need to place a show halter over top of this halter. Just attach your choice of lead and hit the ring. For cattle, there are three sizes to choose from. No tools required. Uh, which is a very, very big key. If you go back and listen to episode 99, they talk about that. And uh, for uh, for goats and sheep, they had two different sizes. And uh, if you just want to go buy some, you can go to phantomhalter.com. If you did not get entered in our drawing to place your order, use coupon code STOCKTALK for a 5% discount on your next order. So, Trevor, let's do let's, it. Let's do some drawings. We got two names. First one is the cattle halter. The cattle halter. Yes. And I'm, I'm saying... I'm saying if you did not, if you are not a cattle person is what I'm saying, then find somebody that could use it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, boy. All right. Sorry if you're a big person. All right. Mari Wade, you are the winner of the a phantom halter. Uh, phantom cattle halter. Cattle halter. We're going for a sheep or goat halter now. Get one. Boom. Connie Kolb again. Connie Kolb, you have lucked out. Man, see, that's why I'm saying if you entered or if you bought something online, you get your name in the hat. Yep. If you commented on our post and you tagged more than three people, that's two names in the hat. Yep. So there's multiple ways that you can do that. And look. She's got two. What are the odds? What are the odds? Dude, those those phantom halters are something. I tell you, I I look at the pictures and they had that drawing not too long ago, and everybody kind of sent in oh, yeah. their their photos of them in the ring. They're incredible. Dude, and I'm just saying, like, there's some pretty dang good livestock on the end of those halters. Mm-hmm. So you you know like the people that are serious about it are using them. Yeah. And um another serious user of this product is a guy named Kirk Steerwalt. You bet. Uh, cannot wait for you guys to listen to this one. We we have talked forever about getting Kirk on the show. Uh, we had uh, a really, really good time with him and visit when we were up in Walton, Indiana for the Purina um, show feed. Uh, feed Greatness. Feed Greatness uh, virtual camp. And uh, Kirk has been an absolute industry monster when it comes to uh, creativity and um, just shaping Mm -hmm. uh, an industry truly and and especially in the cattle industry so please uh please welcome and joining the last guest here of stock talk podcast 100th episode 100 kirk stirwall here we are the very last guest of 2020 with season two of stock talk podcast no other than mr kirk stirwall uh this is one Corey, and we say this (laughs) 
but we have like this top tier of guests. He was definitely one of them. We've been trying to get on for quite some time. Uh, but you're not a guy that just sits on the couch and eats Twinkies all day. You got a few things going on. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. we finally got it, got it figured out. So well, thanks for being patient. I'm just going to say, Hey, I can say one thing about these fellas right here. They do have patience. They're persistent, which is good, <laughs> which is good. And they have patience. So anyway, so yeah, thank you for working with my schedule. And like I said, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Trevor and I, Trevor and I talked earlier in the episode about uh, our time we got to spend in Walton for the the Feed Greatness virtual show camp deal that we did, yeah. and yeah. Uh, I'm like, man, it'd be so great if, to get to get Kirk in a video setting again because that was that was a ton of fun, uh, and we got to take you to uh, the dog shed. Oh yeah, exactly. And I'm gonna tell you what, I actually did the most redneck thing you could do at that Walton webcast thing in Indiana. Yep. Yeah, uh, Mike Whitty ended up bringing me uh, sweet corn, and I put it in my suitcase, and uh, I carried it home in my suitcase like 24 years of uh, Indiana sweet corn. I mean, that is like as redneck as you can get. But anyway, <laughs> hey, we had it, and it was awesome. We never got to ask you how did TSA stop you on the way through? Not a bit. No, they didn't. They didn't know. No, everything's good. That's Other cool. than they thought whoever's bag this is is really kind of weird but anyway uh, <laughs> other than that I, don't, I guess i wouldn't know so no everything, yeah. was there. everything was there so it was all good so. that's awesome that's awesome yeah. well kirk we're hoping to get some of your background and your history of how you got started so if you would yeah. just uh, start there and uh, before everybody knew who kirk steerwalt was how did you grow up and, and get started to what you're kind of doing today okay and like i said i could this could be a whole section in itself but i'll try to keep it hey take your time as simple as possible, but, um, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm not first and foremost, I'm not a, a ranch kid or a farm kid. Um, you know, as far as what I was, what I was brought up in, um, we actually lived uh, in town, Sheraton, Iowa, and, uh, my mom and dad uh, had a shoe store and a boot store and, um, you know, tennis shoes, to, to red wing boots, to Tony Lama boots. I mean, I'm just saying as I grew up with, with um, shoes and boots. And, and actually, even today, the most boring thing that I can do is go get a pair of shoes. I mean, I just, I don't <laughs> want to hear the sales pitch. I don't want to do nothing. I just want to go get the shoes, get out of there, buy and go. I mean, cause, I don't know. I just, you know what? I grew up with that. I mean, that was my, my life. And uh, you know what? And, and it's been awesome to my mom and dad and my dad's not living anymore, but, and my mom just sold the store this year and she's like 87 or something like that. So, wow. anyway, so it's been, been really good but anyway but my granddad um had herford cattle and um anyway and my aunt you know which would be his daughter had showed and she was the last one that showed but anyway i just really took a a, a liking to it i mean you know way as far as just showing and even though i was raised up in town i kept all my calves out at my granddad's place and so i would spend the summers out there with my granddad and my grandma and I'd go doing the, you know and that's kind of where i housed them and, and did all that and and that that just um, was something that was my passion i've always liked the the ag part and the farm part you know my brother i have a brother um but he's you know that wasn't really what you know his, he was more into sports and and some other things so you know that wasn't his passion so but anyway i i, I like the farm life and i i just you know what that was something that i would just like i couldn't get enough of so i and, you know, my summer job as a little kid, you know, we, uh, 
my mom and dad ran the little league in Sheraton, Iowa, like for 35 years. And, yeah. And so I would go rinse my calves and then I would go in town and then I would, um, you know, as a summer job, I would go around to, I think three ball diamonds and, and uh, drag the infield and then chalk them, get the bases out, get them ready to, you know, for the games and all that. And that was kind of my, my summer deal, you know, but I mean, as a young kid, you know, I could, uh, I could do that. But anyway, but um, yeah, I mean, you know what, I was, um, I was just like every other kid, you know what I mean? So, uh, but anyway, but like I said, uh, um, I uh, actually showed uh, cattle, um, you know, we also showed some horses, halter horses and stuff like that. Um, not, not, not heavy com competition or nothing like that. I mean, you know, it was just through 4-H. I also mm -hmm. uh, did dog obedience. Uh, you know what, I, I, uh, I trained our dog, you know what I mean? And all this, you know, obedience thing. I took that. Um, I was a lifeguard at the pool, you know what I mean? One summer, um, you know, I was, um, you know, I just, um, like I said, um, um, we, I, you know, I, we did all kinds of stuff. So anyway, but I'm just saying is that was kind of me as a kid, but, you know, showing, I mean, you know, I didn't, um, you know, it was a lot different then than now, but, you know, it wasn't as, of course, as, as many jackpot shows, there was some, but, you know, nothing, you know, it was a lot different pace, I'd say, you know, back then compared to now. I mean, you barely get a calf bought now and you can be showing it next week. You know what I mean? I mean, and it right. was, you know, like, like I can remember when I was a kid, our first, um, you know, jackpot show, one of the first ones for us, I mean, unless you, I mean, Sioux Falls was going then. But unless you went there, then about May is when everybody started going, you know. And I mean, uh, that's that's way different now than than what it was then. Like I said, I was in Cup Scouts. Um, you know what? Um, I, you know, I was really good at art. Um, I, you know, I um, um, art was a. I mean, I did a lot of art. I mean, painting, uh, pottery. Um, you know, I my grand my dad literally used to draw our Christmas cards. You know, he was very artistic. My hmm. mom. My mom can't hardly draw an X or, I mean, <laughs> I mean you know, it's just the two, you know, the opposite of those two, but, um, and I guess I got that through him and the good Lord above, you know, and, and I think that filtered into the grooming and, and stuff like that. And I actually had an opportunity to, to pursue art, but I really, you know, I, I just was infatuated with grooming cattle. And of course we get into the equipment and, you know, all the aerosols and all that stuff. I mean, you know, what we had then and what we had now, but I'm just saying, but anyway, so I went through there and I, like I said, I, uh, I attended Iowa State University, uh, went there uh, for college. Um, I ended up going out and uh, working for Hartman Cattle Company in Nebraska, um, you know, for um, a couple of years and then end up in Oklahoma, and, um, you know, working for Jimmy Harrell who runs OYE, you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, I was, uh, that's actually where I met my wife and and, um, you know, that's where we end up settling here. And like I said, uh, um, that's just kind of me growing up. But I did a lot of freelancing. I mean, you know, I, I, I clipped, I mean, my granddad was big on, he wanted me to do it, you know, if I wanted to do it. So, I mean, he was older, but I clipped all the calves. I mean, I, I, I you know, we, I was using an old brown nine-two sunbeam sheep head, you know, like, <laughs> like, sheer stuff off with you know what i mean i mean like yeah, yeah i mean it wasn't no little bitty clipper like you know do all that stuff <laughs> I'm talking about. we was mowing you know what i mean but you know that's what i learned with and and you know what and my granddad was uh, very encouraging for me to keep 
doing it and 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 that was something that I just you know I made a lot of mistakes and you know what I mean but I just kept I mean I wanted it so bad you know what I mean to I wanted to be I that grooming thing just was like something that I couldn't get enough of I couldn't think of anything else I mean not that I'm weird I mean I didn't even go to my senior prom I went to a cattle show I mean I'm just like you know that's just kind of the way I was geared and I'm just saying I I, I, you know what, I've never got tired of this industry. I haven't, it's just been, it's been just something in me for the, from the get go. But anyway, that's, that's kind of the way I grew up. And I, like I said, I freelanced and, and, um, you know, I, I was always watching and I was, I was always wanting to, I mean, I was just, I could just watch people groom cattle and just watch, you know what I mean? Trying to pick up something that, you know I mean? Would help me. And so, I mean, it's just, yeah. You Is know, there any, is there any certain person or group of people that, you know, when you, when you showed up to these shows, cause obviously uh, the style of grooming then is a way different than it is now. What, what kind of inspired you to, to really kind of get started and, and learn some different things? Well, you know, there, I, I lived in Southern Iowa and if anybody knows, um, you know, and it, it's different players now, but you know, you got Tracy Gretzky down in there and Brad hook and, I mean, I, I'm going to miss some people here if I start naming too many, you know, be all the, but I mean, uh, but there, there was, you know, Tom Klinger and, and Laverne Massman and, and, you know, Don McLaughlin and all these different guys that were trading calves pretty, what I'd say pretty high level it, back then, even in that area, even though it's different now, you know, I mean, Tyrone Hollinger would be another one. I mean, you know, these are all guys that, you know, I mean, but I'm just saying as those guys were going off to different shows and, and, you know, I just, I mean, and, and I've got the chance to go work for those guys. I mean, you know, once they thought I was good enough, but anyway, it enabled me to end up, it was my uh, ticket to go to Louisville or my ticket to go to Kansas city or my ticket to go, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, I was using my talent or my, you know, kind of was my way of getting around and, and, seeing the world a little bit, you know, yeah. And yet making money, you know what I mean? At that time, you know I mean? You know, for a kid, you know, I'm just saying, so, um, yeah, I mean, there was, there was people like Dwayne Hilbert, um, Dwayne Hilbert in the day. I mean, I think if you'd ask Bob May and all these different guys that's been in this a long time, Dwayne Hilbert absolutely set the bar way out there as far as grooming. I'm just saying mm -hmm. he was able to do stuff that, didn't look possible with a set of clippers. And I mean, if you could ever get the okay to go work for him, then it's almost like you, um, I don't know what I want to say. It's almost like you, um, you know, you jumped a big hurdle. What yeah. I'm saying is if he felt like, you know, you were good enough to come work on his cattle, then, then you, you know, you, you know, that was a big, I mean, not that there's any resumes, but all you had to say is I'm going to clip for Dwayne Hilbert. And then you're like, okay, you can come clip for us. You're fine. You know what I mean? That's so, awesome. Yeah. And it took me a long time to get that opportunity. But, you know, he was one that I'd always admired just on his, what his God-given talent was that he could do and nobody else couldn't. You know what I mean? And so trying to figure him out, trying to figure out how he did that, you know, that was just infatuating to me. And it's still, you know, I mean, I, I you know, I still look at cattle groom today and it's just, you know, I, I, I'm intrigued, you know, you still, you know, I'm not freelancing and doing all that, but I'm still, whether you're judging 
and doing all that, you can't help being intrigued on how they can get these things looking. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I mean, it's just, you just sit there in, in admiration, you know what I mean? And, and it's just, um, it is, it's a thing of beauty. I mean, say what you want, but it's so perfection to me. And it is. It is. You know, it's just. So, so it's how just, has it, how has it evolved with, you know, getting your start with those guys and what the way you were clipping the blades you were using? I mean, yeah. getting them tight, get keeping them. What's the change and what, what it is today versus what you were doing then? What, what can you kind of say to our audience? Maybe that doesn't clip cattle every day in, in the changes in, in which you had to, to make them look the way that you needed to. Well, you know, we used the sheep head. Everything was with the sheep head. And it's all done with the sheep head. And like I said, I started out with one of them old brown 9-2 sunbeam sheep heads. I should have grabbed one and held it up in front of the camera. <laughs> but Sam, you know, that's what I learned. Then we went to the 22, the sunbeams, um, you know. And, and I mean, that's what we clipped with. We were using 22 blades and um, uh, four point cutters. And, you know, um, I mean, it was just, I mean, and even though it's like anything, I think if anybody's good, I mean, you can take glues, you can take equipment, you can take, it's almost like some of them TV shows, but if somebody's good at it, they'll figure out a way to get, I mean, to make it look right. Right. what What they're using, it could be crude, you know what I mean? Like, and so I'm just saying is, but, um, you know, the thing, so the clippers have really changed a lot. I mean, I learned with the sheep and then we had a little old barber clipper that we tried to smooth it up. But the deal was, if you were smooth with a big sheep head, I mean, you, 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 you were, you know, you were, um, what I'd say, separate from the rest of the group. You know what I mean? Because a lot of people were mowing and if you could get those things smooth, and dialed in with a pair of sheep head, then, you know, people notice that, you know what I mean? And so. I had to uh, two-hand it like a big oh, yeah. block. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. You know, I don't even know, you know, it's like, it was wild, but I mean, and so in, in, in doing clinics, when the sheep head, I mean, there was a time there that like, we, everything was sheep head and, you know, we didn't see very many, um, you, I mean, we didn't see a lot of girls you know what I mean? Because of that, the style was using a sheep head. We didn't see a lot of youth. I mean, they tried to clip with them, but I mean, you know, we we get people here. You know, I've been doing clinics for thirty three years now, and you know, you know, these kids would come here and we'd hand them a sheep head. Well, they'd have two hands on it. You know, like you know, where, where's the pull starter on this thing? You know what I mean? Like, like, where's the gas at? Yeah, where do you put the gas at? Yeah, saw something off. But anyway, but I, you know, and. You know, uh, you know, and, it, and there was a lot more guys doing it and more more older kids, you know, 18, 15, 16, 17. And I'm just saying is when the little clippers came into play, I'm just saying is just with the clinic, it was a drastic change, not only with our clinics, but I'm talking about the industry because mm-hmm. we've seen a lot more youth participation. We've seen a lot more better fitted cattle because of the more detail, more, you know, they got these clippers where they'll cut as fast as your hand will move, even though they're, they're only that long. I'm just saying is they will cut as fast as your hand will move. You know what I mean? It's that if your stuff's sharp, but I'm just saying, and you know, we've seen more girls uh, participating and I'm just saying that more youth participating, we've seen the cattle looking better. And so the, when it transitioned from big clippers to little clippers, we've seen a big improvement in uh, more, um, 
better presented cattle to me on a, on a, you know, more depth, I'd say on that. The other thing is at my age, I mean, um, you know, me and Kai just went and clipped uh, bulls and heifers for Oklahoma State University getting ready to go to this cattle congress, you know, and uh, we did that yesterday, me and him. And I'm just saying, even at my age, if I'd have carried that sheep head for all these years, I'm saying I got wrist trouble or elbow trouble. Mm. I'm just saying that even for somebody like me that's that's older into the game, you know, I, I'm still able to do it because of, of the weight, you know what I mean, and all that. So, uh, you know, that, that's been good. So cattle, yeah, I mean, the, the equipment changed a lot. Uh, I mean, on the clipper part, you know, naturally the aerosols, um, you know, I was, uh, I was did a clinic in Ames, Iowa last year, and somebody gave me a, a can of, um, I think, Final Gloss or Clipper Lube from Patterson Show Supply. Now, I'm talking about that's before Sullivan's, you know, mm. before, I'm talking about that, that's, that can, I think, is around in the 40s, maybe 50-year-old. Wow. <laughs> and it still works. <laughs> it still works i mean like i'm like Shh, that's that's like that's insane you know what oh, I mean? so, but i'm just saying is but you know when you get into that whole aerosols and liquids that's you know i mean i mean i'm just saying man we were primitive you know because we weren't even you know the first glue that we were trying to use was 3m glue you know that you put moldings on cars with you know i mean this stuff is like not user friendly i mean you know mm. and then you know, I'm talking about the old leg wax and the saddle soap. I mean, if, if, if people know that, I actually know about how old they are. The other thing is, you know, and then like soap, we got all these crazy soaps. I mean, like, I mean, I'm just saying there's all, there, there is a lot of soaps for a lot of different uses, good soaps, good choices, you know, and from different companies. But, you know, back in my day, it was either Orvis, you know, I mean, there was only one soap. Yeah. You know I, mean? Like, I mean, you know what I mean? It was like, I'm just saying there wasn't that many choices of soap, you know what I mean? Right. And what about so, the what about the styles, the style of fitting that happened, you know, the, the trends that changed, you know, it was getting them getting them really boned up. And, you know, as trends of chat cattle changed, the style of fitting I think changed with it. So what yeah. take us through like when you first started, what what were the big goals that you were trying to accomplish when you were fitting versus now? When I was, you know, when I was a kid fitting. And, you know, we, we were, of course, now, that, like I said, this would be back in the saddle soap days in Hereford. But, you know, one thing, you know, and we, at that time, you know, they wanted them cattle pretty chubby, I mean, and, and pretty thick and pretty stout for the times, you know, and, and they wanted them balanced and all that. And, you know, but we did some weird stuff too, you know, like why we made that tail this big around, you know, back then, <laughs> you know, I don't know why we did that. You know what I mean? But it was just the trend. And, you know, I mean, you know, it was a long time before I had a blow dryer, uh, you know, an actual blow dryer. I mean, that, that was, that was, I was well, I mean, it took me a long time to get one of them. Uh, my granddad believed you need to brush them dry. You know, that was kind of the, that was kind of the trend then was that you brush them dry. But I mean, you know, the other thing is, though, is those cattle were ch chubby enough and short, you know, if you look back in some of them pictures, you remember when they, you know, like you used to, and, and it, it wasn't that extreme, but you'll go to them old pictures and you'll see them cattle like up in straw and you can't hardly, you know, oh, yeah. they like they're like, they look like they're way short. Well, so we, we trimmed their, you know, their belly hair off, 
know, because we were actually trying to make this shorter model look taller, you know. Well, then we went through a stage where, for some reason, we, they wanted them tall, like extremely tall. And I think we've all seen those pictures, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. tall. and it was almost, and we still shaved the belly because the taller, the better. I mean, it was almost <laughs> like, I don't even know what we were thinking, but that was the trend. And I'm going to say this, the grooming trend follows the judging trends. Mm. And whether it comes up with the universities or whatever, but I'm just saying is, and you know, there came a time when they were wanting to back these cattle back down a little. I mean, we got them way tall, you know what I mean? Like way, way tall. And then we were trying to back them down. Well, then we started leaving some hair from the sheath back. I'm talking about in the flank. Mm. Still shaved the belly. But then as time went, they wanted them deeper and, and a little bit shorter trying to, you know, we couldn't just make them shorter like that. We had to do things to try to make them appear shorter. You yeah. know what I mean? So then, you know, I mean, it wasn't just like, bam, okay, we're shorter because it takes a while to breed them back down and whatever the, wherever the focus is going. But, but then we started leaving hair on the belly, you know, and there was a time when people were shaving the necks, just kind of like they do Angus cattle now on the steers and kind of making them look, um, you know, really thin necked. And then, you know, we, we started leaving the hair on the necks. Um, I, I mean, I would be one of the first ones to start that, but, but that was the only way we could do it to make them look chubbier and mm. because of the trend, you know what I mean? And so, so we started blocking the necks in trying to make them look, you know, and, and so to me, they're, you know, like uh, powder. Um, the first, the first steer that I ever fit that won a major show was in 81 and uh it was out it was uh, a steer that won the national western and um we you know when they talk you know we have this aerosol powder now mm -hmm. right well like that steer is i mean we end up taking brick mortar and like black brick mortar and we would put it in johnson baby bottles and then we would spray glue on it, and then we'd take that and just kind of puff it on there i mean man you talk about black i mean like, like you work you know. in a coal mine yeah yeah exactly and then somebody decided they were gonna and come up with one of them like them old fly sprayers you know with the pump oh yeah oh man that was a wreck but anyway <laughs> you know, i mean and but i mean so we were using powder then it just you know it's, it's funny that powder comes back you know a lot naturally it's in aerosol form now you know but um you know and i'm just saying is you know so um, you know, we, you know, I mean, like I can remember like, like just oil, you know, back mm -hmm. when I was a kid, there was no spray oil in an aerosol can. And a lot of times we hear the old term rag oil. Well, and Russ Brandon invented the first rag oil. Uh, and, and what the deal was is you had to put it, this oil on a rag. He made the product, an oil that came in gallon jugs. And, but anyway, he made, and then you put it on a rag and then wrung it out and then you wiped it on the calf and that's how you got oil on the calf. So, mm. you know, so, I mean, I'm just saying there's a lot of different, you know, we could go through a bunch, you know what I mean? But I mean, you know, it's just so, but you know, it was still competitive. It was still tough. I mean, whether you go back out, I mean, you can talk to all these people and, but I, I think the, there's, there, the, there's a lot more of them this, you know, nowadays it's a lot deeper and, you know, there's just a lot better cattle deeper wise and i just think they're a lot 
better fitted, you know, deeper wise, I'm just saying is, and I just think the whole wad is, is a lot bigger, but yeah. So let's, I, I really want to dive into your clinics because this, I think this goes into it perfectly because you start, you know, like you said, 30 some odd years ago, and yeah. then, you know, to now with all those trends, different ways to teach things, um, yeah. different groups of people that come through, uh, when did the, the, the steer walk clinics start and then uh, maybe walk through uh, how, how uh, you guys have evolved? And I'm going to say, you know, the first clinics that, that I ever saw was uh, Doc Brandon, uh, Russ Brandon. Uh, a lot of times you'll see Doc Brandon or Russ Brandon products, you know, and of course he's not living anymore, you know, he's, but I'm just saying is, but he's the one that kind of really was one of the first ones to start the, the show products and the, and he's actually can't feed. He worked for can't feed, mm. can't feed, send him around and putting on these little clinics and seminars, you know, this is way back, you know what I mean? Back in the sixties and seventies, you know what I mean? And so, and I went to him and I was a little bit, to be honest with you, I, I mean, I, 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 when I went to it, I just thought um, there could be more. I mean, I thought, you know what I mean? I, 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 I didn't really, I mean, it was good, but it was almost like so basic that I was almost past that. You know what I mean? I, I mean, yeah. not, not to say that disrespectfully, but that was geared maybe for a different crowd. And I, I thought, man, if we could. So anyway, that always kind of thought, and I, I don't know. But anyway, so we, you know, we, we started the first clinics in 1987. And, and um, in fact, um, we'd only have like six come. I lived, I had a place rented in town at Leedy, which it was a city block, believe it or not. I had the city block rented and we had six people could come with us. And I made a deal with the school. And the deal with the, that I made with the school, our ag barn was, a was well, I'm just going to be honest with you. It was a dump. <laughs> I mean, and I went to the principal and he said, you know, if you will, I asked him, I said, if I could, if I clean that up, would you let me use that for, you know, for free? That, that, and he said, do you, oh, he said, I want that place cleaned up so bad. You don't know how <laughs> he goes, that's a deal. So me and Julie went up there and we cleaned the whole ag barn. I mean, many years of stuff in there. And that's, that's where we had our first clinics and people would come, you know, we had six of them. I think we did two or three that year, you know what I mean? And, and like I said, we just, then we ended up moving out where we're at now. And then I, I built a bunkhouse and I built another ha a building for that those clinics, you know, and, and, uh, we did, uh, for 18 years, we did them here at our facility. We'd have about huh. 20 people come here and, and, um, you know what I mean? And we had every kind of person in the world come here over the years. In fact, I've got, and I mean, I, I stumbled on these and I, I haven't figured out what I want to do with them yet, but I found a huge big box of all the old, old, clinic t-shirts from like oh wow years ago and i'm i'm wanting to do something cool with it but i don't know what yet so yeah, it, yeah. and i mean it was just like a like a living time capsule almost you know what i mean like i'm talking <laughs> yep. about it, it's got there's a lot i mean this box is huge and it's got several years of them of the old t-shirts i mean that's that we awesome. did years ago so anyway but i mean we you know what that um I was big into, I mean, I really believed in educating. I like working with people. I liked helping people. Uh, 
I still do. I mean, it's still, it's my passion. I mean, you know what, uh, if I can contribute and get somebody a push, I'm not telling them how to do it and all that. I just, you know what, if I can, if I can keep people plugged in, in this industry. And if, and I mean, if I can just say, Hey, don't do this. I did this. It was a wreck. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. It was bad. I'm just, you know what, I'm trying to save you some steps here. You know what I mean? I'm just saying if I can do that, you know what I mean? And it's just, I, I really enjoy the clinics. And like I said, we, we did them, but the thing about it is that we did them here for 18 years. And that's like, I mean, that's like awesome memories. And then and why we don't do it, and actually we've been contemplating on restructuring that again, mm. especially with what's going on. But I mean, and so we're kind of gearing up possibly for that um, on having limited number come here, and uh, you know, and, and and so that's that's actually on the burner for us. But um, you know, what why we quit doing that was 9/11. Um, mm. You know, people weren't wanting to travel. Um, you know what and and so we kind of quit. And then, so I started going to them like, okay, in order to get through this 9-11 thing, you know I mean? I'll, I'll come to you. We'll do the clinic there. It'll be easier for me to come to you. Yeah. Than trying to get all you to come to me Yep. because of the times. And you know what? Uh, I don't know. I just seemed like then there were some sponsors and I started doing stuff for different other companies and it just kind of evolved. I mean, I would have never thought, you know what I mean? I would just, uh, never just thought you would have had a show trailer named after you. No, oh, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, that, that wasn't even a possible thought. But anyway, but I, uh, you know, I just, I, um, yeah. I mean, I, I would have never foreseen what what's transpired for me. I so just wouldn't. Uh, of all the places you traveled, you know, you started off locally and then kind of branched out. Uh, one of the funnest things that Corey and I like to do is, is some of the cool stories. Uh, you know, you've you've been a lot of places, seen a lot of things, and. What are some of the most memorable um, places that you've either done a clinic at or, or fit cattle at and, and some of those stories that stand out in your mind? I mean, I, um, there's a lot of them. I mean, I, I and, and when we get done with this, this cast or whatever, I'm going to be like, gosh, dang it. I wish I had told you. <laughs> like, dang, I missed the best thing ever. But I mean, like, um, you know, I, I, um, I did a clinic over in um, um, in British Columbia, and uh, anyway, now and anyway, I ended up doing it over there on Vancouver Island, and so I landed in Vancouver, and then I rode, you know, it's like a two-hour ferry ride over to the island, and and the thing that was so cool about it, two things that was cool about that, there was a car show, like a classic car show, uh -huh. going on at the Vancouver Island that weekend so this whole ferry is like filled with camaros firebirds uh you know like all the classic old cool cars well man i mean so i mean literally we had our own car show going on on that ferry you know going over there like i said it's two hours so we just those guys all got out popped the hood you know so that was like <laughs> you know, i mean it's just like you know we're out there floating around you know and, and then the other thing is along that deal is whales started following the ferry so then like they're they're coming up and like and they're right there and they're blowing you know and, and all and it was just kind of it was like it was just awesome and not i mean it was just something that was like definitely not normal for me you know and um and you know i um, um i did several 
clinics and hockey rinks, um, you know, up in, uh, you know, Canada, mm. you know, I'm talking about the penalty box, the glass, <laughs> you know, the, everything, you know what I mean? So that's not a normal setting for me, you know, but I mean, be a nice cooler room for a calf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no. And I was like, um, and you know what kills me off, which is very, this is what keeps me going. Um, I did a, a clinic in uh, Montana, Eastern part. And, um, I, I went there and the, it was the most beautiful setting. It, I mean, the grass was green. It was an old, old set of fair barns. I mean, like, you know, if these barns could talk, oh, I, mean, man. But the, I mean, yeah, you know what I mean? And I, it was, it was a beautiful place, but it, but it was old and, you know, and you just kept thinking about, you know, and the, and the show ring, they didn't have an indoor show ring. They showed out there in the mm. grass and they had, that's kind of where the deal is. Well, I walked in that building and um, there was somebody trying to blow out a, a heifer and we're fixing to, you know, try to get this clinic organized. Well, they, they blow the breaker, you know, and uh, I said, I said, well, hey, I'll go get that breaker. I'll go get a hold on. And um, so I followed the, you know, the where kind of the, the electric lines back to the breaker. Box. Now I'm talking about this was like two years ago. Okay. <laughs> I went back to that breaker box and it was those glass screws. Oh, the bulbs. Yes. <laughs> and there was a box of them there. And I'm talking about like, I just like, you know what, <laughs> unscrew it and then screw it in. You know what I mean? And I went back there and I'm like, are you from here? And they're like, yeah. And I go, I mean, like, I guess everybody has to have generators or whatever. She goes, well, not, not too bad. I mean, I go, well, how, I mean, how do you run all those blowers? And I mean, this lady looked at me just as serious as she could be. And she said, you know, um, we've only probably got four or five blowers in the whole County. And I was like, Oh, okay. And I'm just saying is, so there, you know, it's, it's humbling. You, you know, we, we, you know, we social media, and I'm just saying is it's, uh, it's, I don't know. It's just heartwarming that there's still places like that, you know, yeah. I mean, it's just like awesome. I mean, and, and so I, yeah, that, you know, I, I've, um, you know, I've did them clinics anywhere from out in the blue sky underneath shade trees. I've did them, you know, I've did them everywhere. You could, you could do them, you know what I mean? And I'm just saying, um, but it always gets back to always the people are awesome. You know I mean? It's just, I mean, it just gets back to, yeah. I mean, um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Those are just a few. I mean, I could, I could name several, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. usual, you know what I mean? I was, so, was going to ask uh, uh, of, of some of those people that you kind of mentored early on that came to your clinics, do any of them stand out now in your mind that like, wow, that guy really took this knowledge and built off of it. And now he, he or she wow. has their own. Yeah. You know, two things I'm going to answer on that right there. You know, I mean, my payment in doing clinics for all these years is seeing somebody that has a God-given talent and they don't know they got it. You mm. know what I mean? Like, like I'm not joking. I can't remember where I was at this year. And I, this girl, like, does a leg or she's clipping. I'm like, I mean, have you been clipping? She's, I mean, is this, obviously, you've probably been clipping some. No, no, this is my first time. I'm just like, you know, that's like insane that you you can clip like that you know what I mean? or <laughs> fit like that and never ever did it before you know what i mean and i mean and she don't even know she's got it you know what i mean and so to me that's that's awesome to witness the other thing that's so cool is i had a kid 
and I'm not going to name his name. So, but I'm going to have a kid that, that came, I, I probably came to as many clinics as you could come to. And I'm telling you what, the first three, I, I was not seeing any progress at all. Mm. I mean, none. And, and he wasn't fast. And I tell you what, but he just kept trying. And his dad just kept sending him. Just kept sending him everywhere I'd go. That kid somewhere, I mean, there he'd be. And I mean, year after year after year after year. And I mean, and after about the third year, I started seeing a little bit of improvement with that kid. Just a little bit. Not a lot, <laughs> a little bit. And, but you know what? But that kid wanted it so bad. And he kept trying and kept trying and kept trying. And, and what's, this is the honest God's truth. Today, he is, a, he is actually a professional cattle groomer. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And I'm just saying, and then to me, if, if somebody wants it and wants it that bad and, and wants it, I guarantee you they can, they can get it. You know what I mean? I, it'll happen yep. if they want it. I mean, and I'm just saying that that kid just, you know, and then you'll see handicaps or things like that, you know, some, some kind of a, a shoot, it doesn't stand in the way of them. You know what I mean? They just, right. that's a, that's the thing that just charges me up. You know, I mean, you know, gosh, I mean, that's just like, I don't know. I mean, I get to witness that and that's, 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 that's my, I mean, it is I mean, super rewarding. I mean, no, yeah. I mean, it's how, just like, how many you think, how many you think over the years uh, that have gone through your clinics, have you, have you kept a tally? If you go back, look over and say, man, I 1500, 2000 more. I wouldn't even know. I mean, I would not even know. I mean, gosh, I don't know. I mean, all I know is I'm getting kids from the first kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's, that's the only stat you need to know. I start getting those kids as kids, and I'd hey, somebody needs to cut my cord off. I don't know. <laughs> like put me out the pasture, right? But anyway. Oh shoot, that's awesome. <laughs> well, one of the things we wanted to discuss is there is no denying that you have a God-given talent when it comes to improving those equipments, those aerosols, the clipper blades, whatever it is throughout the years we talked about the the two-handed sheep clippers yeah. into what we got now and, and you've got a lot to do with that so yeah. walk us through the process of whatever product you want or uh you know you can go with it however you please but i'm interested to know how does it come with a thought and then how do you get it onto the shelf what's the invention process and the companies you have to go through the the, the a to z if you will yeah and I mean, like, and I did it with um, trailers. Um, you know, I did it with uh, clippers and blades. I did it with, uh, you know, grooming products and, and feeds. Another thing, you know, with feeds. I mean, yeah, right. and, and, and that thing about feeds is it's not like that's fast. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, no, we're not, we can't feed it today and then see something tomorrow. You know what right. I mean? So, I mean, you know, there is some, and, you know, and, and you know, like, uh, we test a lot here, a lot of different products, which I love testing because it's, I, I feel like we're on the, the cutting edge kind of like, but the only, yeah. the, the only test that really works is the last one. You know I mean? If you think about that, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. If, if you're trying to get through all that, um, you know, and I'm just saying, you know, um, and I'm, and I'm going to try to think here, like, you know, like, um, you know, blades, um, you know, um, there's a lot there when you're trying to 
come up with a blade and you're, and you're looking at the sharpness, but then you're also looking at the, the kind of metal. And, and then, then there's a stroke on there. I mean, if you think about it, and that's the thing that I, I've learned about um, working with these different companies that, you know, it really works. I mean, one thing that really helps is if the engineers or the people that are designers, you know what I mean? Like they don't know this world, but they know how to make a blade or whatever. I'm just saying right. yeah. or make an aerosol or make a formula or whatever. You know, if those people, if they can get like figured out what you're trying to do and then you're trying to tell them what you want, a lot of times, you know, I mean, that, that's a, that's a bridge there. Yeah. A lot of times not easy. You know what I mean? Right. Because, you know, and then there's limb cattle. What? You clip cattle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, they call them cows. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, right, right. Yeah. So I'm just saying is, and so, um, you know, and I mean, I'm just saying is, it's like, um, you know, but, but here's the thing is like those engineers and some of those, you know, those design designers and stuff like that can shed some light on, well, that's, that's not possible because of this. And you'll be like, I didn't know that. I didn't even know. I mean, I get that now, but I would have never thought of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so to me, I think the communication thing there helps, but I'm just saying is, you know, you get into aerosols and let's just say you're working on a product and like, you've got this stuff that you're wanting to, well, okay, let's just say, okay. Um, one that I'll just come up with real fast because, um, you know, like on the Weaver side, one of the things that was, was uh, the one that was way up there to me that needed to happen was Hereford paint or paints that would match Hereford cattle and, and those, you know, whether it's Red Angus, Herefords, you know, Lemmy, mm -hmm. you know, that, that, right. that's a different color. You know, it's not red, it's more what I'd say brown. And then trying to, to get that, you know, and like I said, we were doing this by phone or by computer. And then, you know, then you're trying to send hair samples. Well, then finally one day, me and Kai just took some different paints and just kind of made the color that we wanted. And then we just sent that. And because they weren't, <laughs> they weren't, the color of the hair wasn't working as good as just them being able to match like a piece of cardboard with the color on there you know what I mean and yeah so that right was, that was that was better for us but anyway but then 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 so then so then you get so say you you try these different samples and finally you you hit on a color or whatever it is that that you know this works you know so you're testing it you know on cattle and and all this kind of stuff well then you know it's like then you've got to name it well <laughs> You know, and then then there's you know that there's a lot of names that you can't use, you know what I mean, because you're infringing on you know different names. You know what I mean? I'm just saying yeah, somebody start, else has used it or yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's not easy, you know what I mean? And and then you gotta get into your labels and all your legal um, you know, stuff on there that you know what's in the can. Uh, then we gotta then you know, then you gotta send it uh, for st stability testing to where it has to live in a can. What I'm saying is where um, under different circumstances, it's called stability testing where, you know, it survives in the can. So, you know, if you spray this six months later, it's not coming out green or like silly string <laughs> or right, right. weird thing like that, you know? And I'm just saying is, and so, you know, and it's, that's why it takes so long to get it, you know, to the shelf 
You know what I mean? Because you got to jump through all those hoops after the testing's been done. Then we right. got to go through all the, you know, then marketing's got to pick up on, you know, the labeling, the packaging, the look, the color. You know, I mean, I'm just saying is, is it's it takes a you just don't launch a product bam like that. To me, it takes a little bit of that to get through that. So, you know, I, I've learned a lot, but I've really enjoyed and I I, I enjoy um I mean, and then a lot of times I'll see something either in the horse world or dog world or my who knows where it could be. Mm-hmm. And that'll that'll trigger a thought for me. And that's just the way I'm I'm built. I I just I'm I'm just I just I don't know. I can't explain that. I just can't. I mean, I'm just built to I like thinking out of the box. I like I don't want to come up with stuff that's just stuff. I want to come up with stuff that works, but yet stuff that makes our job easier, makes it more competitive, makes them better looking, you know, whatever. Right. But I'm just thinking is and and uh, it's funny to me because you know, grooming horses, grooming dogs, grooming cattle. It's grooming people. It's all grooming. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's all grooming in, in a sense. So, so anyway, so, I don't know. If I answered that exactly right, but I mean, this, that's this will be like asking you to pick your favorite child, probably. But if you think, if you think about all the products, uh, feed supplements, trailers, clippers, aerosols, paint, whatever you name it. What What's been? If you could name some of your very favorite ones, stuff that you know. Um, took things to a different level what what would you pick oh my i don't even know i mean you know um you know you know like on the andis blades you know um back you know before uh people were putting you know oster blades on andis clippers you know years ago because andis didn't have a a line you know they didn't have their clipper blade line and so I'd say going through and creating the clipper blade line for Andis, you know, that was a pretty good feat. I think, I mean, as far as just um, something that you could see, you know, cause you're using these things every day and clipper design and stuff like that. I just, um, you know, that's, you know, then they get there, you know, I'd say that'd be up there uh, pretty good for me, you know, um, you know, the, no doubt the, the liquids and aerosols, I mean, trying to name one of them um you know i mean it's just like oh, i don't know if i have a i mean that's like that's hard I, this is a hard question i uh, <laughs> this is gonna be one of the questions i'm gonna be like dad Devin, i wish i'd have said this you know well maybe uh, whenever we come back after our our break we'll have to get you back on after the afterthought is what we'll yeah, i'll be like i thought about that question yeah, yeah i yeah, woke yeah. up <laughs> in the morning and i and you know what i just yelled it out but anyway yeah well you're, you're wearing one on your sweatshirt you haven't even named yet yeah super flex that, that one there would be would rank way up there because um i mean it's a good product and it works and and it's something that we put a lot of time in on them and it's just, it's not no foo-foo dust i'm just telling you <laughs> right I mean, I mean it's it's just but i mean that one's been good and it's, i mean you know our family's involved with it as a family and um you know but so that one's pretty 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 high up there for me you know what i mean but um, you know the trailers have been fun um you know that's a funny story in itself because i was gonna uh, ask how that even started you know uh, they bird dairy berry is actually the guy that he's not uh you know he he retired but you know he he we were flying back on an airplane 
from the show child VIP. And he said, Hey, if I ever get with a trailer company, would you be willing to help a guy out? I'm like, Oh yeah, don't worry. Yeah. Heck yeah. Just holler at me. I, I mean, I just, I didn't think about it two seconds, you know? Well, then I seen him at Kansas city, like six months later, he goes, Hey, I, I'm with a different company now. I'm not, I was with uh, Cherokee or somebody, one of them companies. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm with Cimarron now. And I, I, I got a, I got a deal for you. I want, I want you to come up to the booth. Well, I just kept thinking he's wanting to sell me a trailer. So I just kind of like, you know, I had my, I, I'm not really interested. You know what I mean? So I didn't, I mean, I, I just didn't make it up there. Well, then I seen him in Denver. So I've been another three months later and he's like, ah, dang it. I got a deal for you. You need to come, you need to come up to the booth. And I was like, man, I just don't want to buy another trailer. I just thought, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, but anyway, then Oklahoma city come around and, I get a phone call and Michael Terry calls me and he was the president of Cimarron Trailer. And um, he said, say, he said, um, uh, Bert says, you're a little bit tough to catch. I mean, you're a little bit hard to corner. And I said, well, it's just, I said, no, I'm just not in the market for a trailer. And I mean, he goes, did he ever, I mean, what, I mean, what we're trying to do is like, we're, we're primarily heavy equine. We're wanting to expand in the livestock. And, you know, with that being said, we would like for you to I mean, help you we need your help with designing a trailer you know we don't know how wide the gates need to be how tall this the tie rail needs to be we don't know how many vents we don't know how wide the ramp needs to be we don't know you know we don't we 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 need somebody to help and i was like so that's what you all want and they're like <laughs> i went down there yeah I, I, and i and so uh, i went down there and toured the plant and and I mean, I really like the looks of them. I, and I got wound up after that. I was like, man, these things are cool looking and they're made good and they're awesome people with that company. I mean, and, and now uh, Ben Jansen and his wife are, are you know, president of that company. And Michael, uh, you know, is uh, anyway, uh, they end up, you know, selling the company to the employees. So it's employee owned. And uh, so anyway, and so it's, uh, and I'm, yeah, and it's been one of the best things ever, you know, just because, um, you know, um, and like I said, I wasn't, I didn't really know what they wanted, you know what I mean? And it all happened <laughs> inside a guy in an airplane. And, uh, you know, and, and like I said, now they're, uh, that number, I don't even know what their numbers are, but it's like, I mean, there's a lot of livestock trailers. I'm talking about pig, lamb, goat, cattle, um, horse. I mean, we have, I mean, we have all of them, but anyway, yeah, and that's how that transpired. So, and you know, and that, and that's just you know trying to get with somebody that there again, somebody that can build it, somebody that can design it, but yet somebody trying to tell them what we need out here on the tip of the branch. You know what I mean? Because we're using that stuff every day. And I mean, when you get the the person on the tip of the branch connected with a good set of people and and a and a good company, and I'm talking about and and good. Uh, engineers and people that can build stuff. I mean, look out. You know what I mean? Because that's a that's a that's a perfect mix. And then I've been fortunate. I mean, I've been very fortunate and, and very blessed and very thankful that you know all the ones that I work with. And I mean, I, I feel like they're exceptional as far as their the people involved and the people within and, and able to manufacture what they do. So yeah, anyway, you bet. So, well, wow. we uh, we got the last question for you. And since you're the very last guest ever uh, for, for a while, uh, this is a this is a question we've asked every guest in this season. Uh, and it is it's a simple question, but it can be hard to answer. And that is what are some of the biggest lessons 
that the stock show industry has taught you? Well, I'm going to say for me, like I said, that's a deep question, but that's an awesome question. I mean, you know, because um, it's taught me a lot and I raised my kids up in this. And then I, I'm thankful that I get to live within this industry in what I do. So I actually, you know, I don't have a job. I mean, I, it's, it's, I mean, I'm getting the, I mean, I look forward to every day I wake up, you know, on what's going to happen within this industry. And, and the, you know, so I'm thankful I get to do what I do. I get thankful that I get to do it with who the people I get to do it with. And, you know, I mean, to me, it's just one of the things that that's awesome. As far as lessons learned. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, a, I mean, there, there's more than one for me. Um, you know what? There's plenty of room for everybody in this thing. And I think, and, and I'm going to say this, I think people are, I mean, I, I mean, do you all believe in niches or, or gifts or talents or, you know, that somebody else doesn't have? Because I, I believe in that. And because I'm not thinking this whole showing thing. I mean, I think there's people that can go pick a calf in the raw. I'm talking about wet, hairy, dirty, and they can just find that diamond in the rough where somebody can. I think people, you know what I mean? There's people that are gifted with an eye. People have a talent with the eye. I think people have... I think people that are good at halter breaking. I mean, you know, I mean they're they're communicators. They're 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 calming. You know, they they just and then there's some people that aren't very good at that at all. You know, I mean, they're it's just they're not geared for that. There's people that um, with all these products, I'm talking about a blower and a brush and a comb, and they can make that hair look incredible. Yeah. You know. Yes. And then there's people that can fit with a feed bucket. You know, they can't groom. They can't clip. They can't anything but by gosh they know how to feed cattle you know i mean mm -hmm. they get that done and you know there, there's people that you know can fit you know there's people that can clip and in showmanship there's people that can show i, I mean I, I it's just this this ring i don't know i just this, this spirit that they have this competitiveness or or this look i don't even know what that is so there's all these things that are involved just in showing and I think, you know, people need to find out what they're good at and then, and then go from there. You know what I mean? But I do, you know, it is going to take some hard work, but I say dream big. Uh, you know what? Shoot for the fence. Dream big. You know what I mean? If you want something bad enough and you'll stay with it, you got to stay with it. And I'm just saying is, and the other thing is, is sometimes you're going to have to go through some kind of a time frame there that's it's not really what you expected. It's not what you wanted to be doing. It's not where you want to be at, but a lot of times you got to go through that part to get to where you got to get, you know what I mean? And so, uh, I mean, I think you have to do that. I mean, um, but I just think, you know, I think this, um, um, there's a network of people in this industry, just like everything else that, you know, what can benefit each other you know what i mean i'm just saying is um, right uh, yeah there's a there's a huge network of people in in and what they do there's a lot of fingers of this you know on, on where it goes you know what i mean and and um you know you'll see well you know you know you'll see people that showed and now they're a doctor now they have an acreage yeah now yeah. they have kids and guess what they come back you know i'm just using that as a hypothetical right. thing there but i'm saying is they come back to experience this 
you know, again, through their kids. And so, I mean, I, I think what we're doing here, you know, showing, raising kids with livestock, but you know, it's good for the family too. You know, they say that, you know, the average 4 h is what, 38 years old or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm just saying is, but I mean, I, you know, I, it's one of them things that it is good for the family. And so, um, you know, I, I mean, I, there, I can't, I could get up here and, and go to preaching. I mean, I mean, I'm just telling you, like, I mean, cause I actually believe in this program that much. And, and, you know, I, you know, showing cattle, um, you know what, there's a lot of emotions that go with it. I mean, I mean, I've lived it. I still live it, but having kids, you know, I've had them, you know, we've been balling, we've been, you know, excited, you know, we've been happy. And I'm just saying, you know, I think this teaches a kid and a family because man, it's going to happen. It, it kind of teaches you how to, to me, win humbly and, and lose graciously, you know, as much as you can. And I think that that alone right there sets everybody up for the game of life and, and all that, you know, and then, you know, uh, with this year, like it's been 2020, you know, you know, we can sit there and, and just play, boy, this has been terrible and all this, but actually I'm as proud of this industry as I've ever been because I'm talking about groups of people or associations or whatever have risen, you know, man, we were down for a little bit, like in March there. Oh you know, yeah. There was a month there, you know, me and people like, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? But I'm telling you what, you take from that point on, there's all these alternative shows, these, these jack, I'm just talking about people have figured a way out, mm -hmm. a way to, to create opportunity for these people to show their livestock, you know what, when it didn't look real good. I, and you know what, that says a lot about our industry to me right there and, and the people in it to me, because this was a true test. And I think we've, I think we've, I think we've plowed through that like, like true colors is what I think. I mean, I think we really have showed what we're about, you know what I mean, through all this. I mean, like I said, I'm as proud of our industry now as I ever was because, I mean, people have had to do a lot of things to make different events or different shows or different, and you know what, that wasn't easy to get done. And then, you know what? these schedules are changing left and right. Well, we can't have it here. We got to have it over there. Right. You know, my guy's just like, you know, well, I did a show here at our place. I mean, out here in Leedy, Oklahoma, mm -hmm. 500 people out in Western Oklahoma. I mean, and then, I mean, my gosh, we had 400 head from six States here, 15 <laughs> people in one day. You know what I mean? That just goes to show that, you know, people want to go when they, and I mean, I get everything. I understand. I mean, I'm not going to open up that, that can of worms, but I'm just saying is, but I'm proud of the fact that people created opportunity. And I mean, like I said, I kind of went off a rabbit trail, but I am, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely proud of our industry and the people in it. I am. I just, I, I, I well, we couldn't be, uh, couldn't be happier to, uh, to have you on Kirk and, and, uh, your thoughts are very much in line with, with what I hope the rest of the industry is as far as, uh, how we've finished 2020, and oh, here we are getting ready to start a brand new year. Uh, there's still excitement. There's talks to more shows, uh, bigger cool. events, and, and trying to make this next year even better. So uh, we really appreciate you taking your time, Kirk. It's been, uh, been a great, great discussion. Well, thank you. And I think it's all, I'll tell you what, I think we've all been grounded a shot, you know what I mean? Or come back. And you know what? I think that was pretty good. I mean, I probably, you know, I, 
didn't, it, it didn't do, it didn't hurt me. I needed to, I mean, I don't mean that. I meant I needed to be grounded a little bit right. myself. Yeah. 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 And, and, and kind of get things in perspective and, and, and just be thankful for what, you know, the way things are. And so I'm just saying is so, yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I appreciate, like I said, I, I could ramble on here for, I mean, you get me cranking about uh, all this stuff. I mean, it's, I can't shut up. I mean, well, it's one of the things that I just, I love talking about this stuff. You bet. Well, we appreciate you talking about it and uh, taking time out of your busy season. Well, best of luck to you and your family here in the new year. And uh, we hope to see you at the, the next show. That's the, not virtual. <laughs> oh, yeah, no problem. Yeah, I'm better in person, all right? <laughs> I'm better in person. But anyway, uh, thank you, guys. Like I said, I've always enjoyed being around you guys. Like I said, anytime that um, you want to visit, like I said, and chat and talk, I can just holler out. Like I said, I promise you, um, I know I'll be better to get scheduled than last, last time. So it's anyway, all good. On Tuesday, right? But anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah right. appreciate you, Kirk. Hey, thank you. Y'all have a good evening. And uh, like I said, happy new year. And, and like I said, I uh, look forward to seeing everybody out there. Like I said, somewhere. You bet. All right. You bet, Kirk. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye. That was a good one. Happened again. <laughs> it happened again. It never stops. And I love it. Uh, uh, I, and I, the, the thing is, he is so diverse and on the move all the time, all the time. And to think about, you know, a guy without much knowledge and doing all the the, the um, clinics and everything, he's giving a lot of positivity out there and too. For Pete's sake, the guy has a show trailer named after him. Yeah, I mean, uh, can uh, you name another person in the industry that literally has a show trailer named after him. I'm telling you, and an innovator like oh, yeah. you know, clipper blades or the the 3D steer, like whatever it is. I mean, he's doing a lot of different things. So we were happy to get uh, a cattle episode in here, and um, I think with that, we'll move on. Yeah. Yep, we will. Trevor, um, I think it goes without saying we owe we owe a big farewell to our Stock Talk Nation here for a little while. Yes, we do. And it's not ending because I have a hard time believing that we're just going to let this thing go. No. And rather it's two months, six months, a full year. We don't know. But we're, we're, we're going to come back. In some way, shape, or form, uh, may not be every week. Uh, it may look a little different. Yep. But it will be high quality. I can promise you that. Well, with so many options now uh, to listen to other people talk about our industry, it's it's very fun to know that uh, we're not going to leave anybody uh, empty-handed when it comes to listening. However, uh, we cannot thank Stock Talk Nation enough for the last two years of being a part of what we think um, has been one of the most incredible rides uh, two people could be on here yeah. in this industry. And if you think back on it, like we, we, we had that phone call we talk about all the time and yeah, let's just do it. Let's just see what it does, you know, whatever. Didn't really put, we put a lot of thought into it, but no like emphasis on growth. Yeah. It was just kind of like, well, let's just do it. Yeah. And it turned into a business, and, man, I got to talk to my best friend every week, and we got to share positivity and what the industry does for so many people, um, and we just put a microphone in front of us, and it's been awesome. Um, but with that, our 
you're you got a little one coming that needs attention we got new jobs that needs attention our wives are incredibly supportive of what we do um, and always have been but it's time for us to just put it down a gear focus on what we got at home and then luckily our episodes aren't going nowhere yeah i think if there's if you have enjoyed stock talk the two people that you truly need to thank are Taylor Edge and Emily Kirkpatrick. No doubt. They have sacrificed many late nights uh, of not being able to hang out with us. Um, cold dinners. Um, you know, not being able to uh, spend a weekend with us because we're off recording somewhere. Yep. Um, and so, you know, this is obviously not a full-time gig for us. And so a lot of this happens after hours. And uh, without... A, Without a doubt, those two uh, have made this venture possible. That's right. And I, I've I've had mentors in the past even say if you're going to if you're going to be involved in the livestock industry, try to find a wife that supports that. Mm-hmm. If you want to do something, make sure you have a life partner that is your your teammate. Yep. And luckily, I think we found that, and they were they kind of laughed at us at first. Okay, this podcast thing. We we let them be on the the Valentine's Day episode last sure year, did. and um, then it kind of took off, and we got serious about it. So, very thankful for the wives, guys. Happy New Year! Um, I wish you the absolute best in twenty twenty one. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. These past two years have been absolutely amazing, and we cannot thank you enough. Uh, I know it sounds cliche because we say it at the end of every episode, uh, but we can't do it without you. And the support we've had um, day, day in and day out, week in, week out, ha- has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, and we never, never knew what this deal was going to turn into. And it's turned into something that we'll never forget. Um, but it's not over. It's just going to stop for now. And we cannot wait till next time. We just don't know when that next time, next time is going to be. Happy New Year. Go celebrate safely. And hope everybody the best of health and much success in 2021. Corey, I'll let you take it away this time, my friend. Well, folks, for the last time in 2020, you've listened to another episode of Stock Talk. Happy New Year. 